Hey there, welcome back. Let's see what's going on with my touch, man. Funny how time flies. La 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 You screwed everyone. Trump gets screwed by co-defendant's lawyer during hearing. I heard they were trying to sever, trying to have their own separate trials. Ah, thanks for the 53k. Hey, Trump, come out with your hands up, stupid fucking terrorist thing. That was a warning shot. Come out with your hands up, you go to a clinic jail, Dr. Donald's. Michael Popak, Legal AF, with more breaking news and analysis about Mark Meadows taking the stand in his own defense in federal court last week, and how by doing so, he's committed the crime of perjury that could be used against him, not just by Fonnie Willis in the Georgia criminal prosecution of Mark Meadows, but by Jack Smith as well, as a new crime. Using that against him to wow. once again squeeze him to roll over on Donald Trump and testify for democracy and justice. What am I talking about? Well, first of all, I'm starting to doubt that Mark Meadows, who used to be a, a, a member of the House of Representatives and the chief of staff, number four chief of staff for, for Donald Trump, I'm starting to doubt whether he's literate and can read because wow. he and his lawyer, because they did this together, decided it was a good idea for him to waive his Fifth Amendment privilege and uh. take to the stand to try to argue that all he was doing was regular, normal chief of staff stuff within uh. his job description, and he wasn't doing anything that was improper or political in nature, and he denied, and this is where the perjury comes in, he, he denied point blank that he, Mark Meadows, was involved at all with coordinating the fake elector scheme. Let me repeat that, because when I show you next, and I read to you next, not just what Fawny Willis wrote in her own brief, uh, where yeah. she called him out as a liar under oath, which is called in the business a perjurer, but it's inconsistent uh, with just what was in the Jan 6th Select Committee report. This is where I'm saying Mark Meadows can't read. I am going to read to you from what, in the published report that's months old, the exact email that uh, Fonnie Willis used against him in cross-examining Mark Meadows and showing that he lied. So first, in order to be a perjurer, you have to take a position under oath, swear to tell the truth, and make a statement. And he did. He said unequivocally, unequivocally, I, Mark Meadows, was not involved with the organization, organizing of the fake elector scheme at all. I was not involved. That's almost a direct quote from the testimony. Okay? That's pretty easy to refute if it's not true. When you deny any role in the fake elector scheme coordination, you better hope to God you're right and that there's no document out there. But it's not even a guessing game. It's not even a guessing game because the email that Fonnie Willis used is referred to on page 309 of the, of the Jan 6 committee report in the chapter under chapter 3. Let me give you the title, Mark and counsel, 
fake electors and the president of the Senate strategy. That's a good place to look. It's right in the middle. I know there's no pictures, but you, you need to read your prior testimony or at least testimony of other people. And I will tell you now who I now believe is the number one witness cooperating with Fawny Willis against Mark Meadows among all that she's brought in, all 75 plus that she's brought in between two grand juries is Cassidy Hutchinson. Remember Cassidy Hutchinson? Yep. The very brave young woman in her, in her mid-twenties who Good was Mark one, Meadows' Cassidy, executive assistant or assistant to the, the chief of staff, right? And she at first had a Trump lawyer assigned to her, bought and paid for by Donald Trump, who told her not to remember things that she told him in preparation that she remembered. Why don't you not remember that? That made her uncomfortable. She searched her soul. She talked to her priests. She talked to her parents. And she got a new lawyer. And when she got a new lawyer, whose name is Jody Hunt, a well-known lawyer in the District of Columbia, very well-respected, she changed her testimony, cooperated with the Jan 6 Committee. More importantly, she testified in November, the right, Jenner last November, to, the, to Fawny Willis's a special purpose grand jury and is cooperating with Fawny Willis's special purpose grand jury. It's not pulling teeth. She's cooperating. And I am sure that both her own emails and texts that she turned over to, to Fawny Willis, consistent with her testimony at the Jan 6th, and what she said particularly about Mark Meadows and his involvement with the Trump presidential campaign, right? Not, not the West Wing, not the White House, not the Oval Office, where the chief of staff is, but the political side of the Trump world, the Trump campaign, the Trump PAC. And that's where Mark Meadows, right in the middle, almost like a point guard, dishing out information, coordination between the Oval Office and the campaign. That is political. That means you're not operating as a federal officer under the color of your office. And that means you stay in Georgia state court with Judge McAfee, and you don't get to go to federal court under a unique aspect of federal removal law. But Mark Meadows put a lot on the line by taking the stand. I mean, most legal analysts including this one on legal labs and there's no way he's doing that because the risk reward uh, the risk reward equation is so off kilter the reward is you get to try a case in federal court but you get Fawny willis still you get georgia law still it's still not pardonable by trump in the future because it's state crimes not federal crimes um, and yeah, you get a little bit of a, a little bit of a faster track to the U.S. Supreme Court, but that can't be the reason you take the stand. And if you're going to take the stand, don't lie, right? Rule number one, cardinal rule number one: when I represent clients, don't lie on the stand. Don't say something that's not true. And if I know they're going to say something that's not true, this is the alert to the lawyer: don't put the witness on the stand because now you're guilty of a crime. It's called suborning perjury. Now, Mark. Introducing the FilterSorb Whole House Water Conditioner, a complete home. Mark Meadows gets, is so off kilter. The reward is you get to try a case in federal court, but you get Fawny Willis still, you get Georgia Law still. It's still not pardonable by Trump in the future because it's state crimes, not federal crimes. Um, and yeah, you get a little bit of a, a little bit of a faster track to the U.S. Supreme Court, but that can't be the reason you take the stand. And if you're going to take the stand, don't lie, right? Rule number one, cardinal rule number one: when I represent clients, don't lie on the stand. Don't say something that's not true. And if I know they're going to say something that's not true, this is the alert to the lawyer: 
don't put the witness on the stand because now you're guilty of a crime. It's called suborning perjury. Suborning. Now, Mark Meadows gets paints himself into his own quarter, both in his uh, cross-examination, well, his, I'm sorry, his direct examination by his lawyer, where his lawyer is asking him questions. And he says categorically, I was not involved with the coordination of fake electors uh, at all. And then in cross-examination, they bring up a document. More importantly, just read the pages from the Jan 6 report. I think everybody's now ready for my teaser, and I will now read. If you turn to page 309 in your hymnal, and this is what it says in section 3.2 by the Jan 6 committee, under the header, President Trump and the campaign adopt the fake elector scheme. Remember, we're looking for something that says that Mark Meadows was involved with the coordination of the fake elector schemes because he said he didn't. He wasn't involved under oath. Here's the report. In early December, the highest levels of the Trump campaign took note of Chesbro, Ken Chesbro's fake elector plan and began to operationalize hey, it on December 6th. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, Mark Meadows alert, forwarded a copy of Chesbro's November 18th, 2020 memo to Trump campaign senior advisor Jason Miller, writing, this is Meadows' comment in the email, and this is the same email that Fawny Willis used to show that he's a perjurer at the hearing. Quote, let's have a discussion about this tomorrow, close quote. Miller replied to Meadows that he just engaged the reporters on the subject, to which Meadows wrote, if you are on it, then never mind the meeting. We just need to have someone coordinating the electors for states. Miller clarified that he had only been working the PR angle and that uh, they should still meet, meaning Miller and Meadows, to which Meadows answered, got it. Later that week, Miller sent Meadows a spreadsheet that the, camp, that the Trump campaign had compiled, it listed contact information for nearly all of the 79 GOP nominees to the Electoral College on the November ballot for, listen to this list of states, see if they sound familiar, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, the seven battleground states that the fake electors were used in. And on December 8th, Meadows, continuing with the report, the Jan 6 report on page 309, on um, December 8th, Meadows received a text message from a former state legislator in Louisiana recommending that the proposed, um, quote, Trump electors from Arizona, Michigan, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Nevada, all meet next Monday at the state capitals, call themselves to order, elect officers, and cast their votes for the president. Then they certify their votes and transmit their certificate to Washington. That's a easy email about a coup to which Meadows replied. Now, you'd think at this point Meadows would reply, leave me out. I'm not participating in a coup, and here's my resignation letter. Instead, Meadows replied, we are. In other words, we are going to call all of these electors together and have them vote for the president. Cassidy Hutchinson John 6 committee report, a special assistant to the president and an assistant to the chief of staff, Mark Meadows, confirmed Meadows' significant involvement in the plan, the electoral fake elector plan. Hutchinson told the select committee that Meadows followed the progress of the fake elector efforts closely and that she, quote, remembered him frequently having calls, meetings, and outreach 
with individuals and this just being a prominent topic of discussion in our office, meaning his coordination with the campaign and others on the ground about the fake elector scandal. She continued, when asked how many of his calls or meetings it came up in the fake elector scandal, Cassidy Hutchinson replied, dozens. Okay, Mark and your lawyers, how about before you take the stand, you read the Jan 6 report? I mean, I know you don't have access to the grand jury testimony uh, that resulted in your indictment, but you know it's in the public record, don't you? Um, so it was malpractice for the lawyer not having done what I just did, which is to go back to the Jan 6 report and find that information and make sure his client was accurately prepared. It's either malpractice or he just suborned perjury by putting a witness on Meadows that he knew was going to tell a lie. And the email that's now been used in briefing and in cross-examination of Mark Meadows demonstrates once and for all, it's the same email referenced in the Jan 6 report I just read from on page 309 that Mark Meadows just perjured himself. That has implications, as you can imagine, because that is a separate crime that can be indicted separately in by either federal prosecutors, because he did it in federal court in front of a federal judge. So the local Department of Justice for Atlanta, the Northern District of Georgia, U.S. Attorney Alert, could prosecute him for lying on the stand in front of a federal judge. Okay, and then that could be used by Jack Smith, of course, to squeeze Mark Meadows even harder because we've always been confused about is he cooperating or is he not cooperating? There's aspects of the Jack Smith uh, election interference indictment that look like Mark Meadows is cooperating by some of the statements made, but he's not even listed as an unindicted co-conspirator. He's not mentioned at all. So what's going on? We, we always wondered that. Is, is he just, Mark Meadows isn't playing ball and he hopes later on he will? Well, now Mark Meadows has placed his own, you know what, firmly in his own vice to which Jack Smith and the Department of Justice can now turn the wheels. You don't have to do that, Mark. You could have not taken the stand and go and try your case in state court by taking the stand and perjuring yourself. Now, Fawny Willis can prosecute you and the Department of Justice through the Northern District of Georgia U.S. Attorney's Office uh, can prosecute you for lying to Judge Jones. And Judge Jones, who heard all of this, could then take disciplinary action and make a referral of the lawyer for Meadows and refer him to the Bar Association for possible discipline and disbarment because you're not supposed to allow your, your client to lie on the stand. You're supposed to use some modicum of due diligence to maybe, I don't know, sp spring 20 bucks and go buy the Jan 6 report, read everything in it about your client before he takes the stand. You know, and look, there are plenty of situations to, to answer some questions that may already be coming up on this hot take. What happens when a lawyer maybe doesn't know the client is going to lie until the client gets on the stand? And then you know, because you've done your diligent research, and you know your case, you know the client has just said something that is not possibly true. What do you do? Well, then you owe a, a higher calling and duty to the federal court and to your ethics and to your rules of professional responsibility than you do your own client. And you ask for a timeout. You ask to approach the judge. You, you approach the judge with the other counsel in chambers without your client, and you tell them we have a problem. The problem is my client, I believe, has just lied on the stand, and I cannot suborn perjury, and then it takes a whole different track. That's what a competent, ethical lawyer is supposed to do. I've seen it in my own career. That's not what happened here.
But we're going to continue to follow why Mark Meadows and the others of this gang that can't shoot straight seems to be too smart by half and maybe can't even read um, why they are doing the things that they're doing strategically, tactically, or just because they're not that smart in this 19-person indictment, including Donald Trump in Georgia, and the offshoots of it in federal court that we're now seeing. We'll follow it on hot takes, just like this one. I do it here, and then we pull it all together in a podcast on Wednesdays and Saturdays, also on the Midas Touch Network, called Legal AF, and yes, it's what you think. If you like what I'm doing in hot takes, give me a thumbs up here. You can follow me on all things social media, at MS Popak. Until my next hot take... This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. She doesn't know Instagram. She just uses Instagram. At Fry's, you can save big today with sales and promotions on your favorite items. And you'll find it all. Weekend show. Sunday, September 3, 2023. I'm Anthony Davis. Welcome to The Weekend Show, where we take a deep dive into the news of the week. You can support my work and independent journalism at patreon.com slash five-minute news. Our guest today is the author of eight books, including American Rule, How a Nation Conquered the World But Failed Its People, and Midnight Kingdom, History of Power, Paranoia, and the Coming Crisis. Jared Yates Sexton, welcome back to The Weekend Show. Anthony, always good to see you, my friend. Um, We're into September now, but August was a kind of momentous month in American political history, and, you know, not least because the disgraced former president faces now a total of 91 charges across four criminal cases, 44 federal charges, 47 state charges, all of them felonies. Uh, The Fulton County uh, District Attorney has charged Trump and 18 others in connection with efforts to reverse his 2020 election loss uh, in the state. I never thought this would happen, you know, because it has been a while since January 6th. The coup, the insurrection, the riot, whatever you want to call it. And yet, the fact that it has taken two and a half plus years is actually now being used as being weaponized by the Trump team. And they're like, well, if I'd have done something so bad, why is it taking you guys so long to do anything about it? How, how do you feel about this, you know, these indictments? And do you think that it's the right thing at the right time? First of all, I'm no legal expert, but 91 indictments, is, uh, it strikes me as bad. It strikes me as not a good situation when you, you're looking down the barrel of uh, almost... And he says he's not guilty of all of them. I mean, this is the thing, you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, I might have done that one and not those 90. Like, he's denying everything. Abs- absolutely. Um, I, you know, to talk about this thing, um, I'm, I'm going to do something that's antithetical to a lot of political discourse. I want to talk about this in, a, in an actual nuanced, adult, mature way. First of all, is Donald Trump guilty of all these things that we all watched him do in real time? Absolutely he is. Um, Should he be held accountable for what he has done? Absolutely. Like you, 
I did not think he was going to get charged with these things. I did not think that the legal system would hold him accountable. But let's also be mature and admit that our judicial system, our institutions, our political system did not particularly want to charge a former president with these crimes. He forced their hands. And we can both admit that that is true, that it is political in nature, but that also doesn't mean that it's not true that he did these things and that he deserves uh, to be held accountable for it. Um, you know, I, I personally... Will you choose James T. Kirk as your fleet commander, a pioneer of space exploration? Selecting him increases reputation gained from factions, as well as grants a space exploration boost. Or will you decide to travel a more strategic route? Choosing Spock as your fleet commander grants efficiencies in construction, mining, and research tasks. You can also decide to go a darker route and elect Locutus of Borg as your fleet commander. Who will strengthen your ships and award you the upper hand in player versus player combat? The choice is yours. This is your final frontier. think there are a lot of people, Democrats, Republicans, independents, you name it, who really wish that Donald Trump simply would have retired to Mar-a-Lago. He would have crashed people's weddings, done photo ops, uh, you know, come out to hail to the chief every now and again, and do that for the rest of his days. By continuing to insist that he would run for the presidency and possibly even become, you know, the, the 47th president, uh, I think that forced a lot of hands. And so, you know, I, I, I think we have to look at this, again, maturely. We have to be honest about it. We have to not take someone like a Jack Smith or, or uh, the Attorney General Merrick Garland and say that these are messiahs and heroes. We have to look at it with a little bit of a, you know, a, a side askew. But we also need to understand that Donald Trump is uh, getting his just desserts for what he has done and the role he has played. But I want to point this out, Anthony, because it wouldn't be me if I didn't point this out. While Donald Trump is being held accountable for these things, while the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and a lot of the people in his orbit are being held responsible for it, the people who funded this, the people who strategized it, the people who basically ran the entire operation, the billionaire donors, their institutes, their think tanks, their organizations, have gone completely without any scrutiny whatsoever. Donald Trump has eaten up a lot of scenery in this, taken up a lot of oxygen, and I don't think that is uh, an accident in any way, shape, or form. The, the lobbyists and the think tanks, these organizations, they play a very large role in American politics, and they are, as you say, largely hidden. Federalist society, for example, you know, these kind of organizations that are under the radar. People know they're around, and they don't know how much influence they may have. And yet there is always some kind of plot going on for something. Installing, that, that word installing a president or installing a leader. I mean, I find it fascinating that in this country, you don't have to vote for a leader to be the leader of the party. Like, anybody can just be like, okay, I'm going to run for the Republicans. And kind of nationally, they become adopted by osmosis. 
know, in the in the UK, a, a party leader is is voted upon, and then that leader becomes the prime minister if they win a general election. So it's very interesting to me how it just kind of people just roll with it. But I did want to say that there is now evidence that Merrick Garland did delay the investigation of, of, of Donald Trump. Talk to me about the culture in the U.S. of not wanting to indict a former president. Well, I want to go ahead um, real fast. I want to add something to something that you just said. With these institutes, these think tanks, I, I, I don't think this is something that gets brought up in a lot of political conversations. The Republican Party is a, a public relations front for these people. Like, people who want to think that, like, Mitch McConnell, or back when, you know, he was particularly effective and, and lucid, that he was sitting in an office drafting legislation or plans, that's not true. These things are created by groups that are funded by billionaire donors who go ahead and institute this all around the country. The Republican Party is largely a, you know, it's a clown car. It's a group of people who continually uh, push culture war ideas, controversial ideas that go ahead and sort of prick the, 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 the fears, the uh, uh, insecurities, and the, the prejudices of their base. So that's Kevin McCarthy actually... is a good example, right, because he's not a smart guy, doesn't no. have the vocabulary or the ability or the intellect to be able to no. do some of the things that are happening. No, he absolutely doesn't. You know, um, Kevin McCarthy is literally every single day as Speaker of the House attempting to save his political life. Yeah. And so much of it is trying to keep this wild card Freedom Caucus to, you know, keep from basically submarining his entire office. But to go along with that, one of the things that you just brought up uh, in terms of Merrick Garland not necessarily wanting to prosecute Donald Trump or not wanting to go after former presidents, it's necessary to understand that prior to our current moment, we're in this moment of upheaval. I, I, I call it a moment of crisis, and there are plenty of reasons why it's happening. Um, there is a big power struggle happening right now. The Republican Party is being taken over by authoritarians who want to go ahead and push people like McCarthy or McConnell out of the way in order to use the power of the government for a certain thing and to basically break up the neoliberal order that we've been living under. That neoliberal order, that consensus... It was very much a beltway culture, Anthony, in which Democrats and Republicans hung out all the time. They knew the same people. They were funded by the exact same people. They disagreed on this and that and what the tax code should do or what this should do, you know, at the margins. That's where they fought most of their battles. And meanwhile, you know, you could talk tough. You could talk about George W. Bush, you know, uh, prosecuting an illegal war, global war on terror that killed over a million people. You could talk about Ronald Reagan did this or Bill Clinton did that. But you were largely playing a, a, a game of softball. You know, you, 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 were, you were still hanging out with one another. You shared a lot of the same donors. You had the same goals. But what is happening right now is a hostile takeover. And, and one of the things that's happening is that Donald Trump, who I don't think he could explain this to you if he had to. Yeah. I, think, I think he intuits it. I think yeah. uh, uh, well, he's a mark, isn't he? He's like an empty vessel, a blank canvas, and he's perfect for these people to manipulate. And he's because he doesn't realize. No, he has no idea what he's doing at any given time, but his yeah. distaste for uh, um, authorities, his distaste for limitations and checks on his power are inherently fascistic. And what they've done is they've broken a lot of the, or they've revealed that a lot of these institutions are broken. And a lot of the very, very smart people who I'm talking about, these ideological right-wing authoritarians, they saw what Donald Trump did and they've taken advantage of it. They've just absolutely run roughshod over the past few years because of what Donald Trump has revealed. When it comes to Trump 
and his blatant criminality, his just absolute overt self-dealing and cravenness, he has pushed the hand of people who really do not want to be in the business of prosecuting former presidents. And why? Because you could probably prosecute almost every former president for some crime or shape or power. The office is more or less being there in order to do things that, upon closer scrutiny, are a little bit problematic. Nobody wants to go down that road, but it just so happens that Donald Trump's peculiar brand of cravenness meant that something had to be done. And so it's it's a reluctant act, uh, top to bottom. This is what concerns me because, you know, so much that happens in U.S. politics is performative. Yes. And I would, you know, argue that, you know, raising the debt ceiling and government shutdowns is performative. There's no reason for it, right? It's like, you've got to carry on with the government. Just carry on funding it. It's just debt is debt is debt. And yet there's this whole theatrical production that goes with it. And the media, they put things on the screen, you know, 10 hours to shut down and... And, and tragically, in those situations, the people that pay the price are government workers, federal workers, who go without a paycheck for a few weeks. You know, I know it gets paid back, but even so, it's like life is not good for them. Meanwhile, the wealthy continue to enjoy their lives. So, so it is inherently unfair. But the performative aspect of this, of sending him to the Fulton County Jail to get booked and the mugshot and all of the... You know, people are comparing the image to Che Guevara and all this stuff. It's like, seriously, this guy committed a coup against his own country. There's 91 charges. I mean, you know, there's no shortage of criminality. My fear is, though, that if he's never going to be incarcerated in the same way that Merrick Garland didn't want to investigate him in the first place, there's no precedent for incarcerating a president in the United States. Yes, we can look at Nicolas Sarkozy and France and whatever, but Europe is not America. I don't see the point in all of this performance if he's not going to be punished like a regular civilian. Well, Anthony, what you're discounting is the emotional part of this entire um, let, let, let's be very clear about things like the mugshot. And listen, I know this isn't going to endear me to some of your viewers. I know this isn't going to make me popular to say... I was actually very turned off by the mugshot discourse. Um, you know, the, the the large part of this was the humiliation of it, making him go into this place, get a mugshot taken. Of course, people, um, and this has always bothered me, we have to talk about how much he weighs. You know, we, it, it's basically the equivalent of, like, putting somebody in a public stock, right? And, and, you know, just basically having them become a sin eater that we can look at and say, this person is suffering consequences. Obviously, everything must be right in the world. Um, it's very performative, and it is in, 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 in a large way what we have seen over the past few years. As governmental power has been uh, uh, undermined, which is one of the problems, going back into the late 1970s and particularly in the 80s and then the 90s, governmental power has been completely curtailed. Uh, in the past, the government and government officials used to be able to do things for people, make lives better, to invest in social projects and social safety nets. Since then, it has become professional wrestling. 
there's nothing for these people necessarily to do besides to lower uh, tax rates for the wealthy, to occasionally inject money into the economy during times like COVID, in which otherwise the entire economic system might melt down. But otherwise, they're arguing about whether or not we should have gas stoves, right? You know, uh, Ted Cruz, I think this was a really telling uh, clip recently, where he said, the government said that I can only have two beers a, a week. Well, that's not what the government said. You know, this is an Ivy League educated lawyer who isn't a good old boy from Texas. But he pretends like he is because it helps his fundraising. It is a character and it's a performative act. So what has happened is that 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 inertia for the government to do things for people has been replaced by the simulation of doing things for people. They can go ahead and personalize the anger of things, which is why Donald Trump was a perfect leader at this moment for these people. He didn't really do anything for them. He actually made their lives worse. He actually continued on, uh, you know, the, the gross inequality and historic inequality. He actually went ahead and he didn't drain the swamp. He added to the swamp. He didn't actually build the wall. He told them he built the wall. But what he gave them was emotional catharsis. And unfortunately, what's happening in our politics is it's moved from being a process by which the future is supposed to be made better to a point in which the present is supposed to have some sort of an emotional catharsis that substitutes in for anything actually being done. The former president posted a video on Thursday of him holding up a T-shirt with his mugshot on it and was like, come and get your T-shirts. Fundraising off of that image, which he wanted. He wanted a mugshot. He wanted it to go viral. He wanted the, you know, all of the, the, the trappings of, of, you know, the, the iconography. And that is, the, for me, the saddest part of this, is that we're now in a situation where a former president of the United States is, is proud of his criminality, is proud of his mugshot, and, you know, is about to go into an election year where he'll be in court more than he'll be on the debate stage. I mean, it, it, it can't be good for America just what it's doing to the country in the meantime, you know, because aside of whether he's convicted or not, this process, I mean, the four years that he was president were bad enough, but we've had him on screen every day since. And now, like like uh, the My Pillow guy, he's selling merchandise. Yeah, it actually harkens back to the good old days of Dillinger and Capone. You know, uh, uh, America particularly America's strain of capitalism that has just grown over us like so much kudzu at this point, it emphasizes destructive things. And I think we're going to talk more about this in this conversation. But one of the things that's happened here is that Donald Trump has literally taken an incredibly shameful thing. He has been indicted for, again, over 90 things that he has done wrong in betraying the country and trying to lead the country astray. Um, this, in the past, would have been a moment for him to have said goodbye to the limelight, gone and, and taken his medicine, and America would have learned from it or a country would have learned from it. Instead, now he's embodying the villain role. And one of the things, whether or not it's in modern politics or professional wrestling or whatever it is, People like to root for the villain sometimes, particularly in moments in which they feel powerless or they feel like the system isn't fair. And for the record, the system is not fair. Um, I did an interview a couple of weeks ago, Anthony, where someone said to me, can you believe that people don't trust our institutions anymore? Can you believe that people don't trust the judicial system? Can you believe what Trump did? And I said, he didn't do that. 
There are reasons we shouldn't trust our systems and our judicial system. They're legitimately corrupt. So as a result, Donald Trump has figured out a way to make money from that, gain power from that, and take advantage of what is actual frustration. And in that case, and this is a kind of a losing hand that we find ourselves in currently, the Democratic Party, because it's in power and because the Republican Party has become a fascistic authoritarian movement that is trying to destroy everything, the Democratic Party has been um, turned into an institutional defender and guardian, basically telling everybody who knows that things are not right and that things are not working correctly, hey, I promise you, if we just stay patient, things will figure themselves they out. They become the conservatives, Jared. I mean, that's yes. the irony. They are the Republicans. They that's care for the Republic. They want to keep the Republic together. And, and, and yet the, the traditional Republicans have now become the, the rebel alliance, you know, or, or, or the... Or the um, you know they they they've got their own agenda and it does not because for example Marjorie Taylor Greene we're not a democracy we're a constitutional republic I mean this language is pushing further and further away from that tradition of conservatism and and wanting to protect the republic yeah come here come here I want to show you something neither movie is twenty four hour permanent TV. Our patients come in with missing or damaged teeth. And in 24 hours, they leave with this. And it completely transforms their life. When you shop Wayfair's Labor Day clearance, you get deals so big, we'll have you saying, Am I a big deal? Because it's a big deal when you get a big deal. Wayfair deals so big that you might get a big head. Because with a sale this big, you can get your dream sofa for half the price. Shop Wayfair's Labor Day clearance now. Wayfair, you've got just what I need. Yeah, and what has actually happened is that conservatism and liberalism in the last 40 to 50 years, starting back in the 1970s going into the 80s, they sort of blended into this neoliberal sludge. Again, there were... You know, there were conversations about, you know, should we allow gay marriage? You know, what, what role should women have in a society? What should civil rights look like? Like, those were real, actual discussions. But when it came to what the government should do and how the economy should function, largely it was a consensus. And so what has happened in the past few years, as this, as this consensus has led to really destructive things, you now have a new breed of Republicans. Um, I call them neo-fascists. Um, I write about the fact in the Midnight Kingdom that they are absolutely obsessed with getting rid of liberalism, representative government, and democracy. They will tell you, if you listen to them, if you read their books, you even listen to their campaign speeches, what they tell you is they want to use the power of the government. They've learned from Marx. They've learned from Lenin. They want to use the power of the government in order to tear down representative government and create sort of a neo-feudal state in which they are, they are in control of everything. And for people listening at home who say, that doesn't sound like small government, 
No, it's not small government. It's very, very large government because these people understand something that a lot of other people haven't for a long time, Anthony, which is principles of the Republican Party were never principles to begin with. If you believe in small government, you don't care what people do in their bedrooms. You don't, you, you, you don't care who they love or what they do. If you're really for those values, that's not something you concern yourself with. They're not fiscally conservative. They run up massive deficits every time they're in power. These are simply weapons. And this new breed of Republican that is taking over the Republican Party, they are not what you would consider conservative. They're, they're radicals. They're very, very dangerous people. And the threat that they represent has put everybody else on the defensive. And, and I'll tell you, in times where things aren't working, being on the defensive, it doesn't work that well. Yet of the six or seven videos that Donald Trump posted in the last few days, each one includes him. He was foaming at the mouth, incidentally which I found quite revolting. He kept saying they're Marxists, they're fascists, they're communists. And this now is becoming a kind of, you know, it, we heard it a little bit before. But, you know, it, it bears no resemblance to reality. It's mainly projection. But the irony is now that this critique of the other side as Marxists is actually should be turned on its head because, as you say, their inspiration is coming from some of these political movements of history. Yeah, it's actually really interesting what's happened. You know, I, I used to be a professor in the humanities, and one of the things that we often talked about was how language and meaning got twisted up and turned around. I'll never forget the day I got out of a meeting and I saw that Marjorie Taylor Greene had referred to uh, communist corporations which is an incredible construction. You know, it really, truly is. And what has actually happened, in, and I hope I don't get too far in the weeds here, what has actually happened is that American corporations have realized that liberal and or tolerant ideas are what make their products more acceptable and appealing to people because the majority of people are accepting and tolerant and care about people not feeling oppressed. And, and this well, references diversity and inclusion, for example. Any right, of these companies which, that are trying to be more diverse and more inclusive, it's good for business. And, well, yet, and it keeps them from being sued. Right. Let's be very clear yeah. about that. Like, yeah. quote-unquote, woke corporations are actually worried more about being boycotted or being sued than they are, you know, pushing forward liberal or woke ideologies. Corporations are not ideological. That is, that is their founding. That is their entire basis. It's, it's the but, bottom line every time. Right. But the basis of what people like Marjorie Taylor Greene or other of these new breed of Republicans want to do, Anthony, they literally want to use the power of the government to compel corporations and media institutions to espouse their ideology. They understand that the majority of the culture doesn't agree with what they believe in. They, they understand that their ideas are incredibly unpopular. But they are based on historical ideas that by going ahead and, and creating a dictatorship of ideas, a minoritarian dictatorship, you can go ahead and change discourse. You can go ahead and change culture by compelling it to accept your ideas, which is where they're at now. And they're trying everything from um, J.D. Vance, uh, the despicable senator from Ohio, uh, on the campaign trail, talked constantly about letting people with children have more than one vote. Right. Or, uh, you know, now they talk about raising the voting age like they're trying everything in their power to dismantle democracy yeah. so that they can use these democratic institutions to their own ends. And the entire purpose of it is to create a, a cultural hegemony that they can use as a weapon. Voting only on one day. 
um, you know, doing away with proxy voting or, or, or mail-in voting. You know, they, it's so obvious, though. You know, this is the thing that's like they're not trying to hide the authoritarianism. And, and maybe in years gone by they did try and hide it, but now it's just out there for all to see. And I am very surprised that the media has not picked up on it, has not done more focused journalism about the rise of fascism, the rise of authoritarianism in the West. I want to talk about that in some detail in just a moment. We have to take a quick pause for our sponsor, and then we'll come back with more from Jared Yates Sexton. I'm excited to tell you about Moink. That's Moo plus Oink. Moink is a meat subscription box company on a mission to fight for the family farm. They're located in rural America, run by an eighth-generation female farmer. Their animals are raised humanely, their employees are paid a living wage, and the quality of their product is better than anything you'll find in the store. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did, and as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should, because the family farm does it better, and the Moink difference is a difference you can taste. Now, unlike the supermarket, Moink gives you total control over the quality and source of your food. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops and salmon fillets and much more. Plus, you can cancel your box delivery any time. I personally have struggled in the US to find meat that doesn't have antibiotics in it or hormones added. And finally, I found a place where I can just go and trust that all of those things are taken care of for me. Now, I know that this is the right thing to do. I'm sure you will too. Just keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash weekend right now. And listeners of the show get free ground beef for a year. That's one year of the best ground beef you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. So go to moink, spelt M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash weekend. That's moinkbox.com slash weekend. I've always found it difficult to find clothes that I like to wear. And when I find one thing that works, I just buy loads of them and just wear the same thing all the time. Well, men's closets were due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible set of products known to man. And here's why. Roan helps you get ready for any occasion. The commuter collection offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, zips, and polos. You'll never have to worry about what to wear when you've got the Roan commuter collection. The comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work or your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the products. It's that easy. And with Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. I personally love a technical fabric, something that is advanced and uses technology to make a more comfortable and more modern outfit. 
Now, the commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. So head to roan.com slash Anthony and use promo code Anthony to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Anthony and use code Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y. It's time to find your corner office comfort. It's The Weekend Show. I'm Anthony Davis. There was an article uh, that was published in the Washington Post last week. The headline, Journalism Fails Miserably at Explaining What is Really Happening to America. It was written by Will Bunch. I just want to read, Jared, a few sentences from this. You and I have been discussing this kind of offline, this article, and I know that you also felt compelled to talk about it because, you know, from my perspective as a journalist, it's very frustrating watching the network channels, the cable news, and seeing what people are being served when there is so much more to discuss. So the article said, if you watch the hours of TV news coverage during an especially momentous week in August, there was little sense that of that reality, and for long stretches of pundit blather, none at all, as talking heads gave earnest high school debating marks to candidates who were all but ignored by the GOP voter base talking about the, the GOP, GOP debate, of course. Uh, the disconnect deepened the next night as Trump turned what would surely be his comeuppance, his surrender at Atlanta's bug-infested county jail for fingerprinting and a mugshot, into an outlaw display of authoritarian force. They say it was a remarkable night of imagery over substance, yet there was little discussion of why this accused felon was getting a phalanx of dozens of motorcycle cops comprising police who are drawn to Trump's authoritarian bluster like moths to the light. Trump, glowering mugshot, instantly becoming the most talked about picture in American history, yet not one pundit was able to explain why tens of millions of everyday voters are so eager to return him to the White House, a man who attempted a coup, or why his poll numbers rise with each indictment. Over to you, my friend. Yeah, I, I, I thought Will's article was uh, really well-written and really well-reasoned. Um, Anthony, there, there's been a problem over the past few years. You know, I, I got into uh, this political game back in 2016. I was going to Trump rallies, and I was telling everyone what I was hearing, you know, from his supporters and what I was seeing in this movement. And I was screaming. I was like, this is a really dangerous thing. It's letting loose these authoritarian energies. It's radicalizing people. This is going somewhere very, very bad. And I kind of had a moment where I was like, why, why aren't more people picking up on this? Like, why, why is it that this very obvious thing isn't getting more play? And occasionally there would be moments where, and I'm sure you remember these, I'm sure your viewers do as well, there'd be articles, like in the New York Times or the Post, there'd be like, is Donald Trump a threat to democracy? Yeah. Question mark? Yeah. Should we right. be calling it fascism? Should we be calling yeah. it fascism? Yeah. And also, you know, we brought up January 6th earlier, I don't know if people remember this because it's 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 a very upsetting thing. We all watched an attempted coup play out live on television in front of the entire world. And for a few hours, it seemed like everybody understood what was going on. And within 24 hours, major pundits and journalists were like, I don't think what we saw actually happened. I, I don't think it was as bad as we thought it was. Yeah, it was tourists. And, and I think a lot of what has happened, uh, it, it can be broken down into a, a couple of key points. One is that our media, as much as they despise Donald Trump, and they do, they are addicted to him 
to no end. Our, our media, our economy is wired for self-destruction. We need to keep people terrified. We need to keep them anxious. But we also need to keep them tuning in. And Donald Trump is the biggest gift that the media has ever had. Um, he, he, you know, Occasionally, Donald Trump tells the truth by accident. And one of the things that he told the truth about was when he said the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the media absolutely loved him because of what he did for their ratings and their subscriptions. He's 100% right. And, and it has been the case. And they, they love anything that keeps people terrified and continuing to click or to look on. The other problem in all of this is that our media class is largely comprised of wealthy, privileged people. Uh, it, and, and I don't know if, again, your viewers know this. It costs a lot of money to live in New York City. And... To work as a journalist, and they don't get paid very much, whether it's in print or online or cable news media, you don't get paid that much. So as a result, you need to go ahead and have something that will make sure that you can pay for an apartment in New York City or keep you afloat, which means that most of the people who are there come from money. They come from privilege. As a result, they're not that interested in critiquing the institutions that are decaying. And so whenever they look around at the world, and, and this is something that I think Americans really struggle with, we have a hard time recognizing what's actually going on. Because to look at the problems with America means looking at the narratives we tell ourselves about ourselves. Like, if you are a really, really successful pundit in the New York Times or MSNBC or you name it, you're at the top of a ladder. Are you going to go around telling everyone that the ladder, like, is rotten? That the latter was unfair. As a result, you don't want to look at white supremacy. You don't want to look at patriarchal power. Well, you don't it's want to self-sabotaging, isn't it? This is the problem. self-sabotaging. Yeah. So we have an entire media class. And, and, and by the way, uh, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of Americans are screaming at these people. Why do you not recognize what's happening? And why do you keep making it worse? And these people are largely uh, in their own ecosystems and bubbles. They can't reckon with what's going on, and they can't reckon with their own part in it. It's good for business. At the it's end of great the day. for business. Because most people don't watch the news. And, you know, look, I have a confession to make, and that is that I am addicted to Donald Trump. I, I am addicted to him in as much as, and this is like a quote from Howard Stern years ago when he was talking about the rise of his radio show. People listened because they just wanted to know what he was going to say next. And it's the same with Donald Trump. It's like, can he get crazier? Can he become more abusive and aggressive and inappropriate? And, and he's ramping it up at the moment. I mean, I've been putting some videos out, kind of really trying to kind of analyze his language. And I do get a sense that it's becoming more abusive towards Jack Smith and towards Letitia James and towards Forney Willis and anybody who is against him. And the problem with this now, though, is that even those moments are good box office material. My addiction to him is more about trying to save American democracy. You know, I, uh, I personally, because I come from Europe, where we get daily reminders of the, the threat of authoritarianism, you know, bomb sites along the streets of London, areas i live next door to one that was never rebuilt or new buildings in the middle of a row of old buildings oh yeah well that's where a bomb landed in 1942 you see so it's like constant reminders but we don't have that here in the u.s and so as you say this kind of media elite it's not something they need to worry about 
in the same way that my reference to the government shutdown earlier, you know, the reason that politicians play with these moments is because it doesn't change their lives. Those two weeks without a paycheck doesn't affect them. But for regular people, it does. Well, and let's go ahead and let's talk about red state and blue state America. Like, one of the things that has happened in the Republican Party is absolutely taken advantage of this. It's that red state and blue state America are worlds apart from one another. And whenever you're sitting there, and, and I noticed this all the time on social media, it broke my heart, Anthony. People would say, I wish the South would just secede and get it over with, and we can live in different countries. I lived in Georgia for a decade. I, I grew up in Indiana. I have to tell you, there are people in those red states who are absolutely in danger. They've been oppressed. There's, you know, they, they live there and people say, well, they can move. Well, it takes money to move. And blue states, because their state of living is often better, they're more expensive and maybe their jobs don't work there. We need to start recognizing that there are a lot of people, whenever we start talking about politics like it's a game or it's a strategy, right? And, and you'll see these centrists who are like, well, you know, I, I, I believe that, like, people of color have been discriminated against, but, like, it's bad for politics to talk about it too much. I wish they would, they would calm down with it. And, you know, I know women feel bad about what happened with Roe v. Wade, but maybe this isn't the right issue in this election. Or gay and trans people, they really turn off people on the suburbs, so maybe we can deal with that later or whatever. You're literally talking about people's lives. Yeah. And that authoritarianism that you talked about in Europe, it gave us a really haunting lesson, which is you do not defeat it by sacrificing people. You do not defeat it by playing footsie with it and playing games with it. You take it on directly. Um, England, for instance, people might not know this. England had a problem with fascism itself. It was really picking up steam before World War II. Same thing as the United States, for the record. The reason that England was able to avoid some of the same traps that fascist countries didn't is because they confronted it in the streets and they said, you're not welcome. Yeah. You're That's referring to people like Enoch Powell, for example. Exactly. Who, who and, took to the streets to kind of deliver a message of fascism and, and the people rejected it. The people literally got in the streets with bottles and brooms and they said no. The United States had a problem with fascism and largely was able to avoid it because, not just Pearl Harbor, but also because FDR created a jobs program that recognized that a bunch of people who were out of work can sometimes be, you know, massed into a fascist crowd. So the whole point of this is that the media elite that we're talking about, they live in bubbles in which they don't experience this stuff. I, I was so shocked in 2016 as a, as a person who grew up in an evangelical community where they said, how is it that all these evangelicals are supporting Donald Trump? And for anybody who had ever spent a moment in any of these churches, they knew immediately why it was happening. They knew that this idea of religion that these people had was completely fabricated and false. So what has happened in middle America away from these bubbles, it explains everything. It, it tells you how this happened, why it's happening, what's happening, where it's going. And the problem is that we have a media class that is so insulated that they don't have the ability to understand it, recognize it, communicate it, and particularly, and most importantly, really reckon with it. They're, they're completely lost when it comes to this stuff. It's not fashionable, is it, you know, to talk about the negative. People, you know, it's almost like the negative has become the dramatic. But actually, it needs to stay negative. And, and, you know, historically, I'm just thinking about the Enoch Powell. He made a speech uh, which I think was entitled Rivers of Blood. Rivers of Blood. And 
No, this t- if you look at that language, doesn't it's not dissimilar to the language that Donald Trump is using now. And yet there is something missing. The fact that so many people can support Donald Trump, and yet that language, because I refer to it as abusive, this is the kind of new word that I've realized, he is abusing Merrick yep, Garland, yep. he is abusing Jack Smith, and, and not to mention the, the black women that he's abusing. And this language, it is, it is it's like dynamite, like that thing is going to just go off. And, and whilst we all love a firework display, you throw a stick of dynamite into the mix and suddenly you're, you know, you're not going to enjoy the show anymore. And that's my fear, is that what damage is being done? Hi there, good morning. Just cleaning up some... Or cleaning up, getting prepared for the return of my M&O's. And uh, live Trump is having a complete breakdown before our eyes. Ha ha. Ready to start eating healthier? Meet Kachava. Kachava is the world's healthiest all-in-one. Welcome to <laughs> Political Beatdown. And my cell is joined by the one and only Michael Cohen. We've got a great show for you today. Cohen, want to get some updates? Is this deposition with Donald Trump happening on September 6th? What we do know is that Donald Trump will not be showing up for his arraignment in Fulton County, Georgia, because he entered a not guilty plea and waived his arraignment. We'll get to that in a moment. I want to show everybody these truly deranged videos that Donald Trump has been posting of himself. I mean, he's been posting a ton of just despicable and disgusting things, but, like, it's really ramped up to a level of just complete and utter... I don't even know what to describe it. So, Cohen, you're a better wordsmith at all things Donald Trump than me, so I'll get your reaction <laughs> to those. because I graduated valedictorian from Trump University. <laughs> New York Attorney General uh, Letitia James has filed a summary judgment in the civil fraud case where she's seeking at least $250 million. And in her summary judgment, she states there is no disputed facts at all that Donald Trump misclassified assets to the tune of billions of dollars on an annual basis. Donald Trump also filed his own summary judgment looking to uh, dismiss the case. Also, going to show you a bunch of clips over the past 24, 48 hours of these MAGA Republicans in the Senate and the House as they prepare to uh, get back into session in the coming weeks and threatening to shut down our government. More of this performative, weird stuff that we can compare all of that to what President Joe Biden's doing. Michael Cohen, how are you, sir? It's been a uh, hectic couple of days since I saw you and the Brigaders. Uh, let's start with the very first thing, which is the nonsensical rantings of a lunatic mind. That's a line from young Frankenstein. Um, Donald is running scared. And this is what he does. He needs to vent. And the only way that he could vent right now is to do it through his postings on, whether it's on Twitter or his untruth social platform. He needs to vent in order to make himself feel better, better about the situation. He technically knows that his you know, his ass is cooked. There's 91 counts against him. You have the additional ones now 
which is from the Fulton County DA. You're right. He decided to waive uh, the um, arraignment, the presence uh, at the arraignment, which he can do. He pled not guilty. I uh, didn't want to stand with the other 18 co-defendants. You know, that should be a telltale sign to the other 18 co-defendants, too, when, you know, the guy who's the lead of it, the single most recognizable and important name in the entire scenario, in the entire RICO charge, decides that he's not going to do it. So this now brings up a whole nother issue. As you may remember, because you were the first to know, Donald is expected to appear for a deposition transcribed and videoed uh, on September 6th. And the question was whether or not he was going to show up as a direct result of the September 6th arraignment. Well, now that he's waived the arraignment, it is expected that he will show up. However, we still have not received confirmation from his counsel that he is going to show up. If in fact that he doesn't, it's back to court for more motion practice, unnecessary. Again, what does it do? It just jumps up the legal expense. This is what he likes to do. He bleeds you out dry, probably because he's not even paying Brito in the first place, or he got him for some ridiculous low price. I don't know what it is, but this is the game that Donald is going to play. That so, Cohen, are your lawyers up. reaching out to Trump's lawyers and saying, hey, this deposition's going, and right now what you're telling the brigade is that Trump's lawyers are basically ignoring your lawyers? So far that he has not responded back. We are awaiting uh, confirmation. I will tell you some additional information that came out uh, approximately an hour or so ago. Uh, the judge ruled on that motion regarding... Uh, the information and the classification of the information. Uh, the judge in the case was very Solomonian. Uh, he provided us the better half of the body, so to speak, in this. Uh, Donald uh, can mark certain things as classified or uh, for a gag onto it. However, they do have to then provide an explanation to the court as to why they believe that it is uh, if we challenge. Uh, there also, he's been warned that they cannot uh, put classification on each and every document that they were due to have already provided to us. Uh, I'm going to get to the real Keppa on this. You guys are going to love this. Uh, so he cannot mark everything classified um, or gagged, so to speak. Um, that's the judge has already warned them not to do. And because we have now been waiting for our discovery documents and the court had uh, mandated that they provide it, the documents must be turned over by September 3rd, which means, of course, that <laughs> that's Sunday night during this Labor Day weekend. Uh, I don't believe, and again, it's my personal opinion, I think the judge was absolutely appropriate in making this decision, considering the games that uh, Brito and Trump have been playing literally since day number one. Uh, you know, I have a right to defend this case. This is not, despite the fact everyone believes, or most, if not all pundits believe, that this was retaliatory, 
that it's a frivolous uh, lawsuit. Nevertheless, I want to remind people that it is a um, lawsuit for $500 million. And nothing that comes from Trump's camp, especially when you're talking about numbers such as this, should ever be taken lightly. And so we're not. have Ben Brodsky on the case. I have Danya Perry on the case. Uh, and they are, uh, Lillian uh, Timmerman is on the case as well uh, from Danya's office. And I think they are reaching out. They are doing everything that can possibly be done in order to move this case forward, which, as you know, Ben, is interesting because it is generally expected that the plaintiff is the one who's pushing the case forward, not the defendant. me in the executive question mark be your vp we you know we want certain documents we need certain information in order to, you know, provide the defense, you know, and obviously defense will be a motion to dismiss. That's what we need. Now, I will tell you, there's even more. You can't make this stuff up. As you also know, Ben, and based on the clip that you showed, at least the photo, uh, Tish James made a statement that in 2015, that Donald Trump had overinflated his assets by um, somewhere in the ballpark of $2.2 billion. Um, I can confirm that I am expected to be a witness in that case as well. Um, and I will probably be subpoenaed uh, any day now. I will receive the subpoena to appear as a witness for the state in that specific case as well. Um, I do have to say that as much as I want to see Trump held accountable for all of the cases that are pending against him, for the things that he legitimately did, sitting on the stand as a witness, whether it's a civil case such as this one, or the criminal case that will be pursued by Alvin Bragg in March, it's not easy. And I want people to remember that I appeared before seven congressional committees, approximately nine hours um, you know, uh, per clip, not to mention 23 meetings with the Manhattan DA, a handful of with the attorney general. Uh, you know, I have done my part to hold Donald and his cohorts accountable. And I do really have to say it is mentally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. And um, I'm preparing myself 
for it because once his counsel starts to cross-examine, it's going to be no different than what the Republicans did during the House Oversight Committee, which is just to attack my credibility, attack my uh, integrity every second with every single question that they ask, because they think by doing so that that's going to help to exonerate Donald based upon the documentary evidence as well as the corroborating testimony that Tish James has. Uh, it's an uncomfortable feeling to be attacked verbally that way, you know, been down this road before, uh, prepared again, but wanted to just share that you know, it is um, emotionally and physically exhausting. And we appreciate you, Cohen, opening up and, you know, having these candid discussions that you and I have privately a lot about just how we feel about these things, like speaking about our emotions. And yes, people know the Michael Cohen who they see on Beat Down and CNN, you know, and they know you for your intelligence and that you don't hold back. Um, but what they should know also is that you're a human. And going through all of these ordeals takes a toll. When you get sued for $500 million in a federal court, and Donald Trump is likely funding this through political action organizations, and you have to post a legal defense fund, I, I know how hard that was for you to do. I know what a, pr a proud individual you are. So for you to have to come here and say, hey, Ben, you know, we really got to do this legal defense fund because like I need to have lawyers and, and I don't really have the resources to go up against, you know, someone like a Trump and the brigaders came through, everyone's come through. I'll, I'll mention that legal defense fund now, which goes to your defense in the case that Donald Trump filed against you in the Southern District of Florida. There it is right there at the firewall fund com and in the description below and that's how you were able to get these top lawyers donya perry ben brosky who's done uh, incredible work so thank you to the brigaders for contributing there and, and michael thanks for it's hard to open up to us and it's a side of you that i know privately through our yeah. friendship but you know the fact that you're opening it up to millions of people like the brigaders miss saying look this is really tough on me it's you know it, it, gets it, it even takes worse, a something and, you know there's a part that i also didn't express you know uh, i don't have to tell the brigaders how insane these maggots um can be you know when i was testifying before the grand jury for the New York district attorney's case, um, you know, somehow or another, they managed to get my home, which is a private, it's a private number, it's a block number, but somehow they managed to get the number, uh, maybe for, you know, somebody at the Trump org doxed it or something like that. But, you know, I'm getting phone calls at um, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, every hour on the hour, um, you know, I'm generally awake at 12. And so I pick it up and they start yelling and screaming. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously a lot of nasty um, at that start flying about uh, being Jewish, uh, about being a rat, you know, and all these other, you know, really sort of stupid, nasty stuff. So, you know, I now I take the phone off the hook, um, you know, Every night, I just disconnect the plug, you know, to the uh, to the main line, and it's just um, 
this is the dog whistle that Donald has blown. And it's sad because I'm subpoenaed to testify. And as a result, I must go in or I could be held in contempt of court. Now, of course, when I always talk about the two-tier system of justice, why wasn't Mark Meadows right, uh, held accountable or others when they failed to appear for congressional subpoenas, congressional judicial subpoena? They both carry the same weight. Well, I'm not going to fight it because I am not part of that two-tier system. Maybe I will be if I run for Congress and I win, but right now I am not. And I have seen how the system works when you are on the opposite side and that we'll call it privileged tier is weaponized as Trump did with Bill Barr remanding me back to prison because I wouldn't waive my First Amendment constitutional right. So you could only imagine, you know, what could potentially happen if you defy a judicial subpoena, which I will not. Um, and, you know, we'll take it from there. Uh, on top of that, as you know, if by looking at you may remember from uh, Tuesday's uh, episode, one of the things that we did is we showed the calendar and how the calendar is basically filled. I mean, this is like a full, there you go, a full social calendar all the way up to election day. And there is going to be a massive amount of overlap. And so, you know, I'm involved in two of these. I'm involved, obviously, in the Trump org civil fraud suit that you see there, October 2nd of 2023, as well as the uh, New York hush money trial of March 25th. Well, this creates a real problem because not only do you have Super Tuesday on March 5th, but there's also another matter that is taking place uh, that same March 5th date. Uh, and I think that's at one of the Jack Smith uh, cases I think it's the, it's the um, or is it potentially uh, the election interference? I forget which one. There's so many. It's hard to actually remember his schedule. I'm trying to remember my own schedule. Um, it's why he's behaving in the manner that he is. That's how he behaves when he's cornered and frightened. So, Cohen, in about first 15 minutes of this political beat, and there's so many, it's hard to actually remember his schedule. I'm trying to remember my own schedule. Um, it's why he's behaving in the manner of civil fraud suit that you see there, October 2nd of 2023, as well as the uh, New York hush money trial of March 25th. Mm -hmm. well, this creates a real problem because not only do you have Super Tuesday on March 5th, but there's also another matter that is taking place uh, that same March 5th date. Uh, and I think that's at one of the Jack Smith uh, cases. I think it's the, it's the um, or is it potentially uh, the election interference? I forget which one. There's so Just uh, I'm posting this uh, schedule on um, <clears throat> Facebook. Schedule. Bummer. Oh, the skies are blue. 
home Alabama Lord I'm coming home to you not down with you right which one there's so many it's hard to actually remember his schedule i'm trying to remember my own schedule um it's why he's behaving in the matter that he is that's how he behaves when he's cornered and frightened so colin in about the first 15 minutes of this political beatdown we covered a lot. You broke a lot of news here that's not being reported anywhere else about the uh, judge's order uh, in the Southern District of Florida, about your testimony that you expect to take place uh, in the New York Attorney General's case. If you're okay with it, I want to break it down as a litigator who's litigated in federal and state courts to Make sure everybody understands kind of the important implications of, of, of everything that you said. So just to be clear, the judge in the federal case, the one that Donald Trump sued you for $500 million, is that Judge Darren Gales? Yes, it is. Okay, so Judge Gales, just so everybody knows, law and order, no-nonsense judge. Cohen, I believe he was appointed by Obama in 2014, an impeccable reputation, so uh, I think all accurate. So Donald Trump files this case in the Southern District of Florida, Miami Division, trying to make it as inconvenient for you and difficult for you as possible, probably hoping to draw a judge that he appointed. You've got a law and order, no-nonsense judge. Just because the mm -hmm. judge was appointed by Obama doesn't make it a good him a good judge so happens to be that happens more frequently than the opposite way around so you have this deposition that's set for september 6th uh donald trump uh, in addition to having to show up for this deposition on september 6th has to respond for a request for production of documents that you propounded where at the deposition on september 6th your lawyers would get this document production um, based on the allegations he's made about but not you. September 6th. He has to provide them by September 3rd. Correct. The deposition, September 6th. That's what I was going to say. That's yes. why the judge ultimately ordered that they be produced before the deposition, because the reason your very smart lawyers sequenced it this way is so by the time there's a deposition, They'll have the documents and about a three-day buffer right. to go through it to make sure that they can be prepared. So a big order that the judge made is Donald Trump on that Sunday turn over all of these records because you're about to be deposed so your lawyers can use those documents in the deposition. You use the term that Trump is classifying these records. And just to be clear, what, what you mean to say is designating them as confidential pursuant yeah, to confidential a confidential classification. 
pursuant to a civil protective order. And what the judge is not allowing Donald Trump to do is do what's called a blanket protective order or blanket confidentiality designations. In other words, what Trump wanted to say is that every document I turn over and everything I say at this deposition should be presumptively confidential and kept secret. What the judge is saying is, no, you're not different than any other litigant. If you're dealing with things that need to be kept confidential, for example, they involve trade secrets or proprietary information on a case-by-case basis. You can make a confidential designation, Donald Trump, but Michael Cohen, you can then challenge that at any point in time and say he is just saying confidential when in fact Trump is making this allegation against me in the complaint, which most of the stuff that you're going to be asking him is stuff that he is putting out in public that is defamatory against you and slandering your reputation. So you're going to basically argue, judge, he's saying these things about me publicly, so he can't now claim this is secret. To restore my reputation, I want to show that he's lying in this $500 million complaint that he filed publicly. So that's why this order by the judge saying no blanket confidential designations, turnover records September 3rd, and right now the deposition set for September 6th, why all of that is so important, and I find it astounding, Michael Cohen, that Trump's lawyers, as of this point in time, have not even confirmed that he's going to show up to the deposition to your lawyers, who I'm sure are reaching out to him and just saying, hey, you know, Danya Perry, for example, you know, I believe she's in New York, and so she's got to fly, make travel arrangements, so she's exactly. going to want to make sure that he's showing up because otherwise there's going to be serious sanctions against him. And she's being a professional. And it sounds like his lawyer is doing what his lawyers do, which is non-responsive, ignoring it. But I just want to make sure I... Let's also not forget, by the way, that he cannot take the fifth across the board. You may remember that he made an allegation, that his lawyer made the allegation on his behalf, that uh, he cannot answer series of questions because it would be violative of his uh, Fifth Amendment constitutional right against self-incrimination, information that could potentially be used in other actions that he's currently indicted upon. I mean, this whole case is wackadoodle, to use a legal expression. I mean, it is just wackadoodle. He certainly, neither was his counsel thinking when they decided to file this action. They had to understand that I wasn't cutting a check for $500 million, that this case would have to be defended. And one way to defend the case is you depose the plaintiff. So he knew that he was going to be deposed. So you have to start to say to yourself, well, then why did he do it? Well, we know that he fundraised off of it, and he also made a massive splash in the media uh, for it. And on top of that, in his, again, why is he doing the clips? Everything is very circular with Donald. Why is he doing these clips? Because he needs to get something off of his chest. He was so angry that I testified to the grand jury, which ultimately resulted in the first indictment against him. 
He was so angry about that that he needed to strike back. And the way that he was going to strike back is through a lawsuit. And the lawsuit is for, as we, again, $500 million. So this isn't like something you can take lightly at all. It was meant to make a splash. It was meant to sort of show that he's, you know, a uh, litigious tough guy and that he was going to set the record straight. And one way, of course, is by demanding such a massive amount of money to be paid based upon my con my conduct, uh, which, again, is uh, this whole case is just retaliatory. You don't believe he's going to show up at that deposition. You think he's too scared, too cowardly. Well, I think he can't. I, I don't think it makes sense for him. If I was his lawyer in this case, Ben, I would never allow him to show up because the questions that will be asked, and he will have to answer them because they are germane to the, um, to the case that was brought against me. It is important that I have these answers so I could defend myself in this case and be able to make you know, an, um, another motion to dismiss uh, based upon the evidence that is provided, uh, not just by uh, Donald, but also corroborated to the uh, emails, text messages, et cetera. That's why this is so important, but he cannot provide that information for fear that it could incriminate him in other matters. You know, for example, you know, there's also, again, the Tish James case. Uh, this is, you know, this is a real, this is a real problem across the board for him. And so, you know, would I recommend that he do this? No. On top of that, uh, many people have said, I'm talking about legal pundits, that, you know, this is a case that will be ultimately dismissed. And then, of course, we will um, make a determination whether, you know, to seek sanctions against him, something that you may recall he, meaning Donald and Alina Haba, have already been sanctioned in the Southern District of Palm Beach. And that was in regard to a similar um, baseless and frivolous lawsuit that was brought against uh, Hillary Clinton and other people by Donald. And they were sanctioned close to one million. million. Yeah. They were sanctioned close to $1 million, and the ultimate irony is that they tried to assert RICO claims, civil battery low, Clinton and others, and the judge, Don Middlebrooks, was like, this is the ravings ravings of a lunatic. Like this, there, there's no even consistent thread in what it is you're alleging here. And in a very scathing sanction, uh -huh. Judge Middlebrooks said every single allegation is false. And when we're talking uh -huh. every single allegation, <laughs> even some of the most basic ones, wow. like they sued someone uh -huh. and said he was from New York, but he was from Virginia. They claim uh -huh. that someone was the head of the DNC. The person was not even affiliated with the DNC. You know, and all of that crap uh -huh. works in right-wing propaganda world, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But in court, in real world, you know, these these MAGA people, they because they go on Fox all the time, and Sean Hannity, and Tucker, and all these places, and Newsmax, and they just get the softballs, and they, like, live in this bubble where Hunter Biden's nudes are, you know, and, and Bud Light and, and uh, you know, and Mr. Potato Head, like when they go into the real world, 
with most Americans, yep. you know, you know, Democrats, independents, people who have left the Republican Party, we look at them like I call it fascist Furby talk because it's like, what are you, what are you even talking about? I, I want to show you these clips though of Donald Trump that you've yeah. been talking about. These are videos that Trump made of himself, mm-hmm. and Trump announced on his social media platform. He goes, "I'm pleased to inform you that I will be doing videos on Truth Social." That will Yay. be discussing many subjects in many time frames. You will be able to choose the video and policy that you like and may want to reply on Truth Social and Joy. But of course, they're not about any policy. They're the rantings and ravings of a lunatic. So here's one of the videos that Donald Trump just made like 60 of these. Okay, we're not going to show you 60. I'm just going to pick like four of them. But this is Donald Trump attacking President Joe Biden. Play this clip. Crooked Joe Biden is not only dumb and incompetent, I believe that he has gone mad, a stark (laughs) raving lunatic with his horrible and country-threatening environmental open borders and DOJ FBI weaponization policies. He is a mental catastrophe that is leading our country to hell. Can you say projection and confession? (laughs) Cohen, I want to get your response to that, but let's take a quick break. Eating well does not not have to be boring. Feel your best this fall and satisfy Uh. your cravings proud away to convince people to vote against their interests and distract them from tangible things that are being done or attempting to be done. Doesn't mean Biden always is successful, but he's aiming towards how do we help people? And Fox wants to and Trump wants to, and MAGA world wants to distract from all that. Let me show you another clip that Donald Trump made of himself. This is him again, doubling, tripling, quadrupling down after. This is all happening too, like after he's uh, indicted now multiple times. Just spewing the lies, saying that we have a department of injustice that's rigging this election, like they rigged the election in 2020, or play this clip. We have a Department of Injustice rigging the election for crooked Joe Biden. Unless it is quickly stopped, all future elections will follow the same path. Our country is heading down a very, very dangerous road, and it has to stop. These are very dishonest people we're dealing with. We have to make our country great again. And if our elections are going to be rigged or if they're going to use weaponization on elections, it's going to be very tough. To make it great. We are a nation in decline. We are a nation that is failing, but we will turn it around very quickly. The election of 2024 is the most important election in the history of our country. We have to win or we won't have a country left. Thank you. Again, more threats, more lies. Let me just show you one more quote. This is what By the way, Ben, before it. we jump on to that one, hasn't he already warned not to do things like this. So it goes into something that we talked about during the last episode, which is now we have to wait to see what the judge will do, because this is exactly the gaslighting and the danger that this man poses. So yeah, let's go to the next clip. The next one right here is him talking about Georgia, again, where he just pled not guilty and where he has conditions that would seem to prohibit conduct exactly like this. I easily won the great state of Georgia in 2016. Did a fantastic job as president. 
for Georgia and the entire USA, received 10 million more votes than I got nationwide in 2016, got by far the most votes in history for a sitting president, but shockingly lost Georgia. And again, he goes later in that clip, which is not in that clip, but he talks about how he believes he won Georgia, and again, just whining that Georgia was, was rigged, but constantly, like, by the way, just whining over and over again. He's always the victim. Have you noticed that? His consistent pattern is that he is always the victim in every scenario that doesn't go his way. And of course, it's Joe Biden administration that weaponized the Department of Justice. No, look at my book, Revenge. Look at what the title is, which again was finished and went to publishing a year ago. Well before Donald started this bullshit about Biden weaponizing the Justice Department to go after him. How Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. We already know what we've seen from Jeffrey Berman, the head of the Southern District of New York at the time, how Bill Barr's office was putting pressure on them regarding my case. We've already seen all the things that the Department of Justice did. Who gets 48 hours to plead guilty or they're filing an 80-page indictment against you and that's going to include your spouse? Who gets something like this? I'm watching these assholes. Look at the calendar. The calendar puts Donald out well over a year. All of these folks, including this guy from the Oath Keepers or the, or the Proud Boys, whichever one, today got 17 years. These trials didn't take place in 48 hours from a Friday to a Monday. So who's the real weaponizer of the DOJ? Where is Bill Barr to spill the beans? Where is Congress to hold a hearing demanding Barr come in and to spill the beans? Yeah, I mean, this guy's good idea. Spews nothing but lies. Why does he turn around and say that he's, um, let's see, something stupid. Uh, 6-3 and 2-15 stands up seen all the things that the Department of Justice did. Who gets 48 hours to plead guilty or they're filing an 80-page indictment against you and that's going to include your spouse? Who gets something like this? I'm watching these assholes. Look at the calendar. The calendar puts Donald out well over a year. All of these folks... Um, this guy from the Oath Keepers. Or the, or the Proud Boys, whichever one, today got 17 years. These trials didn't take place in 48 hours from a Friday to a Monday. So who's the real weaponizer of the DOJ? Where is Bill Barr to spill the beans? Where is Congress to hold a hearing demanding Barr come in and to spill the beans. I mean, this guy stands up there, spews nothing but lies. Why doesn't he just turn around and say that he's, um, let's see, something stupid. Uh, 6'3 and 215, the same height and weight as Tom Brady, the same height and weight as most outside liberty seen. All the things that the Department of Justice did. 6'3 and 215, the same height and weight as Tom Brady, the same height and weight as most Outside linebackers? Seriously? Yeah.
very good joseph governor share it with uh, Twitter Michael Cohen says that former Attorney General Bill Barr should be hauled into Congress oh. Okay, Michael Cohen says that Dr. Don should be hauled in to testify on weaponization of the Doge. Outside linebackers? Seriously? Come on. I mean, the guy would the guy wouldn't know the truth if it bit him in his ass. So let's <sighs> just what we need to do is to stop listening to him altogether. We need to again keep building the brigade every single day. You know, share, listen, you know, promote it, tell your friends about it, make sure again that you're um, fully registered as a Democrat to vote, and make sure that everybody has not just their ID card, their registration card, but that you help them to get to the polls so that we can have an absolute blue tsunami. The only way that we actually destroy Trumpism is at the polls. Because ultimately, that's all these politicians. Now they're already disqualified. Then 2022, there was supposed to be this gigantic red wave. No, it's not. It's almost dead even. And not only did we keep the Senate, but we also added seats. If we could continue to do that, again, all these folks care about is winning. If we're able to take additional seats away from them it is no longer in their best interest to stay on the side of trumpism he will then be cast out like a pariah that he is and we will be able to start to rebuild this country where all politicians we may disagree with one another and that's fine that's the way the system works but instead we can at least work with one another in order to benefit the United States of America, not one individual who wants to be your supreme leader. You think about it, you have Donald Trump making videos of himself whining and whining and just bizarre, like not what he's going to do for Americans. Oh, I really wanted 2020 and the weaponization, and, you know. And then you compare that to, you mentioned it perfectly, you know, President Biden saying, you know, here's what my administration is doing. You just gave one example, but in any day I could give you 20 examples. And I do this every morning of what Biden's saying, here's what I'm doing for you. Here's how I am working to make government work for you. You mentioned that 10 Medicare Part D drugs were selected for price negotiation to make them affordable and accessible to people who need them. 
especially life-saving drugs, that big pharma, which we're all very, very critical of price gouging. How do you stop that? Here is a tangible solution. Now, we may disagree. Why was it that this drug was added and not that drug was added in the initial 10 to be negotiated, right? That is a debate and a discussion that I'm okay with having. And then President Biden can say, because I think these are notoriously subject to price gouging. These have the most significant immediate impacts. We'll be able to negotiate. And then you may go, no, 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 no. You're forgetting these two drugs, and that's a big mistake. Okay, but what we're talking about is making medication accessible and affordable to people. Let right? me put it to Donald Trump. One thing I do know, I do know pharma. And one thing I can tell you for certain, Joe Biden is not the guy who picked out which drugs that they are going to start negotiating on. And just because there's, I think, 50 drugs that are on the list um, for negotiation with the manufacturers, there is a team of individuals, qualified individuals, that aren't being micromanaged by Biden, the way Trump used to micromanage everyone. And all he would do is say, I know more. I know more about pharma than the pharma guys. I know more about, I have an uncle from MIT. This is the stupid, he knows more about everything. Business, energy, you know, um, NASA, military. He knows more about everything than everybody. It's amazing, you know, in Yiddish, they would call him a Talmud Chacham, right? A genius amongst geniuses. He knows everything about everything. The truth is he doesn't know shit about Shinola. And it, it's, it is so amazing that still he's got that stronghold over these maggots that think the guy actually has half a brain with his man, woman, camera, TV. I mean, it is beyond stupid at this point. He, meaning Joe Biden, went ahead, brought in professionals, and they started with these drugs. That doesn't mean it starts and stops with these drugs. It's just the beginning. And I promise you, I promise you, as soon as they finish with these 50, there's already 50 more, and they're going to end up doing this with all of the drugs that are there. Not to Canada, you know, with negotiation. And they should. They should. The doesn't have to lose hundreds of millions or billions and billions of dollars simply to put more money into the shareholders of Big Pharma. It's, it's not necessary. You know, and as President Biden's talking about negotiating these these initial 10 Medicare Part D drugs, he's also talking about the 37,000 infrastructure projects that are going up. He's also talking about how he's protecting students, how he's protecting seniors, the initiatives he is taking as MAGA Republicans are trying to control, and they are doing this in Republican-led states, women's rights to control their own body. He's talking about what can we do with the federal government to protect women, to protect equality. And that's why, you know, this these making these contrasting examples is so important. So this is President Biden today. You saw those videos of Trump. This is President Biden today at FEMA headquarters. And he's asked a question about how the MAGA Republicans, when they get back into Congress, what they are threatening is to shut down government unless invest, unless criminal cases against Donald Trump go away, unless they say wokeness goes away from certain departments, you know, whatever the heck that even means, because it's just MAGA Republicans speak for 
they don't even know what the hell they're talking about, just how could they be discriminatory and evil for evil's sake. But here, President Biden is saying, yeah, a shutdown will actually have catastrophic effects on FEMA and our ability to respond to emergencies during hurricane season. Here, play this clip. It would be a serious, serious problem. I, uh, I'm hoping that uh, there's greater maturity uh, to prevent that from happening than something. I'm hoping there will be greater maturity and not allow that to actually happen. And, you know, I, I just, I don't, you know, do people want him to act like, like a freaking, oh, Joe Biden? Like, no, I want someone who is somber and compassionate and intelligent. I, I'm not looking for like a wacky Dr. Evil style character. Like, it's not what I want in someone making life and death decisions over myself, my family, coworkers, colleagues, loved ones, neighbors, community, country. I don't. And the fact that this Trump crap is enabled by MAGA Republicans and a propaganda network, it is sickening. I want to show you this. You know, you know before, we jump onto, before we jump on to that, first of all, two things. Only Donald, only Donald should be receiving today's two-finger fucking salute <laughs> for the stupidity and the shit that's coming out of his mouth. Rest assured, the shit that's coming out of his mouth is making his ass jealous because this is by far the dumbest move that this guy can. And could you imagine the idiots that are around him? So maybe to them too, a good fuck you. Could you imagine the idiots that are sitting around him? Yeah, Donald, this is a great idea. This is a great idea. Yeah, go after Joe Biden. Let me tell you one other thing that Joe Biden did in the month of August while Diaper Donald is sitting there shitting on himself. You know what he did? I'm going to read this. He signed two bills into law that give the Department of Justice and other federal agencies more time to investigate and prosecute Paycheck Protection Program, that's the PPP, and COVID-19 Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the EIDL. All right, he's going after all of the money that was improperly taken by people, um, you know, simply thinking that, oh, the government's giving out free money. And this all occurred under the Trump administration. You know, so when somebody like Kushner gets, what, 13, 20 million dollars, whatever the amount was in PPP money. All right. There's a real problem with that, especially considering we already know that Kushner and Ivanka pulled down over 640 million during that time in the White House. They don't need the PPP money. And good for Biden and the DOJ for turning around and whatever other law enforcement agencies will come and hold these people accountable for the lies and the false filings that they did in order to take money. The part of this part that really pisses me the fuck off, really pisses me off, is when the Republicans turn around and they start to attack Joe Biden for wanting to, as an example, uh, get rid of student loans. That's not okay, right? That's not okay. And that's a de minimis amount of money compared to the amount of money that was stolen from PPP. But look to see who the people are that took the PPP money. All right. These are these are so many of the insiders. We know so many members on the Republican side in Congress took real money from PPP. This is absolutely absurd. Instead, instead of 
providing again a benefit to you know to all Americans, all students uh, that you know that have these outstanding loans. Instead, that's not good. But the PPP money, which was basically handed out willy nilly because Trump and his team didn't really prepare properly for the dissemination of this money and the tracking of it. Um, I mean, from what I understand, there's still like a half a trillion dollars or something missing. I mean, it's crazy numbers yeah. that, that are missing right now. So as far as I'm concerned, once again, ding, ding, ding for Joe Biden eh, 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 for Donald. And as you think about things like inflation um, and now President Biden getting it under control and you think about the types of money being printed indiscriminately with a mismanaged PPP program. And that's the key thing, I think, to mention mismanaged, because if it was done with intelligence and it was targeted in the right areas, but it was so fraught with fraud created a lot of problems like in all of Donald Trump's life where he borrows, 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 and then doesn't want there to be repercussions and then leaves his businesses or his shareholders or other people bankrupt. And I think the important part that you point out there too is, is the hypocrisy. Like, look, I don't hold it right. against someone. If you needed the PPP loan and you used it the right way, you know, okay. But then if you got it, now you're going to attack people who are getting far less money than you got in a way that they needed it in a very kind of targeted and sophisticated way. That hypocrisy and cruelty to me is one of the key things that need to be called out. Now, the two finger salute that you gave, I'm not going to say that it was truly premature because I think Trump absolutely deserves it, but I'm going to show you quite possibly the most cringe video of the year because this is what the MAGA Republicans are talking about right now. As Democrats are talking about infrastructure and jobs and health care and education and equality and a woman's right to control her body and veterans. This is the issue right now that's on Fox and Newsmax and that MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives and the Senate are talking about. This is their new green M&M, Disney's Too Woke, Target This, uh, Dr. Seuss, Mr. Potato, you know, all that crap. This is the gas stoves, bathrooms. This is the new one. This is Ted Cruz coming up with a deranged conspiracy. And then he has these like people behind him like drinking a beer. Just watch it and then we'll talk about it. Play this clip. State has now done that for new construction. They're trying to go after and regulate ceiling fans. I got to tell you, it's hot in Texas. We don't want to get rid of our ceiling fans. And now these idiots have come out and said, drink two beers a week. That's their guideline. Well, I got to tell you, if they want us to drink two beers a week, frankly, they can kiss my ass. No, okay. Um, Senator, I, uh, I brought a beer to drink with you. I'll drink this non-alcoholic beer with you because I'm not allowed to drink on camera, but I'll have, I'll have a sip. Well, meantime, look, I, I got to say, so have you ever seen a brand do more damage to itself than Bud Light, which, which single-handedly seemed to destroy themselves? So I'm glad you're not drinking a Bud Light. Personally, I'm fond of Shiner Bach, which is a good uh, tech Texas brand. I've been to the Shiner Brewery in Shiner, Texas, and I recommend it. And I promise you, this is not alcohol-free beer down here. No, and by the way, the one I have uh, right after the show won't be alcohol-free either. And it may just be a... 
Are they synchronizing their drinking of the Oh, you guys are tough guys. And I, I just want to address this thing because MAGA Republicans like to talk about masculinity all the time. And oh, I'm a real man. You, you, you know what, though? What I think actually makes somebody, you know, quote unquote, if you want to go there, masculine, actually being a decent human being, not bullying people, treating people with respect. I'm sick and tired of this macho act. By the, look at me chug a freaking beer. No, you look like a freaking hey, if they, run that, okay. they, they can kiss my ass. I mean, look, by the way, the last thing that that fat ass should be drinking is a fucking beer. Let me be very clear about that. Listen, maybe I still have no choice but to continue with the two fingers salute for today's episode going to Donald because Ted Cruz doesn't mean anything. And this is exactly why we keep talking about my destruction network and staying uh, locked in with us, whether it's political beatdown, whether it's going to be uh, Maya Culpa or any of the other Midas Touch Network programs, building the community. Why? Because we'll build that community so big that fucking putzes like Ted Cruz will get his ass handed to him during the upcoming election. And when you get rid of people like Ted Cruz, Vote blue, the blue tsunami. When you get rid of people like Ted Cruz, the stupidity, the stupidity that he brings to the people's house, that will ultimately cause the end of Trumpism. See, this is all performative shit. Let's not forget when Donald Trump called his wife ugly, when he turned around and Ted Cruz is sitting there and saying, Donald is a swine. Donald is a snake. Donald is a fraud. He's a con man. I mean, what happened to the Ted Cruz 30 pounds ago, right? He's not there anymore. This is all performative acting, all for who? All for their Fuhrer, the monarch, the dictator wannabe, because they believe that they will be able to ride Donald's coattails into, right, autocracy. That's what they're really looking to do. And shame on him. Shame on all of them that will ultimately put, you know, uh, autocracy above our democracy and constitution. You know, when I think about the Beatdown Brigade, the Midas Mighty community, the Legal AF community, all the community, the, the one community, the Midas Mighty here on the Midas Touch Network, what is so incredible that you all created, and Cohen and I are just honored to be a part of this organic community that you created, is you have so many communities out there that focus on bad crap and just bad behavior, whether it's being, you know, celebrating being misogynistic or celebrating toxic masculinity or hate or lies or deranged conspiracies. You, you see that so much. So when you have a community that actually is compassionate and that focuses on the facts and truth and supporting people and just trying to be a good person every day. We'll all make mistakes. There's none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. Cohen's perfect. If you're looking for two perfect people, guess what? We're going to make mistakes in the future. But when I make a mistake, I'm going to do all of my best to always try to be better. And that's all we can. That's all we can control is what we can control. And the empathy, compassion, that actually is contagious. And so we have, we're, this is like the number one show on YouTube in the world, right? It's definitely number one in news, but it's like n number one or two in the entire world right now. And so if we all spread this message just a little bit each day 
of pro-democracy, of compassion, of facts, of data, of being understanding, of trying to help other individuals. That is something that is so special. And then the community can keep on growing and we could all set a positive, a positive image for this country and not the image of hate that large media networks want to do and how local news, which is owned by big media conglomerates, want everyone so angry and angry and angry. And don't get me wrong. We, there's things we should be angry about. Absolutely. And call it out. But as a community, I want to support my neighbor. I want to support this community. I want everybody to be better. I want to, for us all to empower each other and come up with tangible solutions. Salty right now is confirming we're number three in the world, number one in news in the world right now. Let, let's not forget when the going uh, got tough in Texas, Ted Cruz went to Cancun. I mean, if that in and of itself doesn't say something to you about the character of this this is about Trump feels the heats. Um, I just It's called do your damn job. Maybe vets call out completely incompetent dissenters. Fake tough guy. Right now, Florida is reeling from the aftermath of Hurricane. Yet, that state's governor, Ron DeSantis, cannot set partisanship aside for five minutes to meet with the president of the United States, Joe Biden, to discuss relief efforts for his own state. Even Rick Scott, who I am no fan of and who has been deeply and unfairly critical of Joe Biden in the past, found a way to set politics aside and meet Here's that clip. to enable him to have the full support ahead of time 
to protect the people's lives in the state of Florida. I resurged personnel of Florida to help the state move people quickly to safety and out of a danger zone, and to help the governor and his team to the greatest degree possible in advance, in advance of the hurricane's arrival. And I directed the FEMA to redeploy resources, including up to 1,500 personnel and 900 Coast Guard personnel throughout the southeast. I directed Administrator Criswell to stay in close touch with the governor. She was with me when I was speaking to him as well. And uh, I guess he's too maybe tired of hearing both of us, but uh, he seemed like he welcomed it. As a matter of fact, I've asked that uh, she get on the plane and leave for Florida this afternoon. She'll meet with Governor DeSantis tomorrow and uh, began helping conducting a federal assessment at, uh, at my direction. Federal teams on the ground are going to continue to work with the first responders in Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina to get people to safety. You've all been reporting this, you've seen it on television, there are a number of rescues already taking place as I walked out of my office a moment ago to begin to recover from the impacts of this storm. I let each governor I spoke with know that if there's anything, anything the states need right now, I'm ready to mobilize that support for what they need. And yet, conservative media outlets and right-wing agitators cannot help but use this moment when Americans are suffering to play politics. The Republican National Committee put out this tweet as the storm was battering Florida. I don't think anybody can deny the impact of the climate crisis anymore. Just look around. I'm honestly trying to understand what they're trying to achieve here. Obviously, it's a cheap shot at President Biden or an attempted cheap shot during a moment of crisis. But the very idea that they think this is effective, mocking the president for making the obvious and scientifically incontrovertible observation that climate change is having devastating effects on weather patterns, it's just so out of touch. It makes you wonder if maybe the DNC has a mole inside the Republican Party putting out these tweets just to make them look bad. When it comes to being out of touch, no one beats Jesse Waters of Fox News. Here's a screenshot of a segment challenging the climate narrative while a hurricane tracker runs in the sidebar. It's beyond parody. But it's not funny when Americans are suffering. I've seen what hurricanes can do. They don't care if you live in a red or a blue state. The water just keeps rising. This is what a moderate, not even a severe, storm surge looks like. And yet, even as Americans are suffering, the Republican Party and its enablers are making things worse. Here's Peter Ducey from Fox News using his privileged position as a White House correspondent to spread misinformation. It seems like the hurricane response so far is robust. Did you guys realize that the initial Hawaii wildfire response was not that good? Or is it just easier for people to get help from the White House when the president is not on vacation? So the premise of your question and the way you pose your question, I disagree, just for the record. Uh, so if you talk to, if you were to do your reporting and speak to the governor of Hawaii, the senators uh, of Hawaii, the folks on the ground, they would say that the president reacted in record time when it came to dealing with the wildfires, uh, when it came to dealing and making sure that they got everything that they need on the federal level to deal with what was going on on the ground. Let's not forget there were more than 600 uh, uh, federal employees on the ground already to assist uh, with the wildfires in Maui. 
So your question is, is wrong, it's flawed in many, many ways. And I would, I, would, um, I would advise you to go speak to the governor and the local and state officials in, in, uh, in Hawaii. I'm David Hastings. At Hastings & Hastings, we are the Discount Accident Lawyers. Let's talk about what to do after a collision. First, call the police. If you don't have the police there and they don't do a record, stories can change. The next thing to remember is your camera phone is your best friend. So before you move the cars out of the roadway, take pictures of where the cars are located. That's important to be able to prove exactly what happened. Then, after you move the cars, be sure to take pictures not only of your own car, but more importantly, of the other person's car. The insurance company will not share those photos with me if you hire them. The next thing with your camera phone is to make sure you take pictures of any cuts or bruises that you may have. They heal quickly. We need to get those immediately. If you don't do them immediately after an accident, that important evidence is gone. The cameras should be used for exchanging information at the scene. Take a picture of the other person's driver's license, the driver and the driver's insurance card. Finally, assume nothing with the police. If there are witnesses, try to get their names and phone numbers and make sure the cops have them. Also, if you're hurt, don't assume the cop is going to even ask you. He didn't ask me when I had my accident two years ago, and I had a concussion. So all I can tell you is, if you're injured in any way, make sure that you tell the police. Now, a lot of people think, oh, I'm feeling okay in an accident scene, but the adrenaline is flowing and they don't feel it, often for one, two, even a week later. So get immediate medical care after a collision from either a hospital or urgent care, and then call Hastings and Hastings as soon as you can. Click the button below for a free consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Thanks for listening and drive safe. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've got a quick break here, but I need a favor first. Shows like this depend on your support. Please, if you can spare five seconds, click the link to the podcast version of the show below and leave us a five-star review. It really does help. Staying healthy, especially when you have a family that you want to be able to spend as much time with as possible, is so important. We all have a heartfelt reason to support our blood pressure. In fact, more than half the U.S. population would benefit from blood pressure support. Super Beats Heart Shoes are an easy and convenient way to support healthy blood pressure, and they promote heart-healthy energy. Paired with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in Super Beats are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. And with over 30,000 five-star reviews and counting, Super Beats on code votes. The good news is that we've got a president who, in moments of crisis, ignores these displays of pettiness and partisanship and gets to work helping Americans. That's what the country deserves. But we can't take it for granted. President Biden's most likely opponent in the 2024 election is Donald Trump, who, when president, literally told his staff to withhold federal disaster aid from states with Democratic governors. And we can't forget Ron DeSantis, who at this very moment is benefiting from federal support for his state, but voted against that same support being offered in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy. 
And right now, as Florida is receiving much-needed federal assistance to aid its recovery efforts, Governor DeSantis is refusing to meet with President Biden. Yet Biden rises above it once again and finds something positive to say about Governor DeSantis. It's hard to hear, but the question that prompts the president's response is about DeSantis' refusal to meet Curtis. Well, no, I'm not disappointed. He may have had other reasons, because, but he did help us plan this. He sat with FEMA and, uh, and decided where we should go, where would be the least disruption. And I'm very pleased. The guy who we don't agree very much at all, uh, the distinguished former governor and senior senator, he came, talked about to me and to you all about how incredible, what an incredible job the federal government was doing. And I, I found that reassuring. And so I think, uh, I think we can pull all this together. I really do. That is putting America's first. That is leadership. Ron DeSantis doesn't know the first thing about real leadership. If you cannot set politics aside in the wake of a disaster, you have no business leading this country. In spite of this hypocrisy, I still maintain that everyday Americans will find ways to help each other. I've seen it time and time again with my own eyes. Yes, leadership matters, and I am so grateful that Joe Biden is our president. But even in its absence, even in states that lack real leadership, Americans rise to the challenge. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report? And continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Introducing the FilterSorb Whole House Water Conditioner, a complete home water filtration and conditioning system by Purigan Water. Calcium and magnesium are healthy minerals found in your home's water supply. However, when these ions are heated, they can wreak havoc on your home, causing hard water and scale buildup in your pipes and appliances. In the past, traditional salt-based water softeners have been used to soften water. However, these systems require a lot of maintenance, waste thousands of gallons of water, and the sodium can damage your home over time. This is why we've created a salt-free system that requires no bulky tank, uses no electricity, and wastes no water, while providing clean, conditioned, great-tasting water throughout your home. Here's how it works. When water enters the system, it will travel through two carbon block filters, which will remove up to 99% of chlorine from the water, as well as any other harmful contaminants. After the water is purified, it then enters the third stage, which contains the FilterSorb SP3 media, where it undergoes a process called nucleation-assisted crystallization. As the water passes through the FilterSorb media, calcium and magnesium is transformed into harmless nanocrystals on the surface of the FilterSorb SP3 beads. Once these crystals are formed, they are very stable and unable to form scale. As these crystals flow through your water system, they will begin removing any existing scale buildup, unblocking even the toughest hard water scale from your pipes and appliances. Furthermore, because our system is neutralizing the hard mineral ions instead of removing them, 
It will provide you and your family with the cleanest, purest, and most delicious mineral water you've ever tasted. Most importantly, when you purchase the FilterSorb Whole House System, you will also receive lifetime servicing at no additional cost, which guarantees that your system will always be working at peak performance, and you will never pay for a service call for as long as you own the system. For more information or to schedule a free in-home consultation, contact Pure Again Water today and give your family the gift of clean, healthy, great tasting water.
Donald Trump and his co-defendants waived their arraignments and entered pleas of not guilty this week. What does that mean? We'll break it down. But more notably for me, Michael Popak, Donald Trump filed an opposition to the speedy trial demand made by some of his co-defendants and former lawyers like Ken Chesbrough and Sidney Powell. Donald Trump also asked to have his case severed from the other co-defendants. And with that, kind of launched total chaos and disorder among the various criminal defendants in this Georgia case, each pointing fingers at each other, asking their case be severed or separated from this case, and so on and so forth, and, fi and failing to understand, I think, Popak, the sweeping power of Georgia's RICO law. Speaking of failing to understand Mark Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff and co-defendant in the Georgia RICO case, made the shocking decision to waive his Fifth Amendment right and testify in Georgia federal court as part of his effort to try to remove the state criminal RICO case to federal court. But clearly, Meadows either did not understand the risk he faced in doing this, or once again underestimated Fulton County District Attorney Fawdy Willis. Note, do not underestimate Fulton County District Attorney Fawdy Willis. And Mark Meadows has found himself now in a perjury situation where he lied on the stand, he was exposed on cross-examination, and potentially a new criminal charge could be brought against him, and the case could likely be remanded back to state court as well. Michael Popak and I will break that down. And let's not forget that this week began with another major hearing in Trump criminal cases. A trial-setting conference was held in Washington, D.C. Felt like that took place a year ago. Nope, that was this past week. I had to check my calendar again in Washington, D.C. before federal judge Tanya Chutkin. Trump's lawyers during this hearing were rude, abrasive, and consistently misrepresented things, facts, and cases even cases that Judge Tanya Chutkin presided over, and Judge Chutkin was not having it. She set trial for March 4th of 2024, leading Donald Trump to whine like a petulant third-grade child and call her names and say that she is a Marxist. Also, Special Counsel Jack Smith had a significant breakthrough, I think, in the Southern District of Florida case before 
Judge Eileen Penn, and it was a bit buried in this Garcia motion opposition filed by one of Donald Trump's co-defendants, but it's big news, I think, learning for the first time that three additional witnesses are no longer going to be represented by a lawyer paid for by Donald Trump's political action arm. And with all of these criminal cases taking place, let's not forget that the civil fraud case against Donald Trump the Trump Organization, and his adult kids other than Ivanka, that's still set for trial in early October. Yes, this October. Yes, that's one month away where New York Attorney General Letitia James is seeking at least $250 million and an injunction to shut down the Trump Organization, Donald Trump, and his adult kids from doing business in the state of New York. Letitia James filed a summary judgment motion. So did Trump. What does that mean and what happens next? We discuss here. And finally, four terrorists who were part of the Proud Boy extremist group were sentenced this week for crimes uh, on January 6th. 18 years for Ethan Nordian, 17 years for Joe Biggs, 15 years for Zachary Rell, and 10 years for Dominic Pozzola. Each were described as crying crocodile tears in court, begging to be able to see their kids one day. But as soon as those sentences were handed down, at least in Pozzola's case, he started screaming out, we love Trump, Trump won! This goes to show you the level of maturity and criminality of these individuals and why we do Legal AF. I'm Ben Micellis from Legal AF, joined by co-host Michael Popak. Popak, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. You know, I, I love the photos before they go to, to into the court system, like the 19 mugshots that you put up, where everybody's got some version of Jordan Peele's Us movies photo um, up there. So happy to be, by the, by the look of the picture, to be in the criminal justice system in Georgia until they're not, just as the Proud Boys are all excited when they're storming the Capitol and trying to hang Mike Pence and killing people on the steps of the Capitol until they're then put through the grinder of the justice system, convicted of their crimes, and then have to face their maker in the form of a federal judge giving them sentencing, and then they're not so happy anymore. I'd like to do split screens, we can do it on the Midas Touch Network, of the photos of these people in their mugshots, when they're goofing around for cash, and what they look like the day they've got to bend the knee in front of a federal or state judge to be sentenced to prison. You know, I've had a lot of people say, hey, Ben, you should do some merch regarding the mugshots. And here, pull up the mugshots right there. Um, one more time. That's Donald Trump. Pull up the mugshots of all of the co-defendants together. Yes, I'm, not, I'm not wearing that ever, okay? I may be exactly. <laughs> I am not putting that on any shirt that I would ever wear. Put the children right? away. That's scary. And, 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 and nor do I want to put it on a mug. Because there's, yes, I could say, like, they're traitors and all of these things, which they are. But it would put me in a very bad mood if I woke up every morning and saw those faces. So I made the call absolutely not with respect to with respect to that. And by the way, Popak, I want to give you a special thanks for filling in on the Midas Touch Brothers podcast for Brett, where Brett's been uh, away for the past two weeks. He's coming back over this weekend. Um, we did something really cool also where you joined us for the after show that we have on Patreon at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. That's P-A-T 
R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. Remember to spell it right. M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. So on Patreon.com slash Midas Touch, we have our after show, and you gave us the origin story, how you met me, how you became a lawyer, how you joined the Midas Touch Network. I just will remind all of our legal AFers on the outset, go to Patreon.com slash Midas Touch at some point and subscribe and hear about Opox origin story. We don't have outside investors here on the Midas Touch Network or Legal AF, so the way that we grow this platform is through fun ways like the emojis that you see in the YouTube chat, which is the YouTube memberships, and that's separate than the Patreon memberships, but that's how we grow it because we don't want investors telling us what to do. All right, let's get into it, Popak. What does it mean that Donald Trump and his co-defendants waived their arraignments and entered not guilty pleas? But then if you can, Popak, after discussing that, maybe just break down. There's been a lot of filings this week. A lot of, some people have filed speedy trials, severance motions, a lot going on. Try to break it down so that everybody yeah. understands the yeah. uh, what's going on here. Well, I think where it starts, and I did a hot take on it, I think it's going up soon, is where I tell my legal associates to start. You start with the rules. You start with the owner's manual for the court that you're in. And every court and every judge particularly has a chamber rule. That's what I call it. It's for the judge's particular rules for their courtroom. And August the 24th, a little little covered, I don't think anybody covered it, Scott McAfee, the new judge, six months on the bench, um, he updated his standing order related to all criminal cases in front of him. He, when he first got on in February, yes, he's been on less than a year, he had a kind of a standard one. As soon as he got, a, he, he got assigned the Trump case with the 18 other co-conspirators, he immediately updated his rule book. And if you looked at it, a lot of what we're watching now comes straight out of the things that are required in to practice criminal cases in front of uh, Judge McAfee. For instance, in his standing order, he says, if you don't want to show up at your arraignment, that's okay. I'll set a time for it. In this case, on, it was supposed to be on the 6th of September. And I still think certain of the defendants, the kind of the, on the lower tier and those that may not have much money and don't have attorneys yet, uh, or maybe getting public defenders, they will maybe show up for these 15-minute time slots on the on the, on the uh, 6th of September. But in the standing order for Judge McAfee, it says straight out, if you want to file in lieu of an appearance, a, 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 a motion in lieu of an appearance to waive your appearance, that's fine. If you want to tell me what your plea is, guilty or not guilty in that paper, that's fine too. And so people are starting to do that. Well, Trump did it, Rudy Giuliani just did it. Um, others have done it, Ken Chesbro, Sidney Powell, and then some haven't done it yet because they one just got out of prison, out of jail, because he's been sitting there this whole time because he didn't have a lawyer and couldn't make bond. And so there, there's a this is quickly devolving, right? As we as we slide down into entropy, as we slide down into chaos, this is what happens when Donald Trump can't pay or won't pay for everybody's legal fees with bought and paid for attorneys so he can coordinate strategy. When you don't do that, which is what he's not doing apparently, and everybody's complaining about it, Jenna Ellis, for instance, who had been a huge Trump supporter, is now supporting DeSantis after she got almost her bar license pulled and is now complaining on social media that why isn't MAGA Incorporated the PAC paying my legal fees and everybody's legal fees? Well, they're not. And so they're all getting their own lawyers. In fact, none of these defendants, we're going to talk later on about Mar-a-Lago, 
where there are groupings of defendants and of co-conspirators and witnesses behind one or two main lawyers. Here, there's like 19 separate lawyers, and none of them are coordinating as of yet. Some, because this is like, I said it on a hot take, this is like crabs in a bucket trying to get out. Right? And they're stabbing each other as they fight. Every, it's every man, woman, and child for themselves. Uh, and that's what we're watching. So one group wants to go to trial and try to catch Spawny Willis Blackfooted. So that's, so far, that's Ken Chesbro, who we're going to talk a lot about today when we get to Mark Meadows, who wrote of two major legal memos, you want to call it that, pushing the fake elector scheme and the pressure campaign on Mike Pence. Um, he said, I I'm ready to go right now. And the judge says, fine, why don't you go on the 23rd of October? I'm talking about this 23rd of October, not some other 23rd of October. Like the same month that Donald Trump is already in that civil fraud case we're going to talk about later today, Ken Chesbro and Sidney Powell are going to go to trial. And rather than be caught at all flat-footed, uh, the prosecutor, Fawny Willis, and her team said, ready, we're ready, and why don't we do all? Talk about the bravado here, which I love the brass of Bonnie Willis and her team. They didn't say, Judge, October? That sounds really early. They knew under speedy trial law in Georgia it was a possibility. That's why we gave her, you know... Hi there, welcome back. Listening, <clears throat> uh, getting caught up on our Midas touch. Let's see here, Judge Cannon screws herself after her plan backfires. Come out with your hands up, motherfucker. Time to go to jail, bitch. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Let's discuss how Judge Eileen Cannon, the Trump-appointed, incredibly corrupt judge, has been screwing herself over in what I believe is her effort to try to help Donald Trump. I think you believe that as well. In the case brought by special counsel Jack Smith for Donald Trump's willful retention of national defense information as well as obstruction of justice, making false statements, uh, as well as other additional criminal conduct, and Donald Trump's co-defendants in that case, the federal case, include his valet, Waltine Nauta, who is represented by Stan Woodward, a lawyer paid for by Donald Trump's political action group. The other co-defendant brought in in the superseding indictment is Carlos de Oliveira. Carlos de Oliveira is represented by John Irving, another lawyer paid for by Trump's political action organization. De Oliveira is a maintenance worker who worked at Mar-a-Lago who was involved in the conspiracy. One of the significant issues that special counsel Jack Smith had raised to Judge Eileen Cannon early on, and she invited um, a lot of additional briefing after she heard something on Fox, which was just a completely ridiculous, uh, meritless conspiracy, was she wanted to ask Jack Smith Tell me the propriety of why there was this grand jury proceeding taking place in Washington, D.C. After you brought criminal charges against Donald Trump here in the Southern District of Florida. Jack Smith, didn't you have to shut down the grand jury in Washington, D.C.? Of course he didn't. And that is inextricably related to what Jack Smith was raising with Judge Eileen Cannon involving the conflicts of interest that you have a Donald 
pro-Trump political action organization uh, that is paying these lawyers for Waltine Nauta and Carlos de Oliveira, Stan Woodward and John Irving are the lawyers respectively. And they're also representing many of the witnesses in the case who would normally be testifying against Trump and the co-defendants. And Jack Smith appropriately and professionally raised the issues with Judge Cannon. She responded by like striking these documents and not letting Jack Smith file certain things under seal. And then she made this demand of Jack Smith that Jack Smith file publicly a response to her inquiry because she's been striking all the other documents that he was making under seal about why was there this grand jury in Washington, D.C. that was still receiving evidence. So she basically inadvertently tossed a softball to Jack Smith and he hit it out of the park and this is how she screwed herself because in a public document that all of these witnesses were then able to see who were being represented by lawyers appointed by Trump's political action group when this talks about in this, in this briefing that the reason we have the Washington D.C. grand jury is the Walt Stan Woodward, when he was representing Yusel Tavares, this IT worker at Mar-a-Lago, back in March of 2023, Yusel Tavares lied to the Washington, D.C. grand jury. And then after Yusel Tavares received a target letter that he was going to be criminally prosecuted following Donald Trump and Walt Nauta being indicted, uh, there was a hearing that was held under the auspices of this grand jury before a Washington, D.C. federal judge, Jeb Boesberg, who addressed the conflicts of interest and spoke to this witness, uh, Yusel Tavares, and provided an independent counsel so Yusel Tavares understood the implications of being represented by a lawyer paid for by Donald Trump. And then Yusel Tavares then went back to that grand jury and, and that's why this grand jury has additional uh, remaining jurisdiction, you know, and basically told us under the auspices of this grand jury investigation, he told Jack Smith that he was lying to the grand jury before, and that indeed there was a criminal conspiracy by Trump and Walty Nauta and Carlos de Oliveira to tell him, the IT worker, to destroy the surveillance footage at Mar-a-Lago. He confessed and admitted to that, and what Jack Smith put in his publicly filed brief, and the fact that it was filed publicly completely enraged the other lawyers for the co-defendants, Stan Woodward and John Irving, and Jack Smith basically made it clear that we, based on that information, once an independent counsel was appointed, that then we learned about the crimes of Carlos de Oliveira, and the implication in this publicly filed document, and what we later learned, is that Yusel Tavares is not going to be charged the same way Carlos de Oliveira was charged. So what's the difference between the maintenance worker and... At Fry's, you can save big today with sales and promotions on your favorite items. And you'll find it all in the Fry's app. So download the app and start saving more today. Fry's, fresh for everyone. And the IT worker, the IT worker got independent counsel 
told the truth, admitted to lying, did not get prosecuted, and Carlos de Oliveira, the maintenance worker, continued to have the Trump appointed lawyer, liar, lawyer, liar, um, continued to, you know, got prosecuted in the superseding indictment. So because that document was filed publicly, Stan Woodward and John Irving were livid, and they said, and they filed these motions with Cannon. Cannon, this should have been filed under seal. Jack Smith's violating grand jury confidentiality, and then Cannon's in a bind because she's been telling Jack Smith he can't file these documents under seal, and she was the one who asked the question in the first place. Had she not made the inquiry based on whatever it is that she heard in Fox, Jack Smith likely would have filed this under seal the same way she was striking those documents. But because they were now made public in this filing, a lot of witnesses who were being represented by these Trump lawyers are no longer being represented by these Trump paid-for lawyers. Now, how do I know that part? Well, it was buried in a filing that was just made at the end of last week in defendant Carlos de Oliveira's opposition to the government's motion for a Garcia hearing. So it kind of started this all. Jackson filed this motion for a Garcia hearing to address conflicts of interest before Judge Cannon. She responds with what she heard on Fox, um, or at least it happened the night before. Jack Smith then talks about what went down in Washington, D.C., and now Carlos de Oliveira's lawyer, John Irving, his first argument is like, there is no conflicts of interest here, Judge. We don't need to do this Garcia hearing. If we're going to do a Garcia hearing, Jack Smith should not be allowed to show up. Only you, Judge Cannon, should make the inquiry. We don't need the government in there. But Talk about burying the lead. I guess when the information's not good for you like this, they're going to bury the lead. But like the basic argument from John Irving, the lawyer for Carlos de Oliveira, is actually the issue of conflict is kind of is, is made a little bit moot by the fact that the witnesses I was representing, the witnesses John Irving was represented, have now no longer been represented by John Irving. They are being represented by independent counsel. It says, further, undersigned counsel, meaning Irving, the lawyer for Carlos de Oliveira, is no longer representing these three individuals. New independent counsel is being made available to advise them going forward. And so they're not represented by him anymore. So Cannon's whole point here, she wanted to try to embarrass Jack Smith Jack Smith then filed a motion publicly responding to her inquiry, not filing it under seal, giving the exact roadmap for witnesses who are being represented by Trump-appointed lawyers, how you can avoid criminal liability the same way the IT worker did, even where the IT worker committed perjury in the first instance by going back and saying, Look, I want to tell you the truth now. This is a publicly available document that Carlos de Oliveira can see, Waltine Nauta can see. There's no, there's no way their lawyers cannot show them these documents. It's available. We're talking about it here. Heck, if you knew Carlos de Oliveira and if you knew uh, Waltine Nauta, you should say, hey, it kind of seems like right here that cooper you know, cooperation uh, has its benefits and not going with Donald Trump's lawyers. 
So Cannon screwed her whole plan up by trying to embarrass Jack Smith. Jack Smith responded by saying, okay, Judge, here's your answer. And by the way, here's the roadmap if people want to cooperate and not be prosecuted and provide truthful information. The exact opposite of what Cannon wanted to do. Also, because Cannon's now created this mess on her docket, guess what was able to happen? In Washington, D.C., federal court judge Tanya Chutkin said, okay, then I'm setting my trial on March of 2024, March 4th, 2024. If Judge Cannon ran an expeditious and efficient docket like she should have, Cannon's case could have gone first, But and if Cannon wanted to engage in chicanery and improper conduct, um, uh, you know, in, in jury selection and all of these things, you know, that, that could have caused issues. If she put her trial first, that could have screwed up the other cases after, but Cannon also screwed that up as well. So a lot of Judge Cannon screwing herself over and I wanted to give you the interplay of how that's happening. Now we've got the D.C. case before Judge Tanya Chuckin for Trump's attempt to overthrow our democracy, also being prosecuted by Jack Smith. That's set to go March 4th, 2024. So, as I always say, it's a good thing that Cannon's incompetence matches her corruption. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers here on the Midas Touch Network. Wherever you get audio podcasts, subscribe to the Midas Touch Podcast. Also, check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. If you want to hear Michael Popak and Karen Friedman Agnifilo's origin story, we've got it right there on patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Twenty dollar coupons. <laughs> See what else you got? You know what? I'm just beginning that. The judge has been screwing herself over in what I believe is her effort to try to help Donald Trump. I think you believe that as well. In the case brought by special counsel Jack Smith for Donald Trump's willful retention of national defense information as well as obstruction of justice, making false statements, uh, as well as other additional criminal conduct, and Donald Trump's co-defendants in that case, the federal case, include his valet, Waltine Nauta, who is represented by Stan Woodward, a lawyer paid for by Donald Trump's political action group. The other co-defendant brought in in the superseding indictment is Carlos de Oliveira. Carlos de Oliveira is represented by John Irving another lawyer paid for by Trump's political action organization. De Oliveira is a maintenance worker who worked at Mar-a-Lago who was involved in the conspiracy. One of the significant issues that special counsel Jack Smith had raised to Judge Eileen Cannon early on, and she invited um, a lot of additional briefing after she heard something on Fox, which was just a completely ridiculous, uh, meritless conspiracy, was she wanted to ask Jack Smith 
tell me the propriety of why there was this grand jury proceeding taking place in Washington, D.C. after you brought criminal charges against Donald Trump here in the Southern District of Florida. Jack Smith, didn't you have to shut down the grand jury in Washington, D.C.? Of course he didn't. And that is inextricably related to what Jack Smith was raising with Judge Eileen Cannon involving the conflicts of interest that you have a Donald Trump political action organization uh, that is paying these lawyers for Waltine Nauta and Carlos de Oliveira, Stan Woodward and John Irving are the lawyers respectively, and they're also representing many of the witnesses in the case who would normally be testifying against Trump and the co-defendants, and Jack Smith appropriately and professionally raised the issues with Judge Cannon. She responded by, like, striking these documents and not letting Jack Smith file certain things under seal, and then she made this demand of Jack Smith, that Jack Smith filed publicly a response to her inquiry, because she's been striking all the other documents that he was making under seal, about why was there this grand jury in Washington, D.C. that was still receiving evidence. So she basically inadvertently tossed a softball to Jack Smith, and he hit it out of the park, and this is how she screwed herself, because in a public document that all of these witnesses were then able to see who were being represented by lawyers appointed by Trump's political action group, Jack Smith talked about in this in this briefing, Judge, the reason we have the Washington, D.C. grand jury still hearing evidence, it's no longer hearing evidence, but it was because what we learned is that when the Trump lawyer, who was representing Waltine Nauta, Stan Woodward, when he was representing Yusel Tavares, this IT worker at Mar-a-Lago, back in March of 2023, Yusel Tavares lied to the Washington, D.C. grand jury. And then after Yusel Tavares received a target letter that he was going to be criminally prosecuted following Donald Trump and Waltine Nauta being indicted, uh, there was a hearing that was held under the auspices of this grand jury before a Washington, D.C. federal judge, Jeb Boesberg, who addressed the conflicts of interest and spoke to this witness, uh, Yusel Tavares, and provided an independent counsel so Yusel Tavares understood the implications of being represented by a lawyer paid for by Donald Trump. And then Yusel Tavares then went back to that grand jury, and, and that's why this grand jury has additional uh, remaining jurisdiction, you know, and basically told us under the auspices of this grand jury investigation, he told Jack Smith that he was lying to the grand jury before and that indeed there was a criminal conspiracy by Trump and Waltine Nauta and Carlos de Oliveira to tell him, the IT worker, to destroy the surveillance footage at Mar-a-Lago. He confessed and admitted to that. And what Jack Smith put in his publicly filed brief, and the fact that it was filed publicly completely enraged the other lawyers for the co-defendants, Stan Woodward and John Irving, and Jack Smith basically made it clear that we, based on that information, once an independent counsel was appointed, that then we learned about the crimes of Carlos de Oliveira and the implication in this publicly filed document, and what we later learned, is that Yusel Tavares is not going to be charged. 
the same way Carlos de Oliveira was charged. So what's the difference between the maintenance worker and the IT worker? The IT worker got independent counsel, told the truth, admitted to lying, did not get prosecuted, and Carlos de Oliveira, the maintenance worker, continued to have the Trump-appointed lawyer, liar, lawyer, liar, um, continued to, you know, got prosecuted in the superseding indictment. So because that document was filed publicly, Stan Woodward and John Irving were livid, and they said, and they filed these motions with Cannon. Cannon, this should have been filed under seal. Jack Smith's violating grand jury confidentiality, and then Cannon's in a bind because she's been telling Jack Smith he can't file these documents under seal, and she was the one who asked the question in the first place. Had she not made the inquiry based on whatever it is that she heard in Fox, Jack Smith likely would have filed this under seal the same way she was striking those documents. But because they were now made public in this filing, a lot of witnesses who were being represented by these Trump lawyers are no longer being represented by these Trump paid for lawyers. Now, how do I know that part? Well, it was buried in a filing that was just made at the end of last week in defendant Carlos de Oliveira's opposition to the government's motion for a Garcia hearing. That's what kind of started this all. Jack Smith files this motion for a Garcia hearing to address conflicts of interest before Judge Cannon. She responds with what she heard on Fox, um, or at least it happened the night before. Jack Smith then talks about what went down in Washington, D.C., and now Carlos de Oliveira's lawyer, John Irving, his first argument is like, there is no conflicts of interest here, Judge. We don't need to do this Garcia hearing. If we're going to do a Garcia hearing, Jack Smith should not be allowed to show up. Only you, Judge Cannon, should make the inquiry. We don't need the government in there. But Talk about burying the lead. I guess when the information's not good for you like this, they're going to bury the lead. But like the basic argument from John Irving, the lawyer for Carlos de Oliveira, is actually the issue of conflict is kind of is, is made a little bit moot by the fact that the witnesses I was representing, the witnesses John Irving was represented have now no longer being represented by John Irving. They are being represented by independent counsel. It says further undersigned counsel, meaning Irving, the lawyer for Carlos de Oliveira, is no longer representing these three individuals. New independent counsel is being made available to advise them going forward. And so they're not represented by him anymore. So Cannon's whole point here she wanted to try to embarrass Jack Smith. Jack Smith then filed a motion publicly responding to her inquiry, not filing it under seal, giving the exact roadmap for witnesses who are being represented by Trump-appointed lawyers how you can avoid criminal liability the same way the IT worker did, even where the IT worker committed perjury in the first instance by going back and saying, look, Introducing the Filtersorb Whole House Water Conditioner, a complete home water filtration and conditioning system by Purigan Water. Calcium and magnesium are healthy minerals found in your home's water supply. 
However, when committed perjury in the first instance by going back and saying, look, I want to tell you the truth now. Okay. This is a public... All right, so we'll put off Trump screws himself in the latest unhinged interview. I think the people of our country... Uh, don't get enough credit for how smart they are. And I, I'm not sure I would have said this 10 years ago, but they get it. Oh, so 10 years ago, you thought that the American people were not very smart, but here we are 10 years later, and you're going to start giving the American people credit. Okay, carry on. You know, they yeah. really get it. When somebody gets indicted, your poll numbers go down. When somebody gets indicted, you announce, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be leaving to spend time with my family and to fight for the rest of my life for this stuff. I wish you would announce that you're going to spend some time with your family and, and just kind of leave. That would be really nice, you know, not just for me, but for hundreds of millions of other people. But you're out of politics. I got indicted four times. All trivia, nonsense. I think you mean trivial. Anyway, I'll let that one go. But, you know, we're talking about indictments, and they're not just indictments for the sake of indictments. They're indictments because you stole classified documents that contained official secrets, about an attack on a, on a foreign country. You shared this information with people who didn't have security clearance. You didn't even have security clearance yourself. You lied about it. You said you'd given them back when you didn't. Oh, and there was the other one where you tried to overturn an election, not just a local election or maybe an election of a, of a mayor, but an election of the entire country voting for a president. You tried to overturn that because you lost. Lost. You lost. And when we lose, we concede. But you didn't. Bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's horrible when you look and, and you look at what they're doing. Uh, the boxes hoax. I'm covered by the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do exactly that. Well, let's not call it the boxes hoax, because there's photographs of all of these boxes piled up in your toilet. And you're not covered by the Presidential Records Act. That, that is not what this is about. And, you know, you're, you're just lying to try and convince people that because there's something called the Presidential Records Act that they're never going to look into or look up because they don't really care. You're just using it as cover. And you publicly use it as cover. But the moment you get into a court of law, that defense falls apart. So why do you keep saying it? I'm covered by the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do exactly that. He's not covered and he's got 25 times the number of boxes. And he's got them stored in Chinatown. He's got them stored in a flimsy garage underneath his Corvette uh, at Penn. And by the way, at Penn, he gets millions of dollars. China pays this guy millions of dollars. Well, Biden is covered by the Presidential Records Act right now because he's the president. And you're not the president. But that's not the point. Biden didn't try and hide stuff and not give it back when they asked for it. This is the, there's a big difference between an administrative error and theft. And you actually stole this stuff. You were taking it as mementos. You were taking it as compromat, as leverage. You were going to sell it. You were going to keep it. And you just thought it was yours. And isn't this the problem? Not just the problem, but the difference. And this is what you refuse to acknowledge. So trying to project that Biden is worse or Hillary Clinton is worse. Again, it's fine saying this stuff with Tucker Carlson or going on right-wing media and being asked softball questions about it. But in a court of law, none of this defense stacks up. 
You know, you, you push a very compelling argument. I'll give you that. You make it look like it's official. Oh, it's official. Oh, Presidential Records Act. It's not the deal. The deal is different. The law is the law. And you cannot just make up the law. And if you say it enough times, it becomes the law. The, the law of the land stands, whether it's for you or for any other private citizen. So, you know, you're... you're you're literally moments away from being humiliated because the argument that you've been pushing and presenting and convincing your followers that is your argument is not a legal argument. It's just a stupid opinion. See, I think he's the most corrupt president we've ever had. And he also has the distinction of being the most incompetent. And I believe both. I mean, he's both incompetent and corrupt. So and I, I actually government? believe he's compromised. Because China knows so much about them. They know where the money comes from. They know where it is, who paid it, and they probably paid it. Well, they do pay Penn, and he gets a, you know, a million dollars. I think it takes $999,000 because, you know, keeps it a little bit under a million, like by a dollar. None of that is true. Like, none of it. And if you keep saying it, you know, you're hoping that it kind of becomes part of the, the modern vernacular. But it won't. Because, again, you can't just make stuff up. And to say that Biden is the most corrupt president in history and that he's compromised, I mean, talk about projection. Talk about, you know, knowing who you really are and wanting to push that over to the other side, you know, projecting it onto the opposition. Biden is a public servant. He has been a public servant his entire life. He's never been in business. He's never done deals with anybody. He is not compromised. But you are. But he, in many ways, is a Manchurian candidate. We have a Manchurian candidate, and he's afraid to tell Russia to get out of Cuba. He's afraid to tell China to get out of Cuba. We know that you don't know what Manchurian candidate means. We know that. And deep down, you know that too. But this is a housing development. They're going to build a housing development. And I said, how come the runway is 20,000 feet long? You know, private jets need 4,000 feet they don't need 20,000 feet. The big ones need 20,000 feet. They don't even need 20. And I looked at the runway, I said, that's the largest runway ever built, both in width and length, for housing development. I mean, I know that in this interview, you've been told that you're not allowed to talk about Jack Smith or in any way, you know, say anything that's going to put you in contempt of court. So now you're just like going off on tangents, talking about stuff that you know nothing about, trying to take ownership of it and trying to convince us that you know something about something when we all know that you don't know anything about anything. One of the true great wonders of the world, as he said, one of the nine wonders of the world. No, no, it was one of the seven. This happened a little while ago, you know. There's nine wonders of the world. You could make nine wonders. He would have been better off if he stuck with the nine and just said, yeah, I think it's nine. But this is one of the true seven wonders of the world. And you take a look at the Panama Canal. It was such, such an incredible engineering marvel. Did you Did you forget that there were seven wonders of the world and you accidentally said nine and now you're trying to like add the Panama Canal to the list to make it look like there's nine and there was always nine so that people don't question the fact that you said nine instead of seven? I mean, 
you're the guy that wanted your head replacing one of the presidents on Mount Rushmore. We sold it under Jimmy Carter. We sold it to Panama for one dollar. The following day, they quadrupled the amount of money the chips had to pay to get across. They didn't lose one ship. And now they've made it much bigger and now they've widened it. They've doubled it, right? They've more than doubled it. And it's one of the most profitable things any time. It, it's, it's just incredible, right? We gave it away for $1. China now controls it. They actually control the Panama Canal. They run it. They control it. And we shouldn't let that happen. And we can't let China be in Cuba. And they'll get out. If I'm president, they'll get out. I don't think you really understand the whole point of the Panama Canal. Selling it for a dollar is nothing to do with this. The Panama Canal opens up shipping through to the west coast of the United States. It gives access to so much freight and tourism and trade. The cost of selling the Panama Canal is not where the money is. The money is the fact that now there is the free movement of marine traffic. I love the fact that you talk about this with such authority. Like you seem to, you seem to know the, the deal, you know, you've got to say you can't sell the Panama Canal cheap. You clearly haven't read anything about what Jimmy Carter did. You're just trying to politicize it instead of understanding that the generosity of free trade benefits the United States in the long run. You are a terrible deal maker. You know, the, you, you, you reordered Air Force One with secondhand planes that, that now need to be converted into military aircraft because they were civilian aircraft, and it's going to cost way more than if you just have asked Boeing to build you two military Air Force Ones in the first place. It's not just about the deal on the day. There is a long-term and knock-on effect. That is what trade is. That is what ongoing business deals are. But you don't work like that. You do a dodgy deal, you think you've either made money or saved money, and then you run away. You can't run the country like it's a business, because it's not a business. It's not designed to make profit. It is designed to allow people to live harmoniously, to make a living, to pay back into the system. It's not just about the bottom line so that you can show off. We built the Panama Canal. should have never been given to Panama. We should have had it. But we gave it for $1, think of it. They quadrupled. In one day, they lifted the fees, which are, you know, pretty big for these massive ships to go through, right? Rather than going around the Cape and through all the tremendous storms, such beauty, such, you know, when you see it's beautiful stuff. But you didn't want to get caught in those storms. Those were storms that wiped out the biggest ships. And we go through the Panama Canal. We built it. And we gave it away for one dollar. Think of that. How stupid are we? We have done the stupidest things in this country. Okay, I get it now. So you've obviously had the TV on. It's late at night and you're flicking around. And one of these documentaries about the Panama Canal comes on, which you didn't even know what it was. And now you've seen it and you're like, uh, you've seen a bit about Jimmy Carter and one dollar. And that's stuck in your mind. And so now it's all you can talk about. Uh, and now we have a president that can't put two sentences together. Can't speak, can't walk, can't talk. I don't think he gets to the starting gate, but these people do miracles. I mean, he, he ran out of his basement, and you got away with that one because of COVID, so he sort of got away with it. They cheated on the election. But you have people that are very smart, but they're fascists, and they're radical left lunatics, and they're destroying our country with the all-electric cars, 
and the windmills all over the place, which, by the way, don't work, and they're all, most of them, made in China. For the most part, they're made in China. Germany, a little bit, but China. So it was the Panama Canal, and that's owned by China, and now China is controlling Biden, but if you get rid of the Panama Canal, then you take it back from China. But Biden can't even walk and he can't even talk. And yet somehow he, he cheated on the election, uh, although you stopped talking then because, you know, you're not allowed to talk about the election because you could be in contempt of court and perjure yourself again. So then you change the subject very quickly. And now you are just throwing anything at the wall to see what sticks. How on earth you were the president for four years of the United States of America, had all of that responsibility and didn't get us blown up, I will never know. You are going to lose in court. You are going to lose the election and you are going to lose your freedom. You have tried to break the system. You have tried to overturn elections. You have stolen classified documents. You are not fit for office. And at what point are you going to get that message? The four indictments, and maybe there'll be more. I don't know. These people are crazy. I'm Anthony Davis. You can hear me every day on the 5-Minute News audio podcast. You can hear me on Wednesdays hosting MAGA Uncovered and on Sundays on The Weekend Show with Midas Touch. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. She don't need Instagram. She just uses just a gram. Let's see here. She don't need no Instagram. It's a blue moon. Blue moon. Michael Cohen has pitched perfect response to Trump's latest threats. Is that what doing your laundry looks like? Wouldn't you love it if it looked like this instead? I'm Ben Mycellus from the Midas Touch Network. You know, nobody knows Donald Trump better than Michael Cohen. And so when we need insight here on the Midas Touch Network of just how desperate and scared and terrified Donald Trump is, you know what we do. We go directly to the source. And so I asked Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's been posting all of these bizarre, deranged videos of himself lately. It's all projection and confession. And so I asked Michael Cohen, what do you make of these bizarre videos? And as expected, Michael Cohen says he's scared, he's terrified. But of course, Michael Cohen also wanted to give Donald Trump the two-finger Michael Cohen salute for just putting out these horrifically divisive and hate-filled, lying, conspiracy theory-laden videos. So first let me show you Michael Cohen give the two-finger salute, and then I'm going to show you another portion of my interview with Michael Cohen. But Cohen, two-finger salute time. Play the clips. Only Donald, only Donald should be receiving today's finger fucking salute for the stupidity and the shit that's coming out of his mouth rest assured the shit that's coming out of his mouth is making his ass jealous because this is by far 
the dumbest move that this guy did. And could you imagine the idiots that are around him? So maybe to them, too, a good fuck you. Could you imagine the idiots that are sitting around him? Yeah, Donald, this is a great idea. This is a great idea. Yeah, go after Joe Biden. Let me tell you one other thing that Joe Biden did in the month of August while Diaper Donald is sitting there shitting on himself. You know what he did? I'm going to read this. He signed two bills into law that give the Department of Justice and other federal agencies more time to investigate and prosecute Paycheck Protection Program, that's the PPP, and COVID-19 Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the EIDL. All right, he's going after all of the money that was improperly taken by people um, you know, simply thinking that, oh, the government's giving out free money. And this all occurred under the Trump administration. All right. So now let's get Cohen's more fulsome reaction. First, I'm going to play for you the video of Donald Trump that he made of himself where he attacks Biden, he attacks other people. And it's all projection. It's just Donald Trump calling Biden what people call Donald Trump because it's an apt description of Donald Trump. So first you're going to see the video of Trump that Cohen's reacting to, and then you'll see Cohen here. Play the clip. Crooked Joe Biden is not only dumb and incompetent, I believe that he has gone mad, a stark raving lunatic with his horrible and country-threatening environmental open borders and DOJ FBI weaponization policies. He is a mental catastrophe that is leading our country to hell. Yeah, yeah. He's leading our country to hell while Diaper Donald is sitting there crapping in his pampers. You know what Joe Biden's doing, Ben? Joe Biden administration just announced the first 10 drugs facing Medicare price negotiation. These are drugs for, um, you know, High blood pressure, these are drugs uh, that so many people in this country are taking because, you know, of we're living to older ages. And they were getting priced out where because the economy is, you know, still rebounding as a result of COVID or, you know, they're older, that unfortunately, you know, a big portion of the money that they would have to spend on things like food or rent, electricity, uh, cell phone, et cetera, that they weren't able to then uh, get all of their medication. With this price negotiation, they will be able to afford their drugs and be able to live an honorable life. They will be able to, you know, live without having to maybe, imp you know, impose upon children or other family members, you know, to help them out. They deserve, they deserve this. These are people who've worked their entire lives, their entire lives. Now, all of a sudden, you know, crazy Joe Biden, the guy who's mentally deficient. Yeah, I see Donald Trump standing there attacking a man that just passed another scenario that is going to help all Americans, not Republicans, not Democrats only, not independents, all Americans. And you know what? As each and every one of these people start to benefit from the policies that Joe Biden and his administration are putting forth, yeah, I, I assure you, they're going to be walking away from Donald in droves, especially and possibly the most important part is the independence. And that's why there's fascist Furby talk. What MAGA Republicans, what Fox, 
They want to keep people in a bubble. They're coming for your gas stoves. You know, there's a new one with uh, Ted Cruz. We'll show you in a little bit where oh. Ted Cruz is like, they're only going to let you drink two beers a month. And they, they like, they just literally just make up a bunch of crap. That's like, okay, that, what are you talking about? Mr. Potato Head, Disney is too woke, this, that, and the other. We'll get to some of that stuff. But that's why, because they have to figure out a way to convince people to vote against their interests and distract them from tangible things that are being done or attempting to be done. Doesn't mean Biden always is successful, but he's aiming towards how do we help people? And Fox wants to, and Trump wants to, and MAGA world wants to distract from all that. Let me show you another clip that Donald Trump made of himself. This is him again doubling, tripling, quadrupling down after. This is all happening, too, like after he's, uh, you know, been indicted now multiple times, just spewing the lies, saying that we have a department of injustice that's rigging this election, like they rigged the election in 2020. Here, play this clip. We have a department of injustice rigging the election for crooked Joe Biden. Unless it is quickly stopped, all future elections will follow the same path. Our country is heading down a very, very dangerous road, and it has to stop. These are very dishonest people we're dealing with. We have to make our country great again. And if our elections are going to be rigged or if they're going to use weaponization on elections, it's going to be very tough to make it great. We are a nation in decline. We are a nation that is failing, but we will turn it around very quickly. The election of 2024 is the most important election in the history of our country. We have to win or we won't have a country left. Thank you very much. Again, more threats, more lies. Let me just show you one more, Cohen. This is what By the way, said Ben, about. before we jump on to that one, wasn't he already warned not to do things like this? So it goes into something that we talked about during the last episode, which is, now we have to wait to see what the judge will do, because this is exactly the gaslighting and the danger that this man poses. So, yeah, let's go to the next clip. The next one right here is him talking about Georgia, again, where he just pled not guilty and where he has conditions that would seem to prohibit conduct exactly like this. Here, play the clip. I easily won the great state of Georgia in 2016. Did a fantastic job as president for Georgia and the entire USA. Received 10 million more votes than I got nationwide in 2016. Got by far the most votes in history for a sitting president, but shockingly lost Georgia. And again, he goes later in that clip, which is not in that clip, but he talks about how he believes he won Georgia. And again, just whining that Georgia was was rigged, but constantly like, by the way, just whining over and over again. He's always the victim. Have you noticed that? His consistent pattern is that he is always the victim in every scenario that doesn't go his way. And of course, it's Joe Biden administration that weaponized the Department of Justice. No, look at my book, Revenge. Look at what the title is, which again was finished and went to publishing a year ago. Well, before Donald started this bullshit about Biden weaponizing the Justice Department to go after him. 
how Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. We already know what we've seen from Jeffrey Berman, the head of the Southern District of New York at the time, how Bill Barr's office was putting pressure on them regarding my case. We've already seen all the things that the Department of Justice did. Who gets 48 hours to plead guilty or they're filing an 80-page indictment against you and that's going to include your spouse? Who gets something like this? I'm watching these assholes. Look at the calendar. The calendar puts Donald out well over a year. All of these folks, including this guy from the Oath Keepers or the or the Proud Boys, whichever one, today got 17 years. These trials didn't take place in 48 hours from a Friday to a Monday. So who's the real weaponizer of the DOJ? Where is Bill Barr to spill the beans? Where is Congress to hold a hearing demanding Barr come in and to spill the beans? I mean, this guy stands up there, spews nothing but lies. Why doesn't he just turn around and say that he's, um, let's see, something stupid, uh, 6'3 and 215, the same height and weight as Tom Brady, the same height and weight as most outside linebackers? Seriously? Come on. I mean, the guy the guy wouldn't know the truth if it bit him in his ass. Now, that interview came from the show Political Beatdown that I co-host with Michael Cohen. If you like it, make sure what you do is you subscribe to the Political Beatdown audio podcast. I know you're subscribed to the Midas Touch YouTube, but subscribe to the Political Beatdown audio podcast wherever audio podcasts are available. Make sure you uh, check that out right now and go to MidasTouch.com for more breaking news. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram. At Midas she Mighty. don't need no Instagram. This is just a grand. What else you got for us? How to disqualify Trump under 14th Amendment immediately? Yes. If it hadn't been for one simple safety item, this could have been a family tragedy. I'm Jessica Denson, the host of Lights On with Let's Jessica Let's see if Denson. you guys are still there. Great. Yeah, this is important. Jessica Denson, the host of Lights On with Jessica Denson here on the Midas Touch Network. And you're watching a special series we're going to do here on Lights On featuring Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, otherwise yeah. known as CREW. Among many other I've been things, talking about this for years. The effort oh. to enforce Section 3 of the 14th Amendment <laughs> disqualifies Trump from ever holding office again. I'm joined by President and CEO of CREW, Noah Bookbinder. Noah, yeah. Lights On. All right. My pleasure. Um, you know, Noah, over half a million people watched my interview with your chief counsel. Wait, I need to share this. And tweet it too. I shared it on YouTube. <clears throat> okay. Watch. 
going to do here on Lights On, featuring Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, otherwise known as CREW. Among many other things, CREW is at the center of the effort to enforce Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which disqualifies Trump from ever holding office again. I'm joined by President and CEO of CREW, Noah Bookbinder. Noah, welcome to Lights On. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Um, you know, Noah, over half a million people watched my interview with your chief counsel, Donald Sherman, on how and why Section 3 must be enforced against Trump. This is obviously such a vital issue in this moment in history. And since then, just a week ago, there's been so much more discussion about this as crew and others uh, prepared to bring legal action. Some already have. Just bring us up to speed on the developments and kind of the growing chorus on why we must enforce Section 3. Absolutely. So we um, now have seen four... Then just a week ago, there's been so much more discussion about this as crew and others uh, prepared to bring legal action. Some already have. Just bring us up to speed on the developments and kind of the growing chorus on why we must enforce Section 3. Yeah, absolutely. So we um, we now have seen four uh, indictments of Donald Trump. Obviously, those are crucially important in terms of getting accountability for uh, what really was an attack on our democracy. Nothing ever has been to, to uh, keep himself in power despite losing an election uh, and, and other serious misconduct. And that's super important. But one thing that... Uh, an indictment and even a conviction doesn't do is prevent Donald Trump from running for president or from serving as president. Uh, he can be convicted and, and still serve as president. Um, but the 14th Amendment to the Constitution does prevent him from serving as president. Uh, and not, to, not to repeat too much of the background that you've already gone over, but um, you know, in, in the wake of the Civil War, um, the, uh, the framers of the 14th Amendment wanted to make sure that, that people who tried to destroy our democracy uh, weren't then put in charge of it. And, and so they uh, included this language that said if you, um, uh, if you swore an oath to support the Constitution and then you engaged in insurrection, you are disqualified from uh, holding office at, at the state level or at the federal level. And that includes our presidency. Um, so, you know, it really is crucial. It, it is um, it is the thing that can, uh, that, that can protect our democracy from this very real current threat of the same person who tried to essentially install himself as a dictator, um, you know, being put back in, into that position again. Um, and, you know, so, so that's really important. And I think one of the things that we've seen happen uh, over the past week or two is this went from something that a few people um, who were really focused on it uh, were talking about, something that, that um, people across the country have been talking about and that top legal experts across the political spectrum uh, have been, been coming out and, um, and, and affirming that, that this, is, uh, this is real, that this actually prevents Donald Trump uh, from serving, and so you've had people like uh, esteemed former conservative judge uh, Michael Ludig, who wrote a piece with um, from the constitutional law professor Larry Tribes, who is a different, generally seen as on a different place on the 
on the political spectrum, but both of them agreeing that this is lies um, and that it's a clear case, leading um, uh, legal minds like Sherilyn Eiffel um, coming out strongly in support. Um, and uh, you know, so I think there, there's a gathering consensus uh, around this, um, and you know, within um, you know, within coming weeks and months, I think we're going to see legal action um, in, uh, in brought by different uh, folks, including by us at Crew, around the uh, world to enforce this. And uh, you know, we expect this to become one of the key legal fronts. Uh, out there for um, for responding to Donald Trump and, and, and his attacks on on our republic. Yeah, now really is the moment, isn't it? When as as secretaries of state are preparing in the fall months to um, put individuals on those ballots for the primaries, you're hearing discussions already um, from people like uh, New Hampshire Secretary of State David Scanlon, who has asked the Attorney General there to investigate the matter. Um, Michigan. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson has said she's consulting with fellow secretaries of state to, quote, act in concert, because obviously it will be a very uh, strengthening move if, it, if this happens in numbers and it's not just one. Adrian Fuentes has said um, that basically he has encouraged people, people uh, to enforce this. And uh, we expect this to become one of the, the illegal fronts uh, out there for um, for responding to Donald Trump and, and, and his attacks on, on our republic. Yeah, now really is the moment, isn't it? When as, as secretaries of state are preparing in the fall months to um, put individuals on those ballots for the primaries, you're hearing discussions already um, from people like uh, New Hampshire Secretary of State David Scanlon, who has asked the attorney general there to investigate the matter. Um, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson has said she's consulting with fellow secretaries of state to, quote, act in concert, because obviously it will be a very uh, strengthening move if, it, if this happens in numbers and it's not just one. Adrian Fuentes has said um, that basically he has encouraged people in, in the courts. He said we, they need to start swinging because I have an election to run. Um, Brad Raffensperger, on the other hand, you know, is, has, has been kind of disappointing in this regard. He said, as Georgia Secretary of State, I have been clear that voters are smart and deserve the right to decide elections. Well, that kind of um, goes against the whole purpose of Section 3, which is somebody who is disloyal to the Constitution for the same reasons of disqualification of age and citizenry should not have that opportunity, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um the I, I, we've certainly heard this argument that you know the voters ought to decide and that it's not fair to take people off of the ballot. I think there are a couple of reasons why that's not a particularly compelling argument. Um, one is that um, that uh, Donald Trump was already a candidate in an election where he was beaten and refused to. Um, to, to follow the results of that election. So the people, you know, that that that, um, that already happened, this idea that, that, well, the people can sort it out and can vote, that happened, it didn't go well, it placed our democracy at risk. To somehow think that it's going to automatically be different the next time is very short-sighted. 
Um, what was anti-democratic is actually not enforcing the Constitution. What was anti-democratic was what Donald Trump did, which was to try to overturn the results of that last election, which would have disenfranchised uh, millions of voters who, who voted against Donald Trump and whose, whose votes would have been disregarded. Um, so it, it's, it's not in that way a particularly persuasive argument. It's also a rule that's in the Constitution, just like you can't be 30 years old and run for president, you also can't be somebody who engaged in insurrection uh, after having sworn an oath to the Constitution and run for president. Those are just the guidelines. And, and you know, we, just like we follow the other rules in the Constitution, we have to follow this one, the one that, that um, the framers of the Constitution uh, appropriately and presciently thought was necessary to protect uh, the democracy. Um, so I, I think that's that's not a very persuasive argument. I think it is encouraging that a number of secretaries of state are saying that they want to hear more about this and that they want actions to be brought. Uh, I think that secretaries of state are in, in some ways a pretty difficult position. Because we think the law and the facts are really clear and really strong that Donald Trump is disqualified. We also get that it is a politically difficult position for any secretary of state, for any party, to take. It's something that um, you know, that that, that uh, hasn't been seen, but with the exception of one uh, case that crew, crew brought in New Mexico last year, um, it was the only time this provision has been enforced in the past 150 years. Um, and so to go out there and and enforce it um, is, is really going a bit out on a, on a limb, um, particularly when you're talking about a candidate as states. Um, so I think that, that it will be helpful for secretaries of state um, to both, as you said, act in, in numbers, um, as, as Justin Benson had said, and also potentially to see courts come in, have evidence. Um, <clears throat> check this out. Oprah Winfrey and The Rock are asking people for money um, when she's a billionaire and he's a multimillionaire. Send a donation. Just click where you see below and send a donation. Please don't tell me I just saw a billionaire standing next to a multi-millionaire begging the average everyday citizen for donations that can barely get by. It seems like our beloved actor, The Rock, might have found himself in some hot Not water beloved after taking by me. an unexpected dip into the drama pool with none other than the queen of talk show herself, Oprah Winfrey. Get ready for the tea, because this story is sizzling. The Rock, known for his legendary muscles and action-packed movies, has unintentionally found himself in the middle of a scandal that's hotter than a Maui volcano. Apparently, he and Oprah are now entangled in some eyebrow-raising, alleged shady dealings concerning a mysterious fire in the beautiful paradise of Maui. Who would have thought, right? So what exactly is going on? This is called just from Justin Channel by a on video YouTube. That has left many people scratching their heads in disbelief. The illustrious Oprah Winfrey and the ever-popular Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock, have taken center stage, and their latest endeavor has sent shockwaves through the online community. Brace yourselves, folks, for the drama surrounding the enigmatic People's Fund of Maui. Yes, you heard that right. A video surfaced featuring Oprah and Dwayne discussing their grand plans for what they've so audaciously christened the People's Fund of Maui. We have created the People's Fund of Maui that will put money directly in the hands of the people who need it right now. Now, before we dive into the juicy details of this eyebrow-raising spectacle, let's take a moment to appreciate the sheer audacity of it all. 
Picture this, a billionaire and a multimillionaire, Oprah and Dwayne respectively, earnestly encouraging everyday people who are struggling to make ends meet to dig deep into their pockets and donate. It's like asking a fish to buy water, folks. The fallout from this video has been nothing short of spectacular. Fans and critics alike found themselves in a state of disbelief. And who can blame them? It's not every day that you witness two individuals of such immense wealth and stature appealing to the common folk for financial support. Some would argue that it's akin to asking a bird for flying lessons. Social media users were quick to point out the stark contrast between these celebrities' luxurious lifestyles and the financial struggles of everyday people. One person took to no, Twitter and said, No, a bird asking for you. Please don't tell me I just saw a billionaire standing next to a multi-millionaire begging the average everyday citizen for donations that can barely get by. It seems that the general populace simply couldn't fathom how Oprah and Dwayne who could practically make a charitable donation with the flick of a wrist that would change lives, would pass the hat around to their followers, many of whom are teetering on the brink of financial ruin. Let's be clear, the concept of a people's fund is not inherently problematic. In fact, it could be viewed as quite noble. However, it's the optics of the situation that have tongues wagging and yeah, gossip Yeah, how much have you donated, bitch? She, she just bought, she bought like, I heard she bought like 300 uh, um, 300 acres or something like that. ...who have ascended to the pinnacles of wealth and influence now appear somewhat out of touch with the stark financial realities faced by the majority of individuals in today's world. The notion of them imploring their followers, many of whom are struggling to put food on the table, to contribute to their lofty cause has left a sour taste in the mouths of many. But yeah, this is yeah, not yeah. the Come only on. thing that seems off in this saga. You see, there have been rumors that Oprah Winfrey is offering help to the victims of the fire, not out of the goodness of her heart, but rather because of her own personal interest. In fact, one TikTok user ridiculed her because of this. They began by describing the severity of the wildfire situation in Maui and Hawaii, emphasizing the scale of the devastation. I heard that there were seven fires started in the middle of the night. <clears throat> so how the fuck did that happen? How did seven fires start at the same time? The fan then... Sounds sad to me. I also heard there were snipers. ...pivots to Oprah's involvement, suggesting that she descended from her metaphorical mountaintop to distribute blankets to those impacted by the fires. It was so devastating that Oprah Winfrey came down from the mountaintop and started uh, handing out uh, blankets to everybody. This imagery implies a certain level of grandiosity and detachment from the actual circumstances faced by victims, leading to a degree of cynicism among observers. What's more, the fans' mention of Oprah's oversized hat and the humorous notion of her potentially biting someone's hand off if touched adds a touch of satire to the critique. It paints a picture of Oprah as a distant, larger-than-life figure who may not fully grasp the gravity of the situation on the ground. In the end, the fan also touches on the perception that Oprah's actions may be an attempt to divert attention away from her unscathed property. He suggests that by making a brief appearance and ensuring she is captured on camera, she might be trying to create a facade of empathy while safeguarding her own interests. So these people don't notice that my property wasn't affected by the fires and come, and come for me with torches. You see, some fans have been raising eyebrows about Oprah's latest property acquisitions. Whispers abound, with some daring to insinuate that there might be more to her real estate ventures than meets the eye.
These online sleuths have pointed their virtual fingers at billionaires like Winfrey, spinning a tale that suggests an intricate plot to secure valuable land in Maui, possibly at the expense of indigenous communities. The heart of this conspiracy theory lies in Winfrey's purported purchase of a sprawling 2,000-acre plot on the island in March 2023. Acre. Adding fuel to the speculative fire, Ulupalakwa Ranch made headlines by selling two substantial properties to Winfrey's Los Angeles-based entity, Harpo Inc. The transactions raised eyebrows as one 2, property covered about acres. Wow. 20 acres, with a price tag of $3.89 million, That's while it. the other spanned roughly what 330 acres, coming in at a cool $2.47 million. As tantalizing as this theory may be, it's important to approach it with a critical lens. Interestingly, this isn't Wait, the hold first on. property acquisitions. Whispers abound, with some daring to insinuate that there might be more to her real estate ventures than meets the eye. These online sleuths have pointed their virtual fingers at billionaires like Winfrey, spinning a tale that suggests an intricate plot to secure valuable land in Maui. Pointed their virtual fingers at billionaires like Winfrey, spinning a tale that suggests an intricate plot to secure valuable land in Maui, possibly at the expense of indigenous miraculously untied their virtual fingers at billionaires like Winfrey, spinning a tale that suggests an intricate plot to secure valuable land in Maui, possibly at the expense of indigenous communities. The heart of this conspiracy theory lies in Winfrey's purported purchase of a sprawling 2,000-acre plot on the island in March 2023. Adding fuel to the speculative fire, Ulupalakwa Ranch made headlines by selling two substantial properties to Winfrey's Los Angeles-based entity, Harpo Inc. The transactions raised eyebrows as one property covered about 520 acres with a price tag of $3.89 million, while the other spanned roughly 330 acres, coming in at a cool $2.47 million. As tantalizing as this theory may be, it's important to approach it with a critical lens. Interestingly, this isn't the first time such rumors have swirled around Winfrey. Back in 2017, back in 2017, Angeles-based entity Harpo Inc. The transactions raised eyebrows as one property covered about 520 acres with a price tag of $3.89 million, while the other spanned roughly 330 acres, 330. coming in at a cool $2.47 million. As tantalizing as this theory may be, it's important to approach it with a critical lens. Interestingly, this isn't the first time such rumors have swirled around Winfrey. Back in 2017, a devastating fire wreaked havoc on homes near her Montecito residence. Yet her estate remained miraculously untouched. Their virtual fingers at billionaires like Winfrey, spinning a tale that suggests an intricate plot to secure valuable land in Maui, possibly, possibly at the expense of indigenous communities. The heart of this conspiracy theory lies in Winfrey's purported...
So I said, Oprah Winfrey's 3,000 acre new property acquisition on Maui untouched by fire. Sounds suspicious to me. P.S. How could How could seven fires start at the same time in the middle of the night? And what what's this about snipers? Reported purchase of a sprawling 2,000 acre plot on the island in March 2023. Adding fuel to the speculative fire, Ulupalakwa Ranch made headlines by selling two substantial properties to Winfrey's Los Angeles based entity, Harpo Inc. The transactions raised eyebrows as one property covered about 520 acres with a price tag of $3.89 million, while the other spanned roughly 330 acres, coming in at a cool $2.47 million. Sounds like a steal to me. Introducing the filter sorb. As tantalizing as this theory may be, it's important to approach it with a critical lens. Interestingly, this isn't the first time such rumors have swirled around Winfrey. Back in 2017, a devastating fire wreaked havoc on homes near her Montecito residence. Yet her estate remained miraculously untouched. Unfazed by the rumors, she went on to expand her Montecito holdings, amassing over 70 acres of prime real estate, including a four-acre complex in 2019, which tragically succumbed to mudslides shortly after the 2017 fire. Right now, mandatory evacuations are in effect in the upscale area of Montecito. That's where a lot of celebrities have homes, including Oprah. These recurring incidents have naturally sparked curiosity and ignited discussions about their underlying causes. Oprah has maintained a part-time residence in Maui for more than 15 years. Her property portfolio on the island is nothing short of impressive, boasting an impressive 870 acres of land in Kula, nestled in central Maui between the South Maui and upcountry wildfire-prone regions. But the tale doesn't end there. Beyond her Kula holdings, Oprah possesses an additional 1,200 acres scattered across various Maui locations, including Hana and the vicinity of Mount Haleakala. Notably, these areas remain distant from the ongoing fires, painting a picture of strategic property diversification. Perched gracefully on the slopes of Mount Haleakala, a majestic 10,000-foot volcanic summit, Winfrey's farmhouse retreat exudes charm, with a picturesque wraparound porch that conjures images of her rural upbringing. In a 2006 interview, she shared her affection for her beloved house, saying, I love, love, love my house. It's a gem so sweet and exquisite. Such a real, normal house. It feels like a nice blanket, a lovely and soft cashmere one. In any case, Dwayne's connection to Hollywood elites is nothing new. The actor has been rumored to be a fan of these elites, and even going as far as promoting their evil agendas in the past. In 2020, Valvenis stumbled upon news suggesting that The Rock had thrown his support behind Joe Biden, a revelation that left him deeply dissatisfied. What followed was a salacious, day-long Twitter tirade that could rival the most sensational soap opera plot lines. As the sun rose, 
Venice unleashed a barrage of tweets that read like a conspiracy theorist's wildest fantasies. He didn't merely accuse The Rock of supporting Joe Biden. No, it went much, much deeper. In a series of jaw-dropping claims, Venice insinuated that Johnson was in cahoots with some of the most nefarious figures in Hollywood, the kind that would make even the most hardened gossip columnist raise an eyebrow. The most explosive accusation to escape Venice's virtual lips was that The Rock was somehow connected to individuals involved in unspeakable crimes against children. Venice didn't stop there. He boldly declared that Johnson had sold his soul to the devil, painting a picture of a Faustian pact that would put any dark, dramatic tale to shame. But the plot thickened. It wasn't just Dwayne Johnson who found himself in the scorching crosshairs of Venice's online rage. No, Saturday Night Live, SNL, the beloved late-night comedy institution, also found itself embroiled in this sensational saga. Venice pointed to jokes from the show that seemed to have ignited his fiery diatribe, adding a spicy layer to the unfolding drama. And just when you thought it couldn't get any juicier, Disney, the entertainment powerhouse, became the unexpected object of Venice's vitriolic attack. The online battlefield expanded as Venus aimed his virtual artillery at the Magic Kingdom, hinting at dark secrets lurking behind the wholesome facade. In the midst of the gossip frenzy, Venice didn't hold back one bit. He proclaimed that he was not only disappointed, but utterly repulsed by The Rock's actions. He declared his intention to boycott Johnson's movies and open her property portfolio on the island. May 20, Val Venice stumbled upon news suggesting that The Rock had thrown his support behind Joe Biden, a revelation. It's a gem so sweet and exquisite. Such a real blanket. interesting. She mentions like a, a blanket. Nice blanket. A lovely and soft cashmere one. In any case, Dwayne's connection to Hollywood elites is nothing new. The actor has been rumored to be a fan of these elites, and even going as far as promoting their evil agendas in the past. In 2020, Val Venice stumbled upon news suggesting that The Venice? Rock had thrown his support behind Joe Biden, so? a revelation that left him deeply dissatisfied. What followed was a salacious, day-long Twitter tirade that could rival the most sensational soap opera Who the fuck is this guy? As the sun rose, Venice unleashed a barrage of tweets that read like a conspiracy theorist's wildest fantasies. He didn't merely accuse The Rock of supporting Joe Biden. No, it went much, much deeper. In a series of jaw-dropping claims, Venice insinuated that Johnson was in cahoots with some of the most nefarious figures in Hollywood the kind that would make even the most hardened gossip columnist raise an eyebrow. The most explosive accusation to escape Venice's virtual lips was that The Rock was somehow connected to individuals involved in unspeakable crimes against children. Venice didn't stop there. He boldly declared that Johnson had sold his soul to the devil, painting a picture of a Faustian pact that would put any dark, dramatic tale to shame. But the plot thickened. It wasn't just Dwayne Johnson who found himself in the scorching crosshairs of Venice's online rage. No, Saturday Night Live, SNL, the beloved late-night comedy institution, also found itself embroiled in this sensational saga. Venice pointed to jokes from the show that seemed to have ignited his fiery diatribe, adding a spicy layer to the unfolding drama. And just when you thought it couldn't get any juicier, Disney, the entertainment powerhouse, became the unexpected object of Venice's vitriolic attack. The online battlefield expanded as Venus aimed his virtual artillery at the Magic Kingdom, hinting at dark secrets lurking behind the wholesome facade. In the midst, they keep, uh, they keep, she keeps pronouncing his name differently.
Much of the gossip frenzy, Venice didn't hold back one bit. He proclaimed that he was not only disappointed, but utterly repulsed by The Rock's actions. He declared his intention to boycott Johnson's movies and openly questioned the content he was contributing to the world. The since-deleted tweets went something like this. What I just heard from The Rock is so damn disappointing. I heard come out of that man's mouth means I'll never spend another dime on his movies. I became suspicious about the content Rock puts out into the world, and now his real loyalty to confirmed from 100% completely weird and disgusting so-called jokes on SNL over the years to his... Su what? I've got this message here. Come from 100% completely weird and disgusting so-called jokes and over there to the support of unknown criminals and pedophiles. I've known criminals and pedophiles to rule over the lives of Americans. It was disgusting that big club George Carlin used to rant about the Rock has clearly become a member. He's always seemed like a dark He declared his intention to boycott Johnson's movies and openly questioned the content he was contributing to the world. The since-deleted tweets went something like this. What I just heard from The Rock is so damn disappointing. I heard come out of that man's mouth means I'll never spend another dime on his movies. I became suspicious about the content Rock puts out into the world, and now his real loyalty to... Club from 100% completely weird and disgusting so-called jokes on SNL over the years to his support of known criminals and rule over the lives of Americans is disgusting. That big club George Carlin used to rant about, The Rock has clearly become a member. The Rock. Disappointed is a major understatement. Rock has clearly sold his soul to the devil. Maybe he should build another child molesting robot and virtue signal again to his bosses at Disney. Shame on you, Rock. Anyway, as the dust settles in the wake of the Maui fire, ardent followers are raising questions and expressing their concerns regarding the controversial actions of both Oprah and Dwayne. One fan commented, Why are The Rock and Oprah asking me to send money to Maui? Ain't y'all a millionaire and a billionaire? Rent is due tomorrow, y'all got f***ed up. In any case, in the aftermath of this recent scandal, fans have had their eyes opened wide, and the juicy gossip mill suggests that their trust in Dwayne might just be permanently shattered. Anyway, that's it for this video, folks. Bye. Share to share the news feed. America is on the cusp.
So, said, hey, Oprah Winfrey, handing out blankets like Trump tossing out paper towels in Puerto Rico. Don't cut it. Why don't you make multi-million dollar donations since you're a fucking billionaire? Maui. This is my funny clover. This is my holy clover. I got on a This is my holy clover. 
Seven news. What a dish. La 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 Maui now news Maui That's fucking heartbreaking man Feel for my indigenous, our indigenous family on Maui. Beautiful Maui, Hawaii people. What are you fucking talking about? Maui Humane Society must be fucking overwhelmed right now. Of course. Fucking fire department. I would have, if I, if I, if I were in her shoes, I would have built a fucking place to house all the victims. Provide them with fucking... Take them in. Fucking cunt. You're a billionaire. That's a fucking start of the... Fire. Emergency management. Maui. Moisture rescue mission. Let's see now, United Way Resort and Spa. That's my AIDS Foundation. Very fucking sus to me. Very sus to me.
Harvest, Hyatt, Maui Resort and Spa, the Hyatt, Maui Pineapple Store, Maui United Way, LA Times, what is 404? LA Times, Latinas Times, Carbon Caramel Harris, Tajos Times Food, Plants, Image. Travel opinion. Magazine. Guardian U.S. Indigenous Indigenous Strands Indigenous Tattoo and Music Best Indigenous Anarchist Okay, so that's 20 tags The Justice Department. Why don't you fucking look into it? Fuckers. Why don't you look? FBI. You fucking do your job. Send it to FBI jobs. Add music, how about uh
Is that gonna take in and eat McDonald's?
So, um, where's the head over here? So it says, hey, Oprah Winfrey, handing out blankets like Trump tossing out paper towels in Puerto Rico. Don't cut it, bitch. Why don't you make multi-million dollar donations since you're a fucking billionaire? Maui Fowler and fuck the rock. He's always been my least favorite Hollywood actor. What a douche. Coming out from your 3,000 acres of unaffected property from the Maui fire and handing out blankets. It's kind of like Trump tossing out paper towels to people in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. Seven fires started in the middle of the night. Sounds awfully suspicious to me. Justice Department, why don't you look into it? FBI jobs, how about you do your job and ask some questions? What's this about reports of snipers? My heart goes out to our Maui indigenous family right now. If 
I were a billionaire like Oprah, I would take in all the victims. Live in my live on my three thousand acres. It would be an honor to help you and host you, my indigenous family. Don't break my heart, don't break my heart, don't, don't, don't throw it away, throw it away. Thought of your future. Okay, let's hear. Someone take a screenshot, let me try something. I'll never find out Till I'm out of the heat Something happens and I'm out of the heat I don't take my heart, don't break my heart Don't, don't, don't throw it away I want to add, everybody wants to rule the world. <clears throat> Thought of your future. Something happens and I'm head over here. Most of and Everybody wants to Failed to upload has been saved to drafts. Try again. Rupert doesn't seem to care about the people of Mississippi, particularly those who need a TAMP money, but Story he sure uploaded. shit does care about his public image because news dropped this last week about text messages where Mississippi governor's brother suggested to the auditor that he praise Brett Favre during the welfare scandal. 
Now, before I get to the glowing well, praise that was issued out with regards to Brett Favre in this situation, I just want to highlight this fact right here. Mississippi confirms, their own Department of Human Services confirms, that out of 11,000 applicants for aid, camp aid, only 167 were approved. So keep that in mind there. 11,000 plus families were going without, and Brett Favre wants you to worry about his public image. So what did the text message from the governor's brother say? It said, if possible, Brett would like you to say something along the lines of the investigation shows to this point, Brett had done nothing wrong and the monies he is paying back for commercials and PSAs is from his own goodwill. That's what Todd Reeves told White, who is the state auditor. And on the same day as Todd Reeves sent that text, the state auditor released the following statement. I want to applaud Mr. Fogg for his good faith effort to make this right and make the taxpayers and TAMP families whole. He's not making them whole. I mean, 11,000 families are still without. The statement goes on to read that to date, they had not seen any evidence that Mr. Favre had knowingly known that the TAMP money, the money was coming from the TAMP funds, and they saw no evidence of wrongdoing. And I just have one question. Why is this not a criminal federal case? Why is the Department of Justice not looking into this? Because it seems to be a clear-cut case of government fraud. And if you or I, we're caught Red defrauding the government for in any way, shape, or form. Our asses would be having appointments with the Department of Justice and be thrown in jail immediately. Brett doesn't seem to care about the people of Mississippi, particularly those who needed TAMP money, but he sure shit does care about his public image because news <laughs> dropped this last week about text messages where Mississippi governor's brother suggested to the auditor that he praise Brett Favre during the welfare scandal. Now, before I get to the glowing praise that was issued out with regards to Brett Favre in this situation, I just want to highlight this fact right here. Mississippi confirms, their own Department of Human Services confirms, that out of 11,000 applicants for aid, TAMP aid, only 167 were approved. So keep that in mind there. 11,000 plus families were going without, and Brett Favre wants you to worry about his public image. So what did the text message from the governor's brother say? It said, if possible, Brett would like you to say something along the lines of the investigation shows to this point, Brett had done nothing wrong and the monies he is paying back for commercials and PSAs is from his own good will. That's what Todd Reeves told Clarion White. Ledger. Hi, I'm just making this video to say I'm standing in solidarity with my other black creators to take a break from this act from September 1st to October 1st. As we all know, this app is very racist. I've actually been permanently banned twice this month, but I got my account restored. And I do realize this is not feasible for every black creator. But since TikTok is not how I make money, I can do this for a month. I am tired of the racism that is being pushed on this app. I am tired of the anti-black women on this app and the anti-women content on this. So I will see you guys October 1st. Hi, I'm just making this video to say I'm standing in solidarity hey, you're with big, girl. my other black creators to take a break from this app from September 1st to October 1st. As we all This month, 
but I got my account restored. And I do realize this is not feasible for every black creator. But since TikTok is not how I make money, I can do this for a month. I am tired of the racism that... Good afternoon. So, Pierre Polyev is... I was going to say at it again, but he's at it every day. But interesting enough, I'm going to have a go at both Pierre Polyev and Justin Trudeau today. Because for years, both parties have talked about proportional representation when it's in their interest. Now, just stepping back for my friends who come from presidential systems like the United States or France or, or Colombia or so forth, in Canada we have a British parliamentary system. That means the Prime Minister is not elected directly by the people, rather he or she is the leader of the party with the most seats. And in this particular case, once again, <coughs> no political party has the majority of seats and so therefore they form either coalitions or they make deals to stay in power. I support this sort of politics because it makes you compromise. It's a healthy thing. So right now, in this country, the Conservatives, oddly enough, are polling with the highest numbers, about 37%. I had a good talk with a friend today. 37% is about their ceiling. It's about the highest they ever get. They dominate in places like the Prairie Provinces and Beltline outside Toronto, a few places like that. Uh, cities tend to vote more for the Liberal Party, and then of course you have the smattering of the Democratic Party, even Green Party. That is our mix, yeah. that is the Democratic I know these two leaders that... Some of us are so incapable of doing the work necessary to heal from our emotional trauma, that we're actually wearing the character flaws that come out of those emotional traumas as a badge of honor. For example, you hear oh, people say, oh, I just tell it like it is. Well, sometimes you're just triggered from the hurt of your own trauma, and now you're simply being rude to try to hurt other people. Or you might hear people say, my action. Let's try this one more time, shall we? You are not a human. You are a celestial. And you come from someplace far beyond here. Stop limiting yourself to the mind of a human, our alphabet, our mathematics, to describe and explain everything. Let yourself fall back inside, so far inside that you fall beyond the concept of human, our words, our ways, our perspective, and you begin to understand and reconnect with something that is not human. Your true awareness, your celestial awareness, my friend, because you come from the stars and beyond. Embrace that truth. The one called Jai guidance inside, and you will be connected to the divine. And then your world will change, my friend. Your world will change. Nice. <sighs> Back online. Yeah. There are some sounds in Yesterday, 
Video six. She don't need no Instagram. Hi there, welcome back. Check this out. We're listening to YouTube shorts. I think. Okay, let's see what's going on. We were, but let's check out my stretch instead. Let's see, caught in more crimes. John faces horrific future as first federal hearing was nightmare. Ha 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 ha. 53 minutes ago. Come out with your hands up, motherfucker. Ah, we got you. Right this way to jail, you motherfucking diaper Donald. Traitor. Terrorist and thief. Fuck you, bitch. Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Perjury, perjury, perjury. Yep, Donald Trump's co-defendant. In the sprawling racketeering case filed by Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis has a major perjury problem. I'm talking about Trump's co-defendant Mark Meadows, who shockingly waived his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination and testified at an evidentiary hearing last week where he is trying to remove the case filed in Fulton County Superior Court against him and 18 other co-defendants, including Donald Trump for the RICO claims. He wants to remove it. RICO racketeering influence. Northern District of Georgia, Judge Steve Jones, and in order to remove the case to federal court from state court in a criminal case like this, you gotta prove three things. First, that you are a federal officer. One, two, acting under color of your authority as a federal officer. And three, do you have credible federal defenses? An evidentiary hearing means evidence. So you can't just do what you do on right-wing media, MAGA Republicans, where you just spread propaganda while you got people like Sean Hannity and Jesse Waters and Laura Ingraham. Oh, 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 oh. No, you need evidence. And so Mark Meadows, I guess, figured the only way he can get this case into federal court and then try to give a motion to dismiss to pass muster uh, under the supremacy clause thereafter is to testify. And so he testified. And there's a reason why you have a right to remain silent because. Not only do I think that Mark Meadows failed to provide the requisite showing in the evidentiary hearing that the case should be removed from state to federal court, but Mark Meadows, he incriminated himself further, not just in the underlying criminal legal charges, but on a new independent charge of perjury. Mark Meadows lied under oath, and Fulton County District Attorney Bonnie Willis is calling him out for engaging in perjury in this powerful brief that she filed at the end of the week. Let me show you this right now. It's the state of Georgia's post-hearing brief, and you always gotta look at the footnotes. Right there, right there, right there. Because the footnotes sometimes is where that final 
right hook comes from, and then it's bam, see you later. And that's what that's what happened here. So here's what Bonnie Willis says in her brief, and you'll see how perfect, pitch perfect, she calls out uh, Mark Meadows for engaging in perjury. Here's what it says. The indictment alleges that the defendant, Mark Meadows, conspired to violate Georgia's RICO statute, and the state of Georgia has submitted evidence substantiating that allegation. The defendant coordinated and actively participated in a phone call between co-defendant Donald Trump, lawyers for Trump's presidential campaign, and officials from the Georgia Secretary of State offices, during which Trump berated the secretary to overturn the results of an election. Mr. Trump lost. On the call, the defendant used the inclusive pronoun we to refer to information possessed by the campaign and its lawyers, and he directly disputed the secretary's investigatory findings regarding the number of dead voters, insisting, quote, I said, hey, why, how come the Trumps were never prosecuted for violating the Hatch Act during their stump speeches at the White House? Remember when Melania destroyed Jackie Kennedy's Rose Garden? Fucking cunt. Trista, Perez, Shepard, I can promise you there are more than that. Earlier, the defendant, Mark Meadows, contacted another Secretary of State official and inquired whether the Trump campaign could speed up a signature audit by providing funding directly to the state. And after insisting that he did not play any role in the coordination of slates of, quote, fake electors throughout these several states, the defendant, Mark Meadows, was forced to acknowledge under cross-examination that he had, in fact, given direction to a campaign official in this regard. Specifically, the defendant wrote an email, the state of Georgia's Exhibit 1, in which he said, quote, we just need to have someone coordinating the electors for the states, and attached a memorandum written by co-defendant Kenneth Chesbrough recommending the organization of slates of presidential electors to meet and cast votes for Mr. Trump in states that Mr. Trump had lost. There's the footnote. We'll go over that in one moment. The defendant has not disputed his participation in these events. He simply argues that all of them were within the scope of his duties and occurred under color of office. The court thus has undisputed evidence of the defendant committing an act at issue in count one, conspiring to violate Georgia's RICO statute by joining in a common plan to overturn the results of Georgia's 2020 presidential election, a finding that some of the other overt acts attributed to the defendants occurred under the color of law, 
goes on to say is really not what the central analysis should be here. He's admitting to criminal conduct clearly outside the course and scope, clearly not within the color of his authority under federal law. And when Fawny Willis is saying it's undisputed, she's saying he confessed to the crime, basically. Maybe because Mark Meadows and MAGA Republicans are so detached now from democracy, from reality, from the way free and fair elections work, that he so cavalierly acts like that's normal behavior, but asking for alternate fake elector slates to be implemented instead of the real electors ain't normal. And guess what? It's a crime. And when you pair it with all of the other co-defendants as well, guess what? That is a RICO crime, a common plan and scheme, a criminal RICO enterprise. And then you go to the footnote and it says, the court has ample basis not to credit some or even all of the defendant's testimony from the evidentiary hearing. In addition to the contradiction highlighted above, the defendant said repeatedly that he misused the pronoun we, an assertion that would materially alter the plain meaning of several of his relevant statements. The defendant also repeatedly insisted he was merely, quote, trying to land the plane and achieve a, quote, peaceful transition of power, a statement clearly belied by his participation in the Trump campaign's attempts to overturn the outcome of the Georgia's election. And so here, Fulton County District Attorney Phony Willis first is saying on page five and six that after insisting that he did not play any role in the coordination of slates of fake electors, when he was cross-examined by the prosecutors, by Fawny Willis's office, he then acknowledged that he did, in fact, give a direction to campaign officials to specifically do this, that we need to coordinate the electors, referring to the fake electors and attaching a memo of one of the co-defendants. That's why this is a common RICO scheme. And then, in uh, footnote three, uh, Fawny Willis is like, you should just discredit everything he's saying because he just lied and lied and lied. And so where he uses the pronoun we to refer to a common plan and scheme of committing a crime, then under cross-examination, when he saw that language, he was like, oh, I didn't mean we. So what were you trying to do, Mr. Meadows, when you said we? Who are you referring to? Wouldn't we include you? Isn't that what we means? Together, all of us, we? And Mark Meadows is like, nope. I was just trying to land the plane and have a peaceful transition. Well, then why were you doing the exact opposite of that? And by the way, there's videotape of you, Mark Meadows, on January 6th, like partying in the tent as the insurrection went down. So judge, for now, do not credit anything that he said. He's a liar. He's a liar. And then we can talk about that. After we remand the case back to state court, this case should not be removed. Then I think she's going to say, let's bring, there, there should be charges for perjury. It's a crime he just committed. Mark Meadows, disastrous, disastrous evidentiary hearing. Now, will he meet a low threshold showing for removal? I don't think so, but 
you never know in the Eleventh Circuit Court of Appeals and that body of case law what could possibly uh, happen with respect to removal. This is uncharted territory in the law. There aren't other cases involving racketeering enterprises where chiefs of chief of staff and other top officials working for uh, the government tried to overthrow the government. There's no other cases that, well, the precedent says that there are no other cases. So it is unchartered territory, but I think Mark Meadows now has created a massive perjury problem, and you see it right there in what's called evidence. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Go to MidasTouch.com for more breaking news. MidasTouch.com. Wherever you get audio podcasts, make sure you subscribe as well to the Midas Touch podcast. And have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Wayfair's Labor Day clearance, you get deals so big, we'll have you saying, am I a big deal? Because it's a big deal when you get a big deal. Wayfair deals so big that you might get a big head. Because with a sale this big, you can get your dream sofa for half the price. Shop Wayfair's Labor Day clearance now. Wayfair, you've got just what I need.
Okay, I don't know what uh, what that was all about, but we're listening to Tales from the Streets, and I just uh, I just pitched to Governor Hobbs a pilot program to end homelessness. Call the toll-free number. We'll come pick you up. Free rehab. Get you off the streets. Keep you safe. To counseling, job counseling, whatever you shower, fucking whatever you need, meal, counseling, rehab, free anonymous, make it happen, fucking Governor Hobbs, shit, come on. Yeah. All right, Liz. Liz, how you been? You've been good. Oh, um, so this is like over a year. She's so pretty. She was. Time coming forward, it's it's been good and bad. Um, a lot of things to reflect on, but mostly I'm at the point where I am ready for change and I'm ready for rehab now. At first, I think I was so uh, hurt and so sad and depressed, and I didn't know what to do with myself. I just couldn't believe that I went to those events and now I accept them, and I'm content with where I'm at because I know that. I accepted shit now. At first, I couldn't, I just couldn't accept what had happened with my husband and everything and how I went, but I'm over it now. And I have a, a new relationship, and he's not a, necessarily a boyfriend, but he's a companion. And he's gotten through most of all this year and stuff, so I've mostly needed nothing. He provides for me everything he can. And mostly what I need is somebody to talk to or somebody to just kick. Well, why are you on the streets right now? I just like to go. Uh, he, he likes to go out. He lets me do whatever I want most of the time. I'm safe. So that's why I like to go because I understand. They're not trying to control me. Yeah, free, to anonymous I don't know how to explain the because my, my first, my husband, he was very abusive, he was very controlling, he didn't do anything. Um, I could only want to dress however I wanted to dress. It was always what he wanted. And I think I lived his, his life, not my life, because I wanted to please him, and at the end I didn't please myself. So how old are you and how old is your boyfriend? Um, well, I am 33 years old and my boyfriend, he is 53 years old. There's a 20 year gap. 20 year gap difference. Yeah. Well, All right, Liz. she needs free anonymous yeah. rehab. Alright, Liz. A year later since I first did the interview, um, well, t uh, time coming forward is... Alright, so what's your name? Matthew. Matthew, how old are you? Um, are you from the Uh, yeah. This is my brother. Uh, I was paying rent, but I was sick of his girlfriend talking shit, being to me, and uh, she was starting to kick me out, so I just woke up one day and I just left. I do regret it, but I think it was better to be on the streets and fucking have someone who talks shit about me and my husband about me. And I don't want to there, so. Um, yeah, we on your socks, it's hot, I would don't suck to anyone. It's not, it's not for the week, that's for damn sure, and, you know, it's not safe. You know, every day you might not make it, you never know.
to be last day. It's just really real out here. And it, yeah. And I regret it. I regret coming to Phoenix and don't ever come to Phoenix because yeah, if you're trying to get away from drugs, because that's the worst fucking decision that you can do. I didn't know it was bad out here before I came. Maybe not to my voice, you guys. Um, next question. What's your name? Matthew. Matthew, how old are you? 21. Where are you from originally? Uh, New Hampshire. What brings you all the way out here to Phoenix? Virginia is living with my brother. Uh, I was paying rent, but... I was sick of his girlfriend talking shit, being a fucking rude cunt to me, and, uh... She was threatening to kick me out, so I... He's got this, uh, nasty, uh, wound on his nose. Yes. Alright, Holly. Hi, I'm okay, a little bit better. Um, I wanted to say thank you to everybody who uh, comments and stuff um, on the videos. I finally got a chance to read it, and um, it just is like I was overwhelmed with so many emotions. Like, it's just so sweet and just so thoughtful. There's so, so much was going through my head because I'm like, you know, you guys, I don't even know who you are, but most of you, but you know, took time to say something to me and stuff. And I know that you're praying for me, so that really makes me feel really good. Um, I think that just knowing that has made, has changed me a little bit, actually, um, because I've been more, like, focused on... I gotta change, and like, for, I mean, I've always, I've been saying that, that I gotta get out the street, that I gotta change, and I, you know, but then, like, I end up finding Oh, my God. There's feathers everywhere inside those cages. They fucking went. Whatever they did to them, they fucking terrorized them, that's for sure. I'd like to see that video for sure. Fuck. Yeah, how much you want to bet? It's, it's gonna be impossible to get a copy of, uh, of that video. To stay with, so it makes it a little more comfortable, and and you know, I'm still in the lifestyle and stuff, you know. But it's always something that makes it um, comments and stuff um, on the videos. I finally got a chance to read it, and it just is like I was overwhelmed with so many emotions. Like it's just so sweet and just so thoughtful. There's so, so much was going through my head because I'm like, you know, you guys, I don't know who you are, but most of you, but you know, you took time to say something to me, like, you know, and I know that you're praying for me, so hey, it makes me feel really good. Um, I think that just knowing that it has made a change a little bit, actually, um, because I've been more, like, focused on, I gotta change, and like, for, I mean, I've always, I've been saying that, that I gotta get out the street, that I gotta change, and like, you know, but then, like, I ended up finding something I can stay with, so it makes it a little more comfortable, and, you know, still in the lifestyle, and stuff, you know, and it's always something that makes it, um, last a little longer, but regardless, um, I decided to put myself on a waiting list for a detox, it's called Vogue, and it's here in Phoenix. Fuck I think that. it's your name, but um, I heard it was really good, and yeah, they, uh, I'm next on the line, I'm next up. Why is there a fucking waiting list? Alright, Holly. Hi. I'm okay. On the videos. I finally got a chance to read it, and um, 
It just is like I was overwhelmed with so many emotions. Alright, so what's your name? Danny. Danny? Yeah. Danny, how old are you? I'm 30. Where are you from originally? I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Born and raised out here? Yes. I what side? Uh, fucking married. Are you from the west side? Russia, yeah. What's your current situation? Uh, I'm out here uh, currently homeless, trying to survive, make it. It's hot as fuck. <laughs> Sorry. How long have you been homeless for? Um, it's been about shit since I got out of prison. How long ago was that? Uh, March seventh. Is this your first time being homeless? Oh um, no. You've been through it before? Yeah. She's got pink hair. Uh, once. It was like six years ago. Well, five, six years ago. Yeah. Wow. She's old as well. So you got out of prison? You didn't have nowhere to go or what? Well, my grandparents passed away and I was supposed to go there. I'm sorry to hear that. So what do you do out here to survive in the street? I mean, I do what I gotta do, you know? Hustle. Hustle, you know what I mean? What is it? <laughs> Alright, so what's your name? Danny. Danny? Yeah. Danny, how old are you? I'm 30. Where are you from originally? I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Born and raised out here? Yes, yeah, What side? Uh, fucking Maryville. So you're from the she west side? like a superhero. <laughs> What's your current situation? Um, I'm out here uh, currently homeless, trying to survive, make it. It's hot as fuck. <laughs> Sorry. How long have you been homeless for? Um, it's been about shit since I got out of prison. How long ago was that? Uh, March seventh. Is this your first time being homeless? like six years ago well five six years ago yeah so you got out of prison you all right phoenix arizona born and raised out here yes what side uh fucking Savage. Hey. Savage, how you been? Um, I've been all right. How about you? I've been pretty good. Good. So it's been about, what, a year and a half? Yeah, I'd say about that. So I've been through a lot since then. I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around that I'm dead and, um, I don't know, tons of things. People come up to me all the time saying that, um, people thought, they say that I overdosed or something like that. My family yeah. thought that I was dead because of that. So I want to clear that up. I'm, I'm not, you know what I'm saying, I'm here. I'm well. I'm doing better than I have in um, a year and a half. You know what I mean? Um, when I first moved out here, I was living with my dad. Um, and I got into an argument with him and then I was on the street. Um, I think that's where we had left off last time. So where's your current living situation right now? Um, like? I, I live off of like 30th and Indian school now in a select apartment and that's where I've been staying for the last six, seven months now. 
That's good, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, better than better than being on the street. I mean, um, I was doing bando living for the longest. You know what I mean? But um, I'd like to think I look pretty smartly, so um, that that's been going all right for me. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of people don't even know that my apartment is bando. <laughs> Are you staying by yourself, or do you have any roommates, or what? No, I have, um, I stay with my boyfriend okay. right now, you know, he's been a godsend for me, he's been trying to, like, help me get my mind right and get me on the right path to doing better shit, I, I was kind of, like, just, like, caught up in my own bullshit before, you know, now I'm trying to take steps to better myself, get closer to God, you know what I mean, get clean again, and, you know what I mean, get back on the right track, my kids miss me, their lives didn't stop when I came out here, you know what I mean, so I, I need to, like, Continue to work towards getting my time back with them. Where's your kids at right now? They're in Albuquerque. Are you planning to go back home? Oh yeah. I mean, just to go see them. Um, I don't plan on staying out there no. at all. Um, Why not? I want to come back. There's too many opportunities out here. You know, I mean, I've learned a lot about myself out here, staying out here. You know, I've been through a lot of experiences. Um, I almost died in January. Uh, I caught pneumonia. I wasn't taking care of myself. My lung collapsed. I had 60% fluid in my lung. Um, I was in the hospital for like two and a half weeks in ICU. Um, all right, Savage. Hi. Savage, how you been? Um, I've been all right. How about you? I've been pretty good. good. So it's been about, what, a year and a half? Yeah, I'd say about that since I moved out here. I've been through a lot since then. I mean, there's a lot of rumors going around that I'm dead. She's and, doing well. Um, and, um, people thought, they said that I overdosed or something like that. My family yeah. thought that I was dead. Let me see your legs, bro. You need to go. Oh, shit. Oh. You need to go get that check, bro. I know. When are you going to go get a check? Uh, either tomorrow or the next day. Because everybody's telling, everybody's bugging me to go. <laughs> you can go to the Indian hospital right here on 15 feet in Indian school, bro. Let's take care of that. 15 feet in Indian school? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Dude, I'll give you a ride there. You want a ride there? No, I don't know. Sure? Yeah. Why not? I think it's people, people that I know out here know that I'm going over there. Huh. So, uh, they, so, they, so someone at least know where I'm at. Yeah. Cause that thing's gonna get infected. Yeah. And then you even have a spreading on your other leg too. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah, you can't look like that, bro. Huh? Two legs, bro. We need a. We need like a medic. On that. You need to go get that check, bro. I know. Sixteenth Street in Indian School? Yeah. Down here? Yeah. Oh no shit. I'm here now. You sure? <laughs> yeah. Damn. I just wanna let people people that I know out here know that. Alright, what's your name? Brandon. Brandon, how old are you? Twenty eight. Where are you from originally? From uh the reservation. Yeah. Arizona? Yeah. So for defiance Arizona? Where was that? Fort Defiance, Arizona. Where was that at? Uh, not really sure. <laughs> was that up by the Four Corners? Uh, but, yeah, somewhere. <laughs>
what's your situation? Um, homeless. I'm out here homeless. I'm out here to, to um, for one of these, um, yeah, yeah, a church on the street. Church on the street to, you know, but I end up, end up, um, leaving there. Because of my drug addiction. Yeah. You never completed the program? No. How long have you been out here? Man, probably like 10 years, maybe. 10 years. And all that time you've been homeless? Yeah. Oh my God. Yep. Don't you have any family back at the rest? Um, I have my brother and sister. Some of, them, some of my uh, sisters are here and brother, but I haven't talked to them since I was. Uh... This is me off that the casinos make so much money. Give him fucking for give him a place to stay for fuck's sake. Eighteen, cause uh, there does that's when my dreams move past me. Alright, what's your name? Since he was Brandon. eight. Brandon, how old are you? Twenty-eight. Oh. Where are you from originally? From uh, the reservation. Since eighteen. Yeah. In Arizona. Yeah. I'm staying with somebody right now, but um, it's difficult. Yeah, I'm more, I claim more of the streets <laughs> with them. So. How'd you end up in that situation? Um, that's my husband. Yeah. She did, and I can't forgive him. How long ago was that? Uh, a little over a year ago. I haven't seen him, haven't heard from him, don't know anything about him. Don't care. <laughs> So, is this the first time you've been homeless? Or have you no, been homeless we were homeless time? together. He just went back to the hospital for I stayed. I told him, go, you know. That's it. And I'm just finished. I'm finished. I can't take it anymore. What do you do out here on the streets to survive? What's <laughs> that? Yeah. I want to be clean this over and I can't. No, I mean, well, I can. I'm going to get on back to the we were homeless together. He just went back to home to his sister's house. I stayed. I'm telling go. You know, that's it. I'm just finished. I'm finished. I can't take it anymore. What do you do out here on the streets to survive? <laughs> yeah. I want to get clean this over and I can't now. I mean, well, I can. I'm going to get on methadone. But, um... Just because I don't want to fail again. I know that with methadone, I can ease my way off of it eventually. Suboxone makes me sick, so I can't take it, and so I'm going to do that, and I don't want to fail, like I said, I know methadone gets you a little bit high in the beginning, so I won't crave that, you know what I mean? If I have a bad day, I'm going to want to get used, you know, I've already used, well, I've already taken something to ease that, you know, so yeah. What do you do to get money to eat? Um, anything I have to. 
You know what I'm saying? Because it's hard to be okay one day and then the next day be mad about where you're at. Does that make sense? I've learned that out here. Like, we either have to be like, I wonder why the people around me, like, a lot of them are, oh, and a lot of them are like content with what's going to happen tomorrow, which is the same thing that's happening today. I realize there is no gray area in this at all. How long have you been out here on the streets for? Nine months. Nine months? Nine months. What have you been doing to survive out here? Looking well, to survive? Thank God I get food, I get food stamps every month, and that saves my life. And I literally walk. I walk. I walk everywhere. If I can't sleep somewhere, because I get offered sleep places for sex. So, and I don't do that. Like, I don't. Like, I don't. This morning, I was on 54th Avenue McDowell, nine cars in an hour. Nine. Me and the girls sitting at the bus stop. I was at a bus stop. I could have made a fortune. Like, I get it. How, how easy it is to make money like that. But I don't do that. So I choose to sleep there or behind the Costco or in the tunnels. You know what I'm saying? Where there's not anybody. Alright, so what's your name? Renee. Renee, how old are you? Fucking sucks. 43 years old. Where are you from originally? Detroit. Alright, so what's your name? Katrina. Katrina. Yeah, I go by Birdie. How old are you? 31. Where are you from originally? I was born in Tennessee, but I've been in Arizona since 1999. So. What's your situation? I lost my house about a year ago. It got sold up from underneath us, and I've been on the streets ever since. So, I've been trying to find, like, uh, housing through, like, 2 on one and stuff, but none of that has worked out. So I just keep getting pushed back out on the street. Yeah, yeah my, my, my mother-in-law owned it, and we were in the process of buying it from her, we were like $12,000 in, but she sold it to some realty company in New York, just, we didn't have like the paperwork or anything, it wasn't legal, and so she sold it to somebody else, and my old man was, I don't know if he was too embarrassed to tell me or, or what, but he was trying to fix it, and so he didn't tell me what's going on, hiding notices and mail and stuff, and so the dude was supposed to move out, comes and goes, I'm on the library. And a month after that, we get raided in our home squad. So, this is embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Alright, so what's your name? Katrina. Katrina? Yeah, I go by 30. How old are you? 31. Where are you from originally? I was born in Tennessee, but I've been here since 1999. What's your situation? I lost my house about a year ago. We got sold up underneath us, and I've been on the streets ever since. I'm trying to find like uh, housing through like two on one and stuff, but none of that worked out. So I just get pushed back out in the street. Yeah, my 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 mother-in-law owned it, and we were in the process of buying it from her. We were like twelve thousand dollars in, but she sold it to some realty company in New York. Just, we didn't have like a paperwork or anything; it wasn't legal, and so she sold it to somebody else. And my old man was—I don't know if he was too embarrassed to tell me or, or what—but he was trying to fix it. And, So he doesn't tell me what's going on. Hiding notices and mail and stuff and so the day we're supposed to move out comes and goes.
Katrina. Yeah, I go by Birdie. How old are you? 31. Where are you from originally? I was born in Tennessee, but I've been in Arizona since 1999. What's your situation? I lost my house about a year ago. It got sold out from underneath us, and I've been on the streets ever since. So I'm trying to find like uh, housing to like two on one and stuff, but none of that works. All right, so what's your name? Serenity. Serenity, how old are you? 25. Where are you from originally? Pennsylvania. What brings you all the way out here to beautiful Phoenix, Arizona? Beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, I moved out here with my parents a while back, and then they moved out to Maryland, so yeah, I'm just kind of here. At what age did you come out here? Um, I was 19. So what's your current situation? Uh, currently homeless. Yeah. How long have you been in that situation? Um, technically, it's been six months, but I've been on the streets for about two months. Um, I was living in a Nexus truck for a little bit, so I accidentally crashed it. I had a seizure behind the wheel and crashed the car, so yeah. Alright, so what's your name? Serenity. Okay. Serenity, how old are you? 
last time you were out here, you told me that you had a boyfriend out here. What happened to him? You were waiting for him? We are still together, but I don't know what he's doing. He just never showed up? He did. So where are you staying at tonight? Probably trying to stay with friends. With who? Probably trying to stay with one of my friends. Her eyes are kind of rolling. If anybody's trying to reach out to you with any sort of help or donations, do you have an email? Any contact information that you want to share for my followers? No. You don't? No. Do you have a phone out here? How come you don't get an Obama phone? <laughs> I had one. I sold it for money because it's over. Oh, man. Yeah. Alright, well, we'll get some cleaning first. Did you get some money? Yeah. Yeah. Good girl. Alright, Mariah. Alright, so what's your name? Sandra. Sandra, yeah. how old are you? 41. Where are you from? Love to comment. I also want to be a positive role fuck, model in happens? my daughter's life. You guys still there? Yep. Hello, darlings. Shout out to KAMP. We're enjoying uh, Tales from the Streets on TikTok. I'm sorry. Ludicrous. Did you speak? Um. Hey, how you doing today? Oh my god. Just tripping balls. Hey, how you doing? Hurts going back in her eyes Oh man. Yeah, we doing an interview, remember? <laughs> yeah. What's your name? I don't know my name. Oh. Okay, I know I look crazy and the child looks a lot. Okay. Mm. Oh my god. Wait a minute, can I What's your name? My name is ATM Reed with All Time Media. What's your name? Nicole. Okay, Nicole, how old are you? Huh. Reyes? So how old are you, Nicole? Oh sorry, my bad. You're good. Reyes? Your age? You, you, are you 21, 25? Or you don't want to answer that one? Yes, I do. Nicole, Marie, mm -mm. Reyes. All right. Oh. Where are you from, Nicole? Puerto Rico. All right. How long you been out here? In, in the United States? Well, I'm Philly. In Philly. I'm sorry. Okay, um, Nicole, Marie, Reyes. Well, she's there you really go. fucking there you tripping go. balls. So how's your day going? She don't know. Hey, how you doing today? 
Come on, Katie. Come on, Katie Hobbs. You're a fucking social worker. Do something about it. You're fucking governor. So he's well, I'm stolen my identity from, and uh, it was actually my wallet. My wallet had my, um, my Arizona ID card in it, and then and it was my social security card actually was stolen first. It was my social uh, My social security card, so I'm still homeless. I was, um, I'm from here, from Randall's family, like, um, the Randall's that are, uh, Johnny and Nancy, uh, since they the farm up here, and, uh, my family has been here for years. So you're from where? Um, I'm from Memphis, Memphis, but I am from Randall's, uh, Johnny Randall's family over here in Sun City. It's right up the road a mile and a half, so it's the Desert Farm. Um, it's, uh... Um, pheasants or birds. Pheasants or birds, you know, I turkeys and stuff. And I love to drink whiskey. And, um, I'm not just thinking, I'm really good. I'm really good. It's not good. I mean, there's a lot of people. Um, 
Christy? Christy, how old are you? 43. Mother. And what's the situation right now? I'm homeless, so we, well, I have a stolen I'm from here, from Randall's family, like, um, the Randall's that are, uh, Johnny and them from, uh, since the pheasant farm up here. Alright, what's your name, bro? I'm Alex. Alex, how old are you? 27. Where are you from originally? Uh, here, Phoenix, Yeah, in the Yeah. Well, right now, I'm in a sober living, and so, because, uh, Rosa, because I, I relapsed, my house manager, uh, told me that, he told me I, I had to go to Aurora, you know, for detox, but, you know, I mean, I only, I only smoked one pill, I didn't see nothing wrong with that, so, because I didn't want to go to Aurora, you know, I mean, he got me out here, you know, he said that. You you wouldn't put uh, kick anyone to the streets, but you he kicked me to the curb. Um, yeah, right now. How long have you been homeless for? Well, like before I got kicked out of that sober living, um, it was about about three years. He's mm. got a couple sores so, on his face. It's an everyday struggle, but you know, okay. one thing. Uh, For me, is like I, I wouldn't say it's a blessing. Well, I wouldn't say it's a curse either. But it's like when I'm not looking for it, I find it. Yeah. I mean, like uh, a couple months ago, dude, I found a hundred pack. <laughs> I mean, but because I had my son with me at the time, I mean, um, I I just didn't have to throw it away. I, I didn't I didn't think twice about it, but. But like I said, my hair because my my house manager.
uh, over a year, about two years now, on the street, street, so there's really nowhere to go, about two years. Nowhere to go. Um, and, like, one day, like, I had everything that I needed, right? And it's like, in the blink of an eye, like, it could all go to shit, it could all go to crap. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like Maryville, Collison area. Like, um, yeah. And what's your current situation right now? Um, I know if I'd say that, but I'm homeless. Who's there? Hi. How you been? Good. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you again. Where were you going? Missing some um, teeth. Back to the camp with my friend. She's got green hair. So you're staying at a camp? Um, just today. Okay. Yeah. For today? Yeah. Why? What's going on with your living situation? Um, trying to find a place to live. You're not staying where you used to stay at? No. What happened there? Um, we just, I just moved out, um, but we ended up misunderstanding, so I just moved out, and then, um, my brother moved in, and then, um, I was going to move back in, but, um, we decided not to do me and my brother so we don't fight, you know? Yeah. So just her brother, and then I'm going to find someone on my own. Kind of like but we're still friends and everything. It's just because like, I called in my um, my computer saying I want to send mail to the house and I don't know what happened. So let's get into it. And he just decided to move me out. I decided to move out, I guess. Find time to move. Telling, I'm like leaving a comment. Tell Governor Hobbs to do the job we elected her for and end homelessness in Arizona. Multiple accounts on TikTok pretending to be tales from the streets and asking for donations. Please let TikTok know. Thank you. Multiple accounts on TikTok pretending to be tales from the streets. Hi, Roberta. Roberta, how old are you? I'm 20, I'm just going to run next month. And what's your current situation? Um, I'm out here on the streets because me and my family have been fighting and they just see, like, disappointment in me and, like, there's, like, a lot going on and I decided not to go with it and I try to, like, keep my mind focused and stuff so, like, for my birthday I can remember, but, like, it's been hard because I feel like I have nobody and Ain't nobody to talk to, and like, all they want to do is just like calm me down and calm me names, and like that's not helping my situation and my depression and stuff that I'm going through by myself. And so, like, I'm out here on the streets just trying to live and make it through the next day and see the next year or whatever.
around 20, then we came around with me. And what's your current situation? Um, I'm out here on the street because me and my family have been fighting and they just see like disappointing, disappointing me. Like. Warning. Page. Hello, hi. How you been? I've been good. I've been doing good. So, how's life treating you now? Life's treating me well. Um, I had a car and it got towed. I just left it without gas. And silly me, it got towed. I had a car. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah. I did. How'd you do that? Um, I, I had a good friend. I had a really good friend. And he helped me get a car. Did anybody recognize you from the interview? Um, yeah, a lot of people. So many people, actually. They're, they kept saying, um, you're the girl from YouTube. Um, we saw you. And, like, people were helping me, like, with money and so on and so forth. I have to still get, like, an ID and social security as well as a birth certificate. I'm from a whole different state, so it's kind of harder and a longer wait to get it out here. And I said on um, the last video that I had a problem with one of the, the homeless shelters. Like, they were really rude and really negative towards me. So um, I'm still looking, like, how to get it. Yeah. Hello, hi. How you been? I've been good. I've been doing good. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your name? Idina. Diana? Idina. Idina. Yeah. How old are you? 25. Where are you from originally? Arizona. From, from Phoenix? Mm hmm. And what's your situation right now? I'm just homeless. I don't really have any family or any friends or anything, so I just roam around Arizona. How long have you been homeless for? Four years. Uh, so ever since fucking tragic. Yeah. What happened to all your family? I have my mom that lives out here, but we don't, we don't really hang out or talk. My brothers. But, so you have yeah. your mom, your siblings? Mm-hmm. When was the last time that you talked to them? When did they help you out? Like three, four months ago? She's got some, yeah. uh, I guess it's maybe like... They're, they're doing good, but I'm just like, you know, doing my own thing. They don't have really room at the house or anything, so... So, they game. Are you going to come back home or anything like that? No. No. They're like, get out of here. Leave, don't come back. Shit. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, Are you in bad God, trouble? That's fucking no. tragic. No? Mm-mm. Alright, what's your name? Idina. Diana? Idina. From Phoenix? Mm hmm? And what's the situation right now? I'm just homeless. I don't really have any family or any friends or anything, so I just roam around. Alright, so what's your name? Nicole. Nicole, how old are you? 43. Are you from Arizona? Yeah, but nobody knows me. Oops. Alright, so what's your name? Nicole. Nicole, how old are you? 43. Are you from Arizona? Yeah, but nobody
Alright, so what's your name? Nicole. Nicole, how old are you? 43. Are you from Arizona? Yeah, but nobody knows me as Nicole. Everybody knows me as Morena. Morena? And what's your situation right now? Um, situation that I'm homeless. I've been homeless for the last two years. And that's about it. I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> So, How'd you end up out here in the street? Um, it was a breakup, a tough breakup, and I ended up going down and fucking being on pills and stuff and just messing myself up. But I'm I'm getting cleaned up now, so yeah. Did I ask you how long you were out here in the street? Um, about well, I've been on the streets since I was 15 on my own, off and on. Like I've been, I mean, I've had my own place and stuff, and uh. I don't know, I just, I've been on, on on and off off the streets, like, since I was 15 years old. I've been a runaway. When I was a runaway, I was on the street for a good two, three years. But uh, I always, I always had somebody to look out for me, so. Yeah. I always had somebody that would give me a place to stay, and get sleep, shower, and stuff. So I've always had a good, I've always had it all right, so it's not. So how was your childhood growing up? Did you have both parents? No, I just had my mom. My dad was never in the picture, but I had a stepdad was great with me and treated me better than what my mom did. My mom always treated me like shit. And well, it's just, my stepdad is like my dad. He's my parent, he's my both, my, my mom and my dad. But he's my stepdad, but right now, like, when I went through, got this accident on my leg, got amputated and stuff, he ended up taking it hard and he ended up losing his job and everything. So right now he's having kind of tough, so that's why I don't got the hop that I used to have. Well, that's what happened to your leg? Uh, I got an infection and I lost it. Okay. You said you got in an accident? It, no, I got shot. Oh, you got shot? Yeah. What did you get shot with? A 12-gauge. On my thigh. And what, what was that over? Uh, it was in a dope house. It was, um, I was stopped and they tried to rob me and they shot me. Wow. Alright, so what's your name? Nicole. Uh, Nicole, how old are you? 43. From Arizona? Yeah, but nobody knows me as Nicole. Everybody knows me as Morena. Alright, Miguel and Carla. How you guys been? I'm um, been... Yeah, you see everything good. I mean, I don't want to stay where where we're hanging, you know, but we've been good. We've been good in them, you know, like I always say, like I always keep on repeating. We're doing better than when we first got out here. When we first got out here, damn, nobody can damn well. Man, see me, I we had real friends just... Um, mm-hmm. We really like hang out like that, like that. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you just got out of jail or what? No, actually I got out of jail. What? 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 Nothing happened though? What did they put you in there? Did you lose some weight out here or inside jail? Inside there and I mean, um, 
it's crazy because, I mean, at least when I go in there, I gain weight. Tell Governor Hobbs to decriminalize drugs and offer. Okay, doing a bit better than last time. I was pretty despondent last time. All like down in the dumps, wow. being interviewed in an alleyway, <laughs> being found in an alleyway. <laughs> um, I'm doing better about being more responsibly inside and taking care of my own bills and stuff like that. More, a little bit better at managing my money. Like I'm not gonna lie and be like, yeah, I'm on top of the world, but like, but I am doing better. Um, and I'm doing better about like keeping the, the the BS and the negative people and things like out of my life. But I got some feedback from last time, just off of that video, which is cool. And I did meet some cool people and had some people that I like had like lightly interacted with and started interacting with them more and stuff like that. So it was, it was interesting. <laughs> I'm doing better. I stay in hotels more regularly when I don't stay in hotels. Like. I stay like inside. It's like a free like, hotel. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you were telling me that you're staying at where the night center? The red room. The red room. Yeah. Hotel. But in charge in there. Okay, so <laughs> that's why I'm not always there because it adds up. Like during the week, I'm I'm paying like you know what I mean, roughly like eighty, ninety dollars. Then on the weekend, I'm paying a little bit over a hundred dollars, and it all flat rate breaks down to about a hundred a night. Like so, it's like seven hundred a week, roughly. And it's honestly it would be cheaper to to just be paying rent or going to a weekly, but there's so much that comes behind having to do that, and like, yeah, you know I mean, it's a lot of commitment too. <laughs> All right, Khadija. Hi. How you been? I've been okay, doing a bit better than last time. I was pretty despondent last time. All like. Whatever causes mold, there's mold all through there. So, I mean, yeah, it's making girls sick and all type of shit. You know? This is just disgusting. And I've never seen a place more dirty in my life. I thought guys were dirty. Females in there, for sure. In general, like, I have a whole totally different outlook on females in general, period. They're, they're dirty, like, oh my god, dude. Like, I've never, that's so gross. Girls are dirty. They're just shitting on themselves pouring up on themselves there was bloody tampons in the fucking shower where people where other females have to shower and shit it was sick i feel 10 trash bags full to the top with fucking trash tampons hi there we're listening to michael cohen this trump is having a complete breakdown before our eyes organic fruits and vegetables sustainably sourced to help while <laughs> diaper donald is sitting there crapping in his pampers 
You know what Joe Biden's doing, Ben? Joe Biden administration just announced the first 10 drugs facing Medicare price negotiation. These are drugs for, um, you know, high blood pressure. These are drugs uh, that so many people in this country are taking because, you know, of we're living to older ages. And they were getting priced out where because the economy is, you know, still rebounding as a result of COVID or, you know, they're older, that unfortunately, you know, a big portion of the money that they would have to spend on things like food or rent, electricity, uh, cell phone, et cetera, that they weren't able to then uh, get all of their medication. With this price negotiation, they will be able to afford their drugs and be able to live an honorable life. They will be able to, you know, live without having to maybe, you know, impose upon children or other family members, you know, to help them out. They deserve, they deserve this. These are people who've worked their entire lives, their entire lives. Now, all of a sudden, you know, crazy Joe Biden, the guy who's mentally deficient. Yeah, I see Donald Trump standing there attacking a man that just passed another scenario that is going to help all Americans, not Republicans, not Democrats only, not independents, all Americans. And you know what? As each and every one of these people start to benefit from the policies that Joe Biden and his administration are putting forth. Yeah, I, I assure you. They're going to be walking away from Donald in droves, especially and possibly the most important part is the independence. And that's why there's fascist Furby talk. What MAGA Republicans, what Fox, they want to keep people in a bubble. They're coming for your gas stoves. You know, there's a new one with uh, Ted Cruz. We'll show you in a little bit where Ted oh. Cruz is like, they're only going to let you drink two beers a month. And they, they like, they just literally just make up a bunch of crap. That's like, okay, that, what are you talking about? Mr. Potato Head, Disney is too woke, this, that, and the other. We'll get to some of that stuff. But that's why, because they have to figure out a way to convince people to vote against their interests and distract them from tangible things that are being done or attempting to be done. Doesn't mean Biden always is successful, but he's aiming towards how do we help people? And Fox wants to, and Trump wants to, and MAGA world wants to distract from all that. Let me show you another clip that Donald Trump made of himself. This is him again, doubling, tripling, quadrupling down after. This is all happening too, like after he's uh, you know been indicted now multiple times just spewing the lies, saying that we have a department of injustice that's rigging this election, like they rigged the election in 2020. Here, play this clip. We have a department of injustice rigging the election for crooked Joe Biden. Unless it is quickly stopped, all future elections will follow the same path. Our country is heading down a very, very dangerous road, and it has to stop. These are very dishonest people we're dealing with. We have to make our country great again. And if our elections are going to be rigged or if they're going to use weaponization on elections, it's going to be very tough to make it great. We are a nation in decline. We are a nation that is failing, but we will turn it around very quickly. The election of 2024 is the most important election in the history of our country. 
We have to win or we won't have a country left. Thank you very much. Again, more threats, more lies. Let me just show you one more, Cohen. This is what By the he way, said. Ben, before we jump on to that one, wasn't he already warned not to do things like this? So it goes into something that we talked about during the last episode, which is now we have to wait to see what the judge will do, because this is exactly the gaslighting and the danger that this man poses. So, yeah, let's go to the next clip. The next one right here is him talking about Georgia, again, where he just pled not guilty and where he has conditions that would seem to prohibit conduct exactly like this. Here, play the clip. I easily won the great state of Georgia in 2016, did a fantastic job as president for Georgia and the entire USA, received 10 million more votes than I got nationwide in 2016. Got by far the most votes in history for a sitting president, but shockingly lost Georgia. And again, he goes later in that clip, which is not in that clip, but he talks about how he believes he won Georgia. And again, just whining that Georgia was was rigged, but constantly like, by the way, just whining over and over again. He's always the victim. Have you noticed that his consistent pattern is that he is always the victim in every scenario that doesn't go his way? And of course, it's Joe Biden administration that weaponized the Department of Justice. No, look at my book, Revenge. Look at what the title is, which, again, was finished and went to publishing a year ago. Well, before Donald started this bullshit about Biden weaponizing the Justice Department to go after him. It's how Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. We already know it. We've seen from Jeffrey Berman, the head of the Southern District of New York at the time, how Bill Barr's office was putting pressure on them regarding my case. We've already seen all the things that the Department of Justice did. Who gets 48 hours to plead guilty or they're filing an 80 page indictment against you? And that's going to include your spouse who gets something like this. I'm watching these assholes. Look at the calendar. The calendar puts Donald out well over a year. All of these folks, including this guy from the Oath Keepers or the or the Proud Boys, whichever one today got 17 years. These trials didn't take place in 48 hours from a Friday to a Monday. So who's the real weaponizer of the DOJ? Where is Bill Barr to spill the beans? Where is Congress to hold a hearing demanding Barr come in and to spill the beans? I mean, this guy stands up there, spews nothing but lies. Why doesn't he just turn around and say that he's, um, let's see, something stupid? Uh, six three and two fifteen, the same height and weight as Tom Brady, the same height and weight as most outside linebackers. Seriously, come on! I mean, the guy would the guy wouldn't know the truth if it bit him in his ass. So let's just what we need to do is to stop listening to him altogether. We need to again keep building the brigade every single day. You know, share, listen. You know, promote it. Tell your friends about it. Make sure, again, that you're um, fully registered as a Democrat to vote and make sure that everybody has not just their ID card, their registration card, but that you help them to get to the polls so that we can have an absolute blue tsunami. The only way that we actually destroy Trumpism 
is to beat them at the polls, because ultimately that's all these politicians care about. It's their next election. So we've already seen, right, 2020 Republicans lost. Biden became president. Then 2022, there was supposed to be this gigantic red wave. No, it's not. It's almost dead even. And we kept not only did we keep the Senate, but we also added seats. If we could continue to do that, again, all these folks care about is winning. If we're able to take additional seats away from them, it is no longer in their best interest to stay on the side of Trumpism. He will then be cast out like a pariah that he is, and we will be able to start to rebuild this country where all politicians, we may disagree with one another, and that's fine. That's the way the system works. But instead, we can at least work with one another in order to benefit the United States of America, not one individual who wants to be your supreme leader. You think about it. You have Donald Trump making videos of himself whining and whining and just bizarre, like not what he's going to do for Americans. Oh, I really wanted 2020 and no weaponization. And, you know, and then you compare that to you mentioned it perfectly. You know, President Biden saying, you know, here's what my administration is doing. You just gave one example, but in any day I could give you 20 examples. And I do this every morning of what Biden's saying. Here's what I'm doing for you. Here's how I am working to make government work for you. You mentioned that 10 Medicare Part D drugs were selected for price negotiation to make them affordable and accessible to people who need them, especially life-saving drugs that Big Pharma, which we're all very, very critical of price gouging. How do you stop that? Here is a tangible solution. Now, we may disagree why was it that this drug was added and not that drug was added and the initial tend to be negotiated, right? That is a debate and a discussion that I'm okay with having. And then President Biden can say, because I think these are notoriously subject to price gouging. These have the most significant immediate impacts. We'll be able to negotiate. And then you may go, no, 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 no. You're forgetting these two drugs, and that's a big mistake. Okay, but what we're talking about is making medication accessible and affordable to people. Let right? me put it to Donald Trump. One thing I do know, I do know pharma. And one thing I can tell you for certain, Joe Biden is not the guy who picked out which drugs that they are going to start negotiating on. And just because there's, I think, 50 drugs that are on the list um, for negotiation with the manufacturers, there is a team of individuals, qualified individuals that aren't being micromanaged by Biden the way Trump used to micromanage everyone. And all he would do is say, I know more. I know more about pharma than the pharma guys. I know more about I have an uncle from MIT. This is the stupid. He knows more about everything. Business, energy, you know, um, NASA, military. He knows more about everything than everybody. It's amazing. You know, in Yiddish, they would call him a Talmud Chacham, right? A genius amongst geniuses. He knows everything about everything. The truth is he doesn't know shit about Shinola. And it, it's, it is so amazing 
that still he's got that stronghold over these maggots that think the guy actually has half a brain with his man, woman, camera, TV. I mean, it is beyond stupid at this point. He, meaning Joe Biden, went ahead, brought in professionals and they started with these drugs. That doesn't mean it starts and stops with these drugs. It's just the beginning. And I promise you, I promise you, as soon as they finish with these 50, there's already 50 more. And they're going to end up doing this with all of the drugs that are there. They're not too dissimilar, for example, to the way Canada you know, deals with negotiation. And they should. They should. The country doesn't have to lose hundreds of millions or billions and billions of dollars simply to put more money into the shareholders of big pharma. It's it's not necessary. You know, and as President Biden's talking about negotiating these these initial 10 Medicare Part D drugs, he's also talking about the 37,000 infrastructure projects that are going up. He's also talking about how he's protecting students, how he's protecting seniors, the initiatives he is taking as MAGA Republicans are trying to control, and they are doing this in Republican-led states, women's rights to control their own body. He's talking about what can we do with the federal government to protect women, to protect equality. And that's why you know, this, these the, making these contrasting examples is so important. So this is President Biden today. You saw those videos of Trump. This is President Biden today at FEMA headquarters. And he's asked a question about how the MAGA Republicans, when they get back into Congress, what they are threatening is to shut down government unless invest, unless criminal cases against Donald Trump go away, unless they say wokeness goes away from certain departments, you know, whatever the heck that even means, because it's just MAGA Republicans speak for they don't even know what the hell they're talking about. Just how could they be discriminatory and evil for evil's sake? But here, President Biden is saying, yeah, a shutdown will actually have catastrophic effects on FEMA and our ability to respond to emergencies during hurricane season. Here, play this clip. Now, are you concerned about a government shutdown and how that affects the work that's being done here at FEMA? It would be a serious, serious problem. I, uh, I'm hoping that uh, there's greater maturity uh, to prevent that from happening than some think. I'm hoping there will be greater maturity and not allow that to actually happen. And, you know, I, I just, I don't, you know, do people want him to act like, like a freaking, oh, Joe Biden? Like, no, I want someone who is somber and compassionate and intelligent. I, I'm not looking for like a wacky Dr. Evil style character. Like I, it's not what I want in someone making life and death decisions over myself, my family, coworkers, colleagues, loved ones, neighbors, community, country. I don't. And the fact that this Trump crap is enabled by MAGA Republicans and a propaganda network, it is sickening. I want to show you this. You know, you know who before, it's we enabled- jump onto, before we jump on to that, first of all, two things. Only Donald, only Donald should be receiving today's two-finger fucking salute for the stupidity and the shit that's coming out of his mouth. Rest assured, the shit that's coming out of his mouth 
is making his ass jealous because this is by far the dumbest move that this guy and could you imagine the idiots that are around him? so maybe to them too a good fuck you could you imagine the idiots that are sitting around him yeah donald this is a great idea this is a great idea yeah go after joe biden let me tell you one other thing that joe biden did in the month of august while diaper donald is sitting there shitting on himself you know what he did I'm going to read this. He signed two bills into law that give the Department of Justice and other federal agencies more time to investigate and prosecute Paycheck Protection Program. That's the PPP and COVID-19 Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the EIDL. All right. He's going after all of the money that was improperly taken by people, um, you know, simply thinking that. Oh, the government's giving out free money. And this all occurred under the Trump administration. You know, it's when somebody like Kushner gets, what, 13, 20 million dollars, whatever the amount was in PPP money. All right. There's a real problem with that, especially considering we already know that Kushner and Ivanka pulled down over 640 million during that time. In the White House, they don't need the PPP money. And good for well, Biden and the DOJ. He's going after all of the money that was improperly taken by people, um, you know, simply thinking that, oh, the government's giving out free money. And this all occurred under the Trump administration. You know, it's when somebody like Kushner gets, what, 13, 20 million dollars, whatever the amount was in PPP money. All right. There's a real problem with that, especially considering we already know that Kushner and Ivanka pulled down over 640 million during their time in the White House. They don't need the PPP money. And good for Biden and the DOJ for turning around and whatever other law enforcement agencies will come and hold these people accountable for the lies and the false filings that they did in order to take money. The part of this part that really pisses me the fuck off, really pisses me off, is when the Republicans turn around and they start to attack Joe Biden for wanting to, as an example, uh, get rid of student loans. That's not OK. Right. That's not OK. And that's a de minimis amount of money compared to the amount of money that was stolen from PPP. But look to see who the people are that took the PPP money. All right. These are these are so many of the insiders. We know so many members on the Republican side in Congress took real money from PPP. This is absolutely absurd. Instead, so instead of providing of again a benefit to, PPP you know, to all Americans, money. all students uh, that, you know, that have these outstanding loans. Instead, that's not good. But the PPP money, which was basically handed out willy-nilly because trump and his team didn't really prepare properly Manichin for the dissemination of this oversight. money and the tracking of it um i mean from what i understand there's still like a half a trillion dollars or something missing i mean it's crazy numbers yeah. that that are missing right now so as far as i'm concerned once again ding 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 for joe biden eh, 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 for donald and as you think about things like inflation 
um, and now President Biden getting it under control. And you think about the types of money being printed indiscriminately with a mismanaged PPP program. And that's the key thing, I think, to mention, mismanaged, because if it was done with intelligence and it was targeted in the right areas, but it was so fraught with fraud, it's created a lot of problems like in all of Donald Trump's life where he borrows, borrows, borrows and then doesn't want there to be repercussions and then leaves his businesses or his shareholders or other people bankrupt. And I think the important part that you point out there, too, is, is the hypocrisy. Like, look, I don't hold it against them. If you needed the PPP loan and you used it the right way, you know, OK. But then if you got it, now you're going to attack people who are getting far less money than you got in a way that they needed it in a very kind of targeted and sophisticated way. That hypocrisy and cruelty to me is one of the key things that need to be called out. Now, the two finger salute that you gave, I'm not going to say that it was truly premature because I think Trump absolutely deserves it, but I'm going to show you quite possibly the most cringe video of the year because this is what the MAGA Republicans are talking about right now. As Democrats are talking about infrastructure and jobs is to beat them at the polls because ultimately that's all these politicians were selected for price negotiation to make them affordable and accessible to people. We can say, because I think these are notoriously subject to price gouging. There is a team of individuals qualified, meaning Joe Biden went ahead, brought in professionals, billions and billions of dollars simply to put more money into the shareholders of Big Pharma. It's, it's not necessary. You know, and as President Biden's talking about negotiating these these initial 10 Medicare Part D drugs, he's also talking about the 37. President Biden's talking about negotiating unless they their own rights that are going up. He's also talking about how he's protecting students, how he's protecting seniors, the initiatives he is taking as MAGA Republicans are trying to control, and they are doing this in Republican-led states, women's rights to control their own body. He's talking about what can we do with the federal government to protect women, to protect equality. And that's why, you know, this these the, making these contrasting examples is so important. So this is President Biden today. You saw those videos of Trump. This is President Biden today at FEMA headquarters about how the MAGA Republicans, when they get back into Congress, what they are threatening is to serious problem. Intelligent. I'm not looking for like a sickening. I want to show you this, you know, know, before we jump on to to that, first of all, two things. Only Donald, only Donald should be receiving today's two-finger fucking salute for the stupidity and the shit that's coming out of his mouth. Rest assured, the shit that's coming out of his mouth is making his ass jealous. Because this is... Let me tell you one other... Two-finger fucking salute. Only Donald... Only Donald should be receiving today's... Two finger fucking salute for the stupidity and the shit that's coming out of his mouth. Rest assured, the shit that's coming out of his mouth.
is making his ass jealous because this is by far the dumbest move that this guy can. and could you imagine the idiots that are around him so maybe to them too a good fuck you could you imagine the idiots that are sitting around him yeah, about the thirty-seven thousand infrastructure projects right. that are going up he's also talking about how he's protecting students, how he's protecting seniors, the initiatives he is taking as MAGA Republicans are trying to control, and they are doing this in Republican-led states, women's rights to control their own body. He's talking about what can we do with the federal government to protect women, to protect equality. And that's why, you know, this these the, making these contrasting examples is so important. So this is President Biden today. You saw those videos of Trump. This is President Biden today at FEMA headquarters, and he's asked a question about how the McDonald's... You know what he did? I'm going to read this. He signed two bills into law that give the Department of Justice and other federal agencies... It, I'm going to read this. He signed... Good for Biden and the... I'm going to read this. He signed two bills into law that give the Department of Justice and other federal agencies more time to investigate and prosecute Paycheck Protection Program, that's the PPP, and COVID-19 Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the EIDL. All right, he's going after all of the money that was improperly taken by people, um, you know, simply thinking that, oh, the government's giving out free money. And this all occurred under the Trump administration. You know, it's when somebody like Kushner gets what, 13, 20 million dollars whatever the amount was in PPP There's a real problem with that, especially considering we already know that Kushner. And Ivanka pulled down over 640 million. During that time. In the White House, they don't need the PPP money. And good for Biden. And I'm going to read this. He signed two bills into law that give the Department of Justice and other federal agencies more time to investigate and prosecute Paycheck Protection Program, that's the PPP, and COVID-19 Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the EIDL. 
All right. He's going after all of the money that was improperly taken by people um, you know, simply thinking that, oh, the government's giving out free money. And this all occurred under the Trump administration. You know, it's when somebody like Kushner gets, what, 13, 20 million dollars, whatever the amount was in PPP money. All right. There's a real problem with that, especially considering we already know that Kushner and Ivanka pulled down over 640 million during that time in the White House. They don't need the PPP money. Agencies more time to investigate and prosecute paycheck protection. more time to investigate and prosecute Paycheck Protection Program, that's the PPP, and COVID-19 Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the EIDL. All right, he's going after all of the money that was improperly taken by people, um, you know, simply thinking that, oh, the government's giving out free money. And this all occurred Under the Trump administration. Still there. Hello, darlings. Shout out to KM Christian Radio at the University of Aridstone. And KPYT, Pasquayoki, Travel Radio, Travel Radio, Travel Radio.
on the roads with just a shout. Travel radio, travel radio. Under the Trump administration, you know, it's when somebody like Kushner gets what, 13, 20 million dollars, whatever the amount was in PPP money. All right. There's a real problem with that, especially considering we already know that Kushner and Ivanka pulled down over 640 million during their time in the White House. They don't need the PPP money. And good for Biden Taking and the DOJ the for turning other, around and whatever other Americans. law enforcement agencies will come and hold these people accountable for the lies and the false filings that they did in order to take money. The part of this part that really pisses me the fuck off, really pisses me off, is when the Republicans turn around and they start to attack Joe Biden for wanting to, as an example, uh, get rid of student loans. That's not okay, right? That's not okay. And that's a de minimis amount of money compared to the amount of money that was stolen from PPP. But look to see who the people are that took the PPP money. All right. These are these are so many of the insiders. We know so many members on the Republican side in Congress took real money from PPP. This is absolutely absurd. Instead, instead of providing, again, a benefit to, you know, to all Americans, all students uh, that, you know, that have these outstanding loans. Instead, that's not good. But the PPP money, which was basically handed out willy-nilly because Trump and his team didn't really prepare properly for the dissemination of this money and the tracking of it. Um, I mean, from what I understand, there's still like a half a trillion dollars or something missing. I mean, it's crazy numbers that that are missing right now. So as far as I'm concerned, once again, ding, ding, ding for Joe Biden. The foreclosure king, they call him. And as you think about things like inflation, um, and now President Biden getting it under control, and you think about the types of money being printed indiscriminately with a mismanaged PPP program, and that's the key thing I think to mention, mismanaged, because if it was done with intelligence and it was targeted in the right areas, but it was so fraught with fraud, it's created a lot of problems, like in all of Donald Trump's life, where he borrows, 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 and then doesn't want there to be repercussions, and then leaves his businesses or his shareholders or other people bankrupt. And I think the important part that you point out there, too, is it's the hypocrisy. Like, look, I don't hold it right. against them, but if you needed the PPP loan and That's you used it the right way, you know, okay, but then if you got it, 
now you're going to attack people who are getting far less money than you got in a way that they needed in a very kind of targeted and sophisticated more way. Than you, hypocrisy and cruelty to me is one of the key things that need to be called out. Now, the two-finger salute that you gave, I'm not going to say that it was truly premature because I think Trump absolutely deserves it, but I'm going to show you quite possibly the most cringe video of the year because this is what the MAGA Republicans are talking about right now as Democrats are talking about infrastructure and jobs and health care and education and equality and a woman's right to control her body and veterans. This is the issue right now that's on Fox and Newsmax and that MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives and the Senate are talking about. This is their new green M&M. Disney's too woke, Target this, uh, Dr. Seuss, Mr. Potato, you know, all that crap. This is the gas stoves, bathrooms. This is the new one. This is Ted Cruz coming up with a deranged conspiracy. And then he has these, like, people behind him, like, drinking a beer. Just watch it, and then we'll talk about it. Play this clip. state has now done that for new construction. A positive image for this country and not the image of hate that large media networks want to do and how local news, which is owned by big media conglomerates, want everyone so angry and angry and angry. And don't get me wrong, we, there's things we should be angry about, absolutely, and call it out. But as a community, I want to support my neighbor. I want to support this community. I want everybody to be better. I want to, for us all to empower each other and come up with tangible solutions. Salty right now is confirming we're number three in the world, number one in news in the world right now. Well, let, let's not forget, when the going uh, got tough in Texas, Ted Cruz went to Cancun. I mean, if that in and of itself doesn't say something to you about the character of this clown, all of a sudden he's a tough guy. Why, where was his toughness when Donald was shitting on his wife, right? Where was where was Ted Cruz's big mouth there? He's a sniveling coward and so on. Yeah, this bullshit with the beer and with Budweiser, yeah, it's, this is all part of their agenda to raise and to grift money off of this 30% of the Republican base that is so lost they are so in, just indoctrinated into the dumpster cult of Trump that they don't know how to extricate themselves from it. And so all of these lepers, like the Ted Cruz's, like the Marjorie Toilet Greens, all of them, what they're doing is they're all competing for dollars. Whatever these yeah. folks have, they're just competing to take their dollar. You know, like, there's, like, the MAGA rapper, right, who's, like, the worst rapper, but all this guy, like, Forgatio Blow does is, that's his name, the moment he just goes, and yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene, we're MAGA, January 6th, like, like, literally, the word, that's not me trying, that's me making fun of him, and it's like, okay, now, give me your money, and then MAGA gives him their money, you know, as you dig deeper into this Vivek Ramasamwe, and you learned about, we talked about this on the other episode, I won't go in, you know, into it further than this, which is just like the pump and dump scheme, you know, regarding this drug that was in this kind of stage yep. two clinical trials that he claimed was going to, you know, you know, 
breached the market. It didn't. He made the money. His shareholders got screwed. He's like someone who's never even voted before. And it's like, okay, he's full MAGA now because that's his next grip. He realizes all you got to do is go full MAGA and there'll be a group of people who support you after he engaged in some of the most heinous conduct. And he's doing what he's doing with MAGA. I saw him on, you know, all those financial shows and CNBC kind of doing the shtick back then about this stock that absolutely tanked and he changed the name about it. But anyway, we'll leave that for another we'll leave that for another day. Um, tonight there will be the Midas Touch podcast, eight Eastern, five Pacific. Michael Popak will be filling in for my younger brother Brett while he is still abroad. Excited for that. That's eight Eastern, five Pacific. Make sure you all get revenge. Michael Cohen's book. How Donald Trump weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice against his critics. Real weaponization right there wherever books and audiobooks are sold. Go to MidasTouch.com, which is our new homepage. Ron Filipkowski is our editor-in-chief and doing an incredible job. We've got digital editors like ASIN and others. It's truly an incredible website, different than anything else out there. And frankly, all we use is we find the clips of here's what they're saying and just making these comparisons. That's MidasTouch.com. Check that out. Store.MidasTouch.com again for all of your pro-democracy gear, 100% made in the USA, 100% made in America. There's the Mar-a-Lardo Correctional Facility shirt. I don't believe in showing Donald Trump's face facing you, so that's why he's facing the opposite direction and behind bars where he belongs. That's store.MidasTouch.com. And please just make sure you share this, even if it's with one person. Share this YouTube, share this audio podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on all platforms, YouTube, watchers. Go subscribe now on audio to Political Beatdown. Audio listeners, subscribe to the Midas Let's see here. I'm putting a message on Instagram for Michael Cohen.
Bad behavior, and she can gently place them between your legs and sit over them. Gently press peak to the ground, put zero weight on them, and says sit over. So it's dumb as what you can say. Let's say somebody pick them up and give them up the cuddles. Oh, this is interesting. Gently press peak to the ground, put zero weight, and says sit around them. Way, the way they show dominance to each other. You spend your time chasing you fly away. But if you spend your time making a beautiful garden, the butterflies will come to you. When you focus on improving yourself, everything you want will come to you. We attract based on who we are, not what we want. Don't chase, attract. If you spend your time chasing butterflies, they'll fly away. But if you spend your time making a beautiful garden, the butterflies will come to you. When you focus on improving yourself, everything you want will come to you. We attract based on who we are, not what we want. Don't chase, attract. Don't chase butterflies, butterflies. fly away. But if you spend your time spend your time chasing butterflies, they'll fly away. But if you spend your time making a beautiful garden, the butterflies will come to you. When you focus on improving yourself, everything you want will come to you. This burrow here contains an animal that is a miracle of nature. All animals are miracles of nature, but this one, epic, doesn't come close. Here's one. It's a Manx Shearwater burrow. A so what? what the uh, adult does is try to preserve, and then it comes back and it lays one egg in there. And as the chick matures, eventually gets to the point about 10 days before the chick can disappear. Parent disappears. The adult bird disappears and leaves the chick all on its own. 
comes out, sits here. Yeah. And stargazes. Mm. Looks at the stars. Huh. And it makes a map from mm. the stars. And then after about 10 days of that, it thinks to itself, you know what? I'm going to Brazil. Just takes it flies to Brazil. How on earth does that happen? This burrow here contains an animal that is a miracle of nature. All animals are miracles of nature, but this one, epic, doesn't come close. And here's what it's a Manx shearwater burrow. So, what the uh, adult does is it flies to Brazil and then it comes back and it lays one egg in there. And as the chick matures, Eventually it gets to a point about 10 days before the chick can disappear. The parent disappears, the adult bird disappears, and leaves the chick all on the same. The chick comes out, sits here, and stargazes. It looks at the stars. And it makes a map from the stars. And then after about 10 days of that, it thinks to itself, you know what? I'm going to Brazil. It just takes off and flies to Brazil. How on earth does that happen? Doug <laughs> forgot he was standing on a fountain. Blew him out. Like uh, Chinese people harvesting. how they uh, harvest and tie them up and stuff. What is that? Some kind of grain? Is that like... Uh... Believe it or not, this is a real species of praying mantis. Wow. This incredible creature is known as a bark mantis nymph from Thailand. Wow. The praying mantis has three life stages, got egg, nymph, and adult. Flies around. This is considered incomplete metamorphosis, where the juveniles look just like adults, only smaller and wingless. Rather than significantly changing shape after metamorphosis, the praying mantis just grows larger until its final size is achieved and its wings develop. Believe it or not, That's this so is a cool. real species of praying mantis. This incredible creature is not... The kagu, an almost extinct bird, meets its own kind. Oh, wow. Oh, it's so beautiful. They're dancing. New Caledonia. Christ is alive. Look, it's a 
It says what the wife doesn't know, and then there's this plant that rises and, and um, with some champagne and stuff. <laughs> out a toy. Huh. Want some treats with the money you found. male great hornbill brings food to nesting female. Female will enter a nest and then sealed using a compacted mud. She will stay here for several months with her chicks and relies on the male to deliver food through the opening. Hornbills in Myanmar's Arakan Mountains. Ultimate fly swatter. <laughs> Using a chameleon to catch flies. Grandma was right, grow food, raise chickens, cook in lard, bake bread, walk barefoot, read books. Focus on family. 
spray. David. Suppose did a brutal LGBTQ LGBT supporter get knocked out? Trump can take a joke, Biden can't. Good news, America.
The good news, Patriots, there's no chance in hell Donald Jackass Trump is going to get on the ballot or be president again. Hi there, we're listening to the Young Tucks. Thanks for 152 or something. And, uh, oops, what happens to it now? That's his. Oops. Well, let's see what's on Midas' test. Trump screwed himself on Midas on him. interview. Maybe Vets calls out completely incompetent DeSantis. Something. Michael Cohen has pitch perfect response to Trump something or other. Trump's prosecutors in new videos the worst week. Okay, four hours ago. Come out with your hands up, you fucking traitor and terrorist and thief. Going down, bitch. Or otherwise stated were deleted or altered. Were in fact not deleted or altered. Lock up this motherfucking traitor, stupid fucking pussies at the Justice Department. Donald Trump was on a posting spree like it was a holiday sale to conspiracy or sinister problem. Hey everyone, welcome to What Was That? I'm Gabe Sanchez. Donald Trump went on an absolute bender by releasing a flurry of videos ranging from shirtless Joe Biden to globalist Rupert Murdoch to slow Bill Barr. And of course, they were all posted on True Social, which means they're all 100% true, right? The security tapes from Mar-a-Lago that evil and sinister prosecutor deranged Jack Smith leaked, or otherwise stated were deleted or altered, were in fact not deleted or altered at all. In fact, I didn't even have to give them. These are my tapes. I gave them openly and freely. Donald Trump was on a posting spree like it was a holiday sale at a conspiracy theory store. So naturally, I made an infomercial about it. Now that's what I call a Trump rant, volume 193. I defeated 100% of the ISIS caliphate. Everyone said that couldn't be done. The biggest loser. Does anybody really believe I lost Georgia? Because I don't. The latest rant from a small Mar-a-Lago room. Filled up with Marxists, fascists, communists, and radical left Democrats. 31 deranged videos from a deranged old man. And sleep, sleep, sleep. That's what he wants to do. Is there anyone on the planet that doesn't know what I look like? I wish there were some people like that. That'd be very nice for me. Now that's what I call a Trump rant, volume 193. All kidding aside, I think Trump may have set a new record. In the span of four hours and 13 minutes, Trump graced the world with not one, not ten, but 31 videos. That's a video every eight minutes. Chill out, dude. Relax, man. Look, I watched all 31 videos, so you don't have to, but before we begin, I need to go wash out my eyes. <coughs> all right, much better. Now, I picked out some moments from his whirlwind of videos to fact check, and of course, it couldn't be one with that if we didn't laugh at him. So, like a true narcissist who is self-conscious about his size and performance, Trump's first video was him bragging about how big his poll numbers were. My poll numbers are up since the very boring, record-setting low, the ratings that is, they were low ratings. Which polls, Rasmussen? As in the same poll that Trump plant and gubernatorial loser Larry Elder said was affiliated with Trump? They say it is affiliated with Donald Trump and therefore uh, it is not eligible. And I said to Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman of the RNC, not affiliated with me. She said any poll affiliated with any candidate is not eligible. Rasmussen is antiquated and oftentimes prone to error since it relies heavily on calling landlines, 
which skews to an older demographic, thus more Republicans. And not only that, but it also has a flawed methodology when it comes to the phrasing of its questions. Leading by big numbers, we are leading by numbers like nobody's led before, I made the right decision. What the hell is Trump talking about? You know, sometimes I wonder how many of his gibberish rants never actually make it to air. Like I imagine during his 3 a.m. video tirade, Walt Nauta just tells Trump that the camera's recording and then hands him a Diet Coke to keep him happy. We broke all records with the Tucker Carlson interview. We had 261 million people watching. No, 261 million people did not watch their interview on Twitter. My interview with Tucker Carlson has turned out to be the single most watched video and interview in the history of the world, I guess. The metrics you see on Twitter are not actually video views, they're impressions, which means if you scroll past a video on your timeline, it counts as a view, even if you didn't watch it. That's because Elon Musk foolishly paid $44 billion for Twitter, and now he's having performance anxiety. So in order to fix this, he has to artificially inflate the metrics to make Twitter look better than it really is. And that's exactly what Elon did by reposting this insane interview into everyone's timeline. What happened to Mike Pence? Do you think that's going to sell themselves sincerely? Do you think we're moving towards civil war? As of August 24th, when Twitter listed the video at 233 million views, aka impressions, it was actually only at 14.5 million video views. Oh, and in case you were curious, a real video view will only count if it's been watched for at least two seconds. So anyone telling you that they watched the full interview is either lying or they need to go touch grass. And when that interview failed, Trump leaned into his go-to strategy, attack everyone, especially President Biden. Crooked Joe Biden is totally controlled by China, Ukraine, and various other countries. They know everything about him, all of his misdeeds, and there are many. He's a corrupt person. He's a compromised president who is leading our country to hell. Coming from the guy who praises and loves Vladimir Putin, artificially inflated the value of his business, was impeached twice, and has now been indicted four times just this year for committing a medley of crimes. Crooked Joe Biden's only campaign strategy is indicting me. That's all they can do. Keep indicting him on nonsense. Nonsense. Trump is screwed six ways from Sunday. This guy was just hit with a RICO charge in Georgia for trying to overturn the election results. Going on extended vacations and sleep, sleep, sleep. That's what he wants to do. He sleep, wants to sleep, sleep and he sleep. wants to go to the beach and sleep. He thinks he looks good in a bathing suit. He doesn't. I think it's pretty clear that Trump is spending way too much time obsessing over Biden shirtless on a beach as he thinks of ways to body shame him. Not that Trump would be any better. I mean, this is what Trump looks like with a polo and a hat on. Also, I love when Trump or MAGA brings up vacations because it's almost like they intentionally forget how Trump took 500 vacations to his own property. Which, by the way, his company... How many millions did he cost taxpayers of fucking golf? Every other day, he spent like a whole year playing golf. Time to go golfing all the time. As well as this huh. promise in 2016. If I get elected president, I'm going to be in the White House a lot. I'm not leaving. But it's just like Trump to project a his own thoughts and failures on Biden, like with Afghanistan. We were leaving Afghanistan with dignity and strength. Biden left in shame huh. and defeat. A defeat like this country right. has never suffered. Before. Actually, here are the facts. Trump rushed to sign a memo on November 11, 2020. Just the fuck up, sabotage Biden. US troops from Somalia in Afghanistan. Disaster, the generals didn't even want to do it. And the president says, I think it, it could have been Pompeo, but he says words to the effect of, yeah, we lost, we need to let that issue go to the next guy. Hi, I'm Nicole Hawkins from Sandy Hook Thomas. 
I know this is hard to hear, but it's well, important. Well, at least uh, the shooter who murdered my son devil's, uh, carried an AR-15. Be the devil's advocate. You got it, if you got us out of that Afghanistan, that's absolutely a good thing. We should have not been in fucking Afghanistan in the first place. Afghanistan in the most tumultuous way possible as to sabotage Biden. Even the generals didn't want to do it all. or maybe dereliction of his duties to put Just uh, for birds. Because that Trump reported purposely withdrew from Afghanistan in a rush. Right before Biden would take office to sabotage the incoming president, I think that's a form of treason. The left-wing lunatics are trying very hard to bring back COVID lockdowns and mandates with all of their sudden fear-mongering about the new variants that are coming. Gee whiz, you know what else is coming? An election. Gee whiz, you know what else is coming? Trump's seven trials between now and 2024. Trump is clearly freaking out and trying to fear-monger his base. Oh, and don't forget, Trump was the one who issued a COVID lockdown back in 2020, not Biden. And on top of that, a virus doesn't give a shit about anyone's political party. So if you don't want to follow health guidelines, it's your funeral. But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, Hear these words, we will not comply. Also, I find it hilarious that Trump is saying we will not comply just days after he posted a photo of his mugshot on Twitter with the phrase, never surrender. Now, I know MAGA is a bit slow off the mark, but this was taken after Trump literally surrendered in Fulton County, just like he surrendered for every other indictment this year. But sure, keep claiming you won't comply and thinking these indictments will actually help you. Now we're in a partially corrupt system of justice. We call it a system of justice. It's really a system of injustice filled up with Marxist, fascist, communist, and radical left Democrats. Uh-oh, Trump just said all the buzzwords. That's a go. Like most of Trump's rants, he has no idea what he's talking about. For example, the Twitter files. These indictments and lawsuits are all part of my political opponent's campaign plan. It is election interference, and they are going to use the DOJ and the FBI to help them which is totally illegal. It happened before. You remember the FBI and Twitter? 
of any Georgia tax dollars. And hopefully, Representative Jordan and Representative Biggs will follow suit in Congress and strip her of her federal dollars, too, because she is not upholding her oath to the Constitution. Leave it to MAGA to be the most uneducated and violent people in the room. But, hey, they learned it from their leader, Daddy Trump. I mean, just look at the way that Trump goes back into attack mode against former Attorney General Bill Barr. Why does Fox News constantly put on slow-thinking and lethargic Bill Barr who didn't have the courage or stamina to fight the radical left lunatics while he was the Attorney General of the United States and who, even more importantly, refused to fight election fraud, of which there was much. Here's the thing. Trump is still pissed that Barr told the January 6th committee the claims of fraud were bullshit. And Trump definitely won't like that Barr went on a Fox News to respond to Trump's video. Uh, your, your former boss was on Truth Social quite prodigiously the other day saying some rather unkind things about you, uh, for example, that you're slow thinking, accused you of a lack of courage. How do you respond? Well, he said a little bit. That's not what he was saying uh, before I told him that there was, uh, that we hadn't seen the evidence of fraud that he was telling the American people about. Before that, he sung a much different tune. And then also saying this. A prominent person commits a crime and there's a, and the seeking office uh, that doesn't give them immunity. If there's if there's enough time to have it resolved before the election, it should be resolved. The idea that, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry, we'll let you get run in the election, and then after we'll address it, that's not a principle. Uh, I mean, just think, some mayor uh, charge, you know, charged with massive embezzlement, and he says, well, you know, it's a year and a half to the election. Let's put that on hold while I run for a re-election. It's silly. All right, well, I think that sums up this shit show. Sorry, what's that? Trump released another 11 videos while we were filming? Okay, I get it. We'll do one more clip. Now that's what I call a Trump rant, volume 194. I just want to thank you for your tremendous support, and here it is. If you want to go out and get it, you can go out and get it. Have fun with it. But people do like it, I must say. Thank you very much. Holy shit, look at the difference in color between Trump's hand and his face. Trump looks like a corpse where the mortician took a Kofefe break and just never returned to finish the makeup. Also, Trump is trying to act tough by selling mugshot shirts that say never surrender, even though he literally surrendered like the aspect. Well, that's all for me today. Thanks so much for watching, and feel free to connect with me at I am Gabe Sanchez. But before you go, I want to remind everyone that you can support this show by signing up for my Patreon. As a member, you'll get access to episodes before they go public, a live weekend show, Q&As, and discounted merch. To subscribe, go to patreon.com slash Sanchez. So until next episode, I'm Gabe Sanchez, and this has been... What was that? You can save big today with sales and promotions on your favorite items. And you'll find it all in the Fry's app. So download the app and start saving more today. Fry's, fresh for everyone.
Hey there. How's it going? Trying to feel some more heat. Thanks for 252k. When you uh. shop with your Labor Day clearance, you get deals so big. Those of you saying. Donald Trump and his 